see it going live on um, YouTube, I got to switch over to Facebook real quick, make sure it shows up over yeah. there too. Or say, hey, Tom C is here. All right. All right. Now, this is the weird thing. Uh, hold on. Let me. Um, uh, somebody needs to mute whatever they got going on because I just heard Sorry. it. I, yeah, that's me. All, all better. All right. So here's my. Here's what I don't understand right now. And yes, I think technically we're live, but it's like instead of it being green, it's yellow on, on my YouTube live thing where, you know, it usually says. Um, Hold on, let me, and I have to mute this. It is streaming yeah, on, on needs, YouTube. I'm watching it. It looks like it's streaming on YouTube as well. All right. Um, if anybody wants to share this out, like maybe on the face group, um, uh, if anybody wants to share out the, um, the whatchamacallit, share out the, the um, Facebook live stream. Here, let me just do it real quick before I hit the intro. All right, so I'm going to hit share. I'm going to go to share. I'm going to go to group. I'm going to go to TRS-80. And I'm going to say we're live. All right. All right. So I'm posting that. I've just posted that we're... So we are live on Facebook. We are live on YouTube. Sorry, just working out some uh, new new things, last minute stuff. And all right, we're going to press the button here and start the intro. And we let the dumpster fire begin. Hold on. Here we go. Hi, this is Dale Lear, designer of TRS-80 Color Baseball. And you're listening to Coco Talk. is Coco Talk, the world's leading live talk show featuring the Tandy Color Computer. With your host, Mr. Can't Get Past Level 1 in Any Game, Stevie Stroh. Alright, what's going on everybody? Good evening, good evening, welcome one and all, and welcome back to another episode of Coco Talk. We are here now in episode 95, named after my favorite version of Windows. And uh, we have got an incredible panel of just talented, uh, amazingly accomplished, and not to mention incredibly good-looking men here. Uh, for those of you not aware, we will be having the calendar of Coco Talk uh, coming out soon. The ladies will go wild for that. So let's start in the upper top left-hand corner wearing an incredibly awesome shirt that says, I'm a coconut. Mark B is with us. Mark Bosley, how are you doing this evening? Oh, just fine. Excellent, excellent, excellent. Next to Mark, uh, also probably wearing a really nice shirt too, even though it doesn't say I'm a coconut, but we got John Strong of Strong Wear with us. Good evening, John. How are you? And he's muted. Just kind of muted. Yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I got two mute buttons on there. Only one works. So, yeah, good evening, everybody. Good evening, good evening. And next to you, um, the guy, man, he's uh, you're in Times Square right now. We've got a lot of people with some really cool backgrounds right now. Apparently, uh, you know, the production value in this show has just gone up <laughs> to its first notch. Uh, Rob Inman is with us, our announcer and co-host. What's going on there, Mr. Rob Inman? Good evening, good morning, good afternoon, wherever you are. All right. And uh, from the great 
White North, speaking of uh, co-hosts and announcers and interviewers and hosts of the uh, Color Computer Games List website, co-creator of Nitrous 9 and the head of the spear of the Ease of Use Project now, too, Mr. L. Curtis Boyles with us. How's it going, nice eh? Nice to have you all. No, I'm <laughs> yeah. Hello, everyone. Good to be back. It's good to have you. Now, this would not be a show without lots of foreign uh, dignitaries so you don't get more foreign than all the way down to the bottom of the earth here so from down under we have nicholas morentes good eye nick and good eye how are you good, oh, uh, good afternoon i should say <laughs> it's afternoon here. good afternoon in the future no less right it's sunday afternoon future. that's right sunday afternoon in the future for nick that's morentes. Right. if anyone's interested i have tomorrow's lotto results so just <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to also point out real quick a very important announcement. Nick Marota is in the live chat. Everybody say hi, Nick Marota. Hey, Nick. Hey, Nick. Hey, Nick. Nick, Nick Marota. Nick Marota. Nick Marota is here. Uh, another foreigner. Apparently, we keep building these walls and they keep climbing over it. But another Canadian, from from also from the Great White North, we got Mr. D. Bruce Moore with us. How's it going, eh? I'm uh, currently corresponding from the Forest of Doom. <laughs> <laughs> there is no wall around that forest, right? So He's trapped. Ah, the Forest of there's, Doom. There's nothing over my shoulder, is there? Nah, there's a <laughs> big red scary tree behind you. Don't turn around. <laughs> I don't even know what order to go in. Okay, now we're going to go down as we're playing Hollywood Squares here. Jason Downs is with us. Hello, Jason. Thank you, and welcome back to the program. Hey, guys. Welcome, welcome. Hello, hello. Uh, the coiner of the phrase dumpster fire has joined us from Boyson Technologies. Mr. Richard Lorbieski is with us. X in the center square. X in the center square. I'd like to take dumpster fire to block, please. Yes. Um, also talking about our our um, our global influence, uh, our the culture, the cultural reach that we have here on this show, all the way from New Jersey. Our engineer Tom C is with us. How's it? How, how you guys doing over there in Jersey? Uh, that's actually Tony. Don't let the name uh, Tom. <laughs> Tony. Hey. Tony from Jersey. Tony from Jersey. And then I believe this guy does know the way to San Jose. In somewhere in California, we got Mikey, Michael Furman. How you doing, Mikey? Hey, going good. This is my last weekend of uh, of uh, batching it before uh, Leafy returns. So hope this is a good show. All right. So you've been you've been uh, you've been without adult supervision for quite some time. That's right. Today I'm doing those honeydews that were ordered uh, yeah. from 7,000 miles away. Right, the piles of laundry and dishes and everything else that's uh, been stacking up. And and I see you are working from inside of a computer right now. Is that a motherboard there behind you? What's going on? You I inside have a, a Z80 Raspberry? over my shoulder. Yeah. <laughs> what a rebel am I? Re re reporting from inside a TRS-80. It's Michael Furman. So, yes. No, inside uh, a ZX-81. Oh, oh, a ZX. No oh, oh, ho, ho. wow. the kid, right? Zed, the the kid brother of the MC10. So um, this one's quite a quite a quite a piece of work. If you look uh, at the picture, and and uh, and I am I am your host this week. Your 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 every now and then host. I'm Stevie Stroh, the guy who can't get past level one in any game, but I'm here. Except um, Omnistar. Omnistar, yes, Omnistar. So we have um, 
We have 24 people watching us live on YouTube right now, 25. We have seven people watching us live right now on Facebook. Some of these might be uh, duplicates for all I know. But we're doing something different today uh, just to see um, how, how things go. Oh, from Montreal, we got Stephen uh, Odston. Now, these the fonts are a little hard to read for me right now. So Stephen Aslan in Facebook says, hello from Montreal. Hey, Stephen, or Stefan. Sorry, I'm uh, American, can't read. Um, but in the live chat so far, we've had Rob Inman, Curtis Boyle, Tim Franklin, Bill Noble, another Canadian. How's it going? A Bill has been in the live chat. Curtis Boyle's in the live chat. Eric Canales from Chicago is in the live chat right now. Tom C. from Jersey. Perry D. is here. Uh, saying hello, stars, as in like the, uh, you know, what, what they call it, the Hollywood Walk of Fame, whatever they call that show, Hollywood Squares, right? So... Um, Briza Viva La Coco. Uh, that's Briza. Briza. That's that's next neighbor. Yeah. Briza. Okay, so Briza's out there. Yeah, Chris Cromwell's out there. Rob Inman's there. Perry's here. Uh, Briza. Perry. Stefan or Stefan or Stephen. Okay, Neil Bernal. Bernal. Neil Bernal. Mark B. There's a Mike Craig just jumped jumped in on Facebook saying hello from Michigan. So we're just getting sound offs and shout offs from from around the globe. Um, we're here. It's episode 95. Um, somebody who's missing from the panel right now, our celebrity interview wrangler, Mr. Ron Delvaux, is not here. And 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 we do have a plan. Um, <clears throat> however. The time of this plan and the execution of this plan and the actual possible happening of this plan <laughs> are all to be determined. But we do have a couple of um, special guests uh, potentially supposed to be here tonight to join us. So uh, look forward to that. That's been a little working in the makes and um, hopefully one or two or both of them may show up this evening. Uh, we've also just been joined by uh, one of the celebrity members. So there's a lot of us regular folks on here, but every now and then we get one of these, um, you know, highfalutin Coco celebrities. So this guy's got an introduction. Yeah, he's got an introduction longer than, um, you know, the, the phone book. But as seen at uh, Korgscon, Hanvention. PenFest 98, PenFest 99, at CocoFest, maker of the Switcheroo and the Wallaby and the brother of Ken Reichert. It's none other than Jason, the Coco Man Reichert. How you doing, Jason? Good evening. Doing well, doing well. I, I guess I'm here just in time for my introduction. <laughs> yes, you are. I have to add that he has an active warrant for his arrest. <laughs> active <laughs> warrant for his arrest. Are you driving, Jason? I am. Well, do me a favor. Look in your rearview mirror real quick. <laughs> Yes, <laughs> and also see that on the backup camera. Yes. Uh, also, speaking of Coco rock stars, I've just been joined by Paul Thayer, creator of the Timberman, and many other fine Coco products. How you doing, Paul? Hey, good. How's everybody doing tonight? Uh, we're doing far out, man. We're doing good. Far out. Yes. Nice. Yeah. So, <laughs> hey, Paul, you got electric back in time to make it to the show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, what was going on in Facebook? I saw that you had uh, what? So what happened to your house, dude? Uh, a tree came down across the street and ripped the cable mast right off the side of my house. Ouch! Uh, yeah, so had to pay an electrician to come out because consumers' energy doesn't doesn't do anything with it, anything attached to your house. So uh, it was cold for a couple of days, um, and then my uh, today my garage door was frozen shut. And took care of that, so 
Yeah, it's been kind of a crazy, uh, crazy <laughs> week up here for me, but. Okay. I had the same experience last week when I was coming back from Texas because when I got back, I have a thermostat that has uh, AA batteries in it to control, and you can you know, program it for certain times of the day to do certain temperatures. And apparently the batteries died while I was gone, so when I got here, it was 35 degrees Fahrenheit inside the house. Oh, no. I was this real... close to the pipes freezing, but I, I got lucky there. That's way colder than it got in my house. It was 45 in here, but the wood floors, man, those felt like they were wa- like we were walking on icicles. <laughs> yeah. But... But we made it. Well, I'm glad that your your pipes didn't uh, have any issues there, Curtis. So yeah, no, I, I, I got lucky there because I, I guess it wasn't out the whole time I was gone. Thankfully, because I was gone for six days, but it was yeah. Darn when cold. the power went out, I did I did shut the water and the gas and all that stuff off because I I normally don't shut my gas off, but for some reason I smelled it in my basement. So just to play it safe, I shut it off. So, you know, the old, did, like you know said. the old saying, right? Whoever smelt it, dealt it. So that's right. I was, <laughs> he, I was he who dealt it. <laughs> yeah. Just yeah. give you the difference in the weather here. I'm about 70 miles away from uh, Grand Rapids, and uh, we didn't get nearly as bad weather as he did. Why don't you brag about it, man? <laughs> well, listen, I want to make this kid talk. Yeah, I don't want to make all of you guys feel bad, but on several occasions in South Florida, we got down to almost like mid 50s in the morning. But as soon as the sun came yeah. out, it, you know. That's okay. You got all that hurricane <laughs> crap you got to deal with. Yeah. Oh, Bill, Bill and I last week, we had three days where, uh, well, one day in particular, we got down to 45. Now, unfortunately, that's minus 45. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah. And that's People what down here were freaking out when it got down to like negative, uh, I think it was like negative six or something, Curtis. You guys got down to negative 45. 45 wow. Fahrenheit. It was minus 58 with the wind chill. What yeah. a bunch of weaklings we are down here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he made it to say anything at all. Yeah. 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 Fact, weather to a Canadian. Hey, is that Rick Adams? That is me. Thank you. You're too kind for being here, Rick, and thank you. Yes. <laughs> What's it like up there in Minnesota? Oh, well, it got down to like minus 28 is the worst we got. Uh, oh, today wow. it was like minus minus six. But you guys wow. got freezing rain, I heard, too. So That was the thing that really killed us. I have a north-facing sloping driveway, and it got a night of freezing rain, and it really was freezing rain. I mean, it coated my driveway with a nice coat of ice, and it's impossible to get down it. You know, oh, I have wow. to walk down the lawn. I can't go down the driveway. I can't even go up the driveway, you know. That's what so, ice skates are for, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, did it? Did the ice storm do any, like, I mean, because it took, like, power out around here almost everywhere. There's, like, 10,000-some-odd yeah. people in our area. Uh, there were a lot of people out in our area, uh, but not us this time. It, not this time, anyway. It blew my mind because the tree across the street that ended up falling, this thing was yeah. like 14 inches in circumference. But the weight mm-hmm. of that ice just, it was like it was a toothpick, man. It was insane. So, yeah. Never had lots that of, happen to me before. Hey, Paul, lots what was your wind speed? <laughs> what was the wind speed? I have hey, no I, idea. I, but, I don't yeah, want to give I, this away, but I believe one of our special guests is actually going to be Jim Cantori from the Weather Channel. So in case you didn't know, the, <laughs> oh, the, 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 the announcement <laughs> was this talk. show is quickly becoming Weather Talk. So uh, <laughs> keep right. it going, guys. Sorry, I don't want to interrupt. Well, <laughs> I just wondering, did the fallen tree give Paul an idea for any games? I'm just wondering. 
<laughs> I'm coming down before you chop me down. Yeah. <laughs> That's the new bonus level on Timberman. Yeah, right. <laughs> Cut the tree out of the line. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was trying to think of, see if I could make a video game out of, you know, the game of chicken I had to play with the animals in the in the uh, uh, the the drive through lines for uh, Chick Fil A this afternoon. Wow! <laughs> I got cut off by like three cars. And the guy oh. behind me couldn't order because I was wasn't all the way out of the ordering stall. You know, it's like, dude, I, nobody's letting me in here. Oh, that's crazy. So I think a game involving a big gun would be good. <laughs> <laughs> There's a few of those. Yeah. Uh, BFG, yeah, yeah. <laughs> BFG yes, yes. Um, it's looking like not all the live chat from Facebook is coming through the multi-chat app here, but it looks like TL Stieg had said um, hello everyone in in Facebook a little bit earlier, and I'm not sure if you're the same one who's on YouTube now. Terry Stieg saying hello from Wyoming. Just got over negative 26 here, so yeah. So we're here, uh, and uh, Aminico is here too. Hello, Aminico. Paul Fiscaroli's here. Tony Jewell. Hey, hello from the world of Dragon in Cambridge, UK. And Mike Craig says hello from Michigan. Hey, Tony, what time is it in the UK? It's five hours ahead. So right now that's eight plus five is what, 13? So that's 1 a.m. UK time. So midnight, 1 a.m. UK time. Thanks for being here, Tony. Glad to have you. Chris Cromwell. Um, just want to talk about summer now. Nick from Down Under, please uh, tell us how warm it is <laughs> as, we, as we continue our, uh, our weather talk. Weather talk. Huh? Yep. Yeah. We're competing uh, to see who had the worst weather this last week, I think, is what we're trying to do. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> okay. I think you win, Critters. All right. No, it was just cold. We didn't have any freezing rain. We we did have a pretty big dump of snow while I was gone, so I had to snow blow the driveway when I got back from my trip. But other than that, it wasn't too bad except for the Oh, yeah, I didn't even tell you guys about my snow blower woes, but that's okay. Another <laughs> time. Hey, I, went, hey. <laughs> I went through three in one weekend. That's all I got to say. So. Whoa. Yeah. Tony, do you want to join us live on the panel? It's 1.25 a.m. for Tony. So thanks for being here. We have, we, have, we have a member of the Dragon community here late at night. That's pretty hardcore. We appreciate that UK being here. We've been changing yeah. the time, and it's, it's hard to get a time that's good for... Yeah, you know, we've got a global community. Uh, we, have, we have retro fans around the world, and it's always hard to find that perfect time. But we've been, we've been experimenting with time, and, and so we're trying an evening time instead of an afternoon time. And this seems to work for almost 90% of the planet, except for, you know, Europe and the UK. Because they're, you know, at nighttime for us is like ass early in the morning or late at night for them. Whatever, however you want to pick that, right? So, um, but, no, but no, we we're... catch them on the way home from the pub. Yeah. So perfect. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> they could be even at the pub, you know. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Uh, Roger is here. Um, uh, so Rondell Vaux, our celebrity interview wrangler. Ron, do you know if, if if one of the special guests that you had um, booked and confirmed, is, is, is that guest going to be here tonight? As far as I know, they are. But at, at, at 9 o'clock. Recently. Okay. And the, and the other half of that um, duo, that dynamic duo, um, I spoke to earlier today and did get a verbal confirmation but have not heard anything since then so so our special guest well, i'll change i'll change the um the the topic here to special guest question mark because <laughs> we had uh, uh how do i spell that okay s-p-e-c-i-a-l-g-u-e-s-t-s special guest question mark um coco 
forever um so we may or may not have special guests but if they're not here the rest of us non-special panel members will be here all (laughs) evening for your viewing and listening pleasure now that we have gone around the room and said who's here where you're from and what temperature you've been dealing with um, because the world literally needs to know this why don't we play um project updates and acquisitions is that does anybody have anything you've done in the past week as far as working on a project something you bought on ebay something you built something you fixed something you found something you lost cryogenic uh cocoa experiment because i'm overclocking my cocoa to 500 gigahertz now i just take it outside minus 45 and it runs fine Uh, he's working pretty good so your cryogenic. Awesome. Well, the Rick Adams could have used that during the development of Temple of Rom. He could have just uh, <laughs> not had to spray Freon on it as often. So, um, oh, here, speaking of special guests, we have an even a, a more better and bonuser guest, but uh, Sir David Ladd, Lord of the, <laughs> the floppies, has joined us. And Nick Marota in the live chat says, my mom says I'm special. <laughs> <laughs> Don't anybody ever let you feel different either, Nick Baroda. <laughs> yeah. Bill Noble joined us as well, too. Oh, uh, Bill Noble joined us? Yep. Nick Baroda has an Italian mom like I do. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. David Ladd, sir. David Ladd, Lord of the Floppy. How are you this evening, sir? I'm doing fine. I've just been hiding down here. Ah, hiding, hiding, hiding. Well, welcome, David. And, um... Uh, as we go around the room here with um, project updates and acquisitions, we, we have people watching us live on, on Facebook. So we've just made a recent change just to share with you. Um, so for the longest time, we've been multi-streaming to Roku. Roku, for those of you who know what Roku is, it's a little box you can plug into your TV and you get to have streaming services, right? Well, on Roku is a channel known as the Coco TV channel that Roger Taylor has put together and we were streaming to that for quite some time um but uh just the long story short you know there's there's uh, a bit of expense involved in doing that both on roger's part and on our part uh, to be able to feed roku live and we just didn't see the need to spend extra money for that because you can always watch the replay so and so now instead of multi-streaming to roku live you'll still be able to watch the replay on roku on the coco tv channel but since I have this slot available now to stream somewhere else, now we've just pointed this to um, the Facebook Live page. So now you can watch us live on Facebook Live on the Coco Talk Facebook page too. So hopefully that might make it easier for a couple of extra pair of eyes to stumble across the show and maybe they won't get scared and leave and, and, and watch us. We're here every week. We talk about retro things. Last week we talked about MS-DOS and hard drives and, and, and interleaving. We had a lot of storage talk last week. This evening we're getting into weather talk. So you just never know what we're going to... It's like a box of chocolates. You just never know what you're going to get here. What are you holding up there, Rondovo? This the CPU? here is a uh, 6809 EP. I, I took out of my old computer over here, the uh, Model 1. Um, it is now a 6309. I got a, a chip from... Richard Dorbieski, Boys in Tech. Okay. And he swiftly sent it to me in seven weeks. And no. Swiftly sent <laughs> it. Was, it was two, three days. Three days tops. Okay. And uh, I, I put it in and it worked. And it was uh, exciting. Hey. My uh, chip was already uh, socketed. So uh, it worked out really well. Sock Thank it you, to me. Richard. Yay. Thank you. Yay. You're welcome. 
Can and there is a version of OS 9 or Nitrous 9 Level 1 that actually has some 6 or 9 enhancements in it, so feel free to use it. I that. will try it. Awesome. Is that on the uh, – would I, where would I find it? It's uh, on the uh, daily build page for the actual Nitrous 09 repo site. Okay. Yeah, that. <laughs> <laughs> is that where it is? Yeah, yeah, it's got some optimization for screen scrolling and screen clearing and some other stuff so the text screen runs faster and the graphic screens run a bit faster. Will we be able sometime to have Deskmate on the ease of use? Uh, level two, yeah. He's got to wait for that real-time clock chip to be put in before we can implement that feature, though. So we'll get right. to that when we get into hardware discussions. <laughs> but, so. I, but I have um, a real-time clock on my controller. <laughs> oh. <laughs> when we get well, to the busting of chops segment of the show, we'll, uh, we'll get oh, into that. Okay. Um, all right, so project updates. Anybody working on anything this week other than Curtis Boyle's uh, cryogenic cocoaing? Yeah, I am. Uh, John Strong yeah, of too. Strongware. Okay, well let's let's uh, let's let John Strong of Strongware update us to what he's been working on. Then we'll hear from from Paul Thayer. What's going on, Mister Strong? Well, just out of curiosity, with the uh, expansion that Jim Brain's doing with the OPL chip. Okay. Uh, I mentioned that I did a prototype extended case to possibly Ooh. to do that. Now, is there room for a real-time clock to fit in here still? That's <laughs> uh, whether they put it on the board. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> okay. that's important. I think everyone wishes for that. You know what? You need. Is there a little cutout where we can turn the thing to wind the clock? Was. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> so I, I've done that. Been playing with. Uh, did my actual hardware build of the uh, analog stick. Oh, uh, neat. Okay. Uh, it is uh, uh, dual switches on it, which is real nice from left to right uh, on the, the keyboard, on the uh, buttons. Uh, very smooth. Um, it does have a little jitter on a high-res joystick routine, but... Uh, that's typical of some of the uh, analog joysticks. Probably one of the smoothest analog joysticks I've I've experienced. Uh, so a very nice little build. Um, hey, uh, just out of curiosity, what's the MTBF on those switches? The what? Meantime between failure. failure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Meantime between failure, I don't have that figure. Okay. okay. These are the supposedly arcade switches. Wait, I have an answer for you, Ron. You do? Y-M-M-V. Mind your own business. No, your <laughs> mileage may vary. So. <laughs> <laughs> these, these are the arcade-type switches that are being promoted on the web. These are actually 20-millimeter ones uh, to make it a little bit smaller to fit in a smaller case here. And so, yeah, I don't know. Um, I got a joystick idea for you, John. We should talk about it soon. Okay. And uh, so we have that. And uh, actually, I have a switch in here that actually disables it. So I could just use a Y cable. I've got to test that yet. So I uh, was ready to order some more of these, but it's Chinese New Year, I believe. And... They're shut down for a week or so or more. Wow. So I can't order any more of the analog sticks yet. 
So you can't make America great again by buying something local in uh, the United States of America? <laughs> they don't have it. No. No. They're, they're a minimal double the price. Uh, some of the places I've seen want about $99 for this stick. Okay. Just the part? Just the part. Okay. Whoever's got uh, the TV running in the background, can we turn it down just a little bit? So that's kind of the situation with these is finding these. If I find American suppliers, uh, if I can find it, and I don't think I can, I don't think I found American supplier at all for this particular part, unless it's like $99. Okay. Uh, wow. The cost is like, you know, double for a lot of things. Just like, So those uh, joysticks that you got a hold of are they uh, 100k pots or are they just like 10k's? Okay, these are actually being promoted as being for controller for some video system, some industrial video controller. It's like a pan tilt zoom thing to steer a camera for right. closed circuit right. television yes. and surveillance, right? Yes. Uh, Is that the yeah. same thing they would use in a remote control for airplanes or whatever? Uh, this is not, uh, but it could be. Probably I have, similar. I mean, I'm sure a lot of these yeah. joysticks are very similar in there. Yeah, I have one stick that I've got that in, and that's the other one that's been, the, the, you know, the smoothness. This does have a center return. Ooh. Uh, the problem about this one, and I'm going to have thought of an idea yet I need to work with on it, but uh, it doesn't give the full range. And uh, significantly more expensive than the other one, okay? And so I really hadn't got uh, devoted a lot of time to it because I'm missing a little bit of range there, but I've thought of maybe a way that might be able to fix that. And so I'm going to try. This is what I originally had done, but that missing range on it, uh, the reading I hadn't, you know, followed up with it. And... Uh, Finding these in a in a value that is high enough that you don't have some problems, okay, with getting the full range on your cocoa is the issue. This is about uh, two and a half k, and that makes that hundred ohm current limiting resistor that's coming out from the cocoa a significant part of your resistance, and therefore throws off your readings and where it centers and keeps you from going to full range. And that's why I hadn't really followed up on this one. If you get up to the uh, 10K range, you've got enough resistance that 100 ohms is not significant, okay? And so that's the thing. I hadn't found anything in the right resistance range to use the controllers here and i only found about a couple of these okay this is the you one know, I found. you know what the, the the old saying about resistance is right resistance is futile okay there you go okay all right so i'll make sure we're good there so okay so, but, uh, so that's that's the situation with the controller this is a very nice stick okay and i got it looked at it and felt it and it's like oh yeah i'd like to really to make some of them with these and again I've got to overcome that one limitation, 
And uh, I was thinking of a possible way around that the other day, so I'm going to have to check that out. Uh, if I'm able to do that, then you know, maybe make some of them with this, which has this, the spring center return. And uh, but these two sticks are actually pretty much the smoothest that I can remember analog sticks I've ever used. Okay, related to it. And uh, you know, I didn't make them; I just happened to find them. This uh, this stick can be found with a kind of a plastic return thing. Uh, Linville showed one like that uh, a few years ago. I can find those. Uh, I'll probably order one and check it, see what it does as far as the spring return. But if you want something that has a full non-spring return, this is very nice. Okay. Uh, as far as cost on getting, you know, joystick, these vary from about, you can see them as low as nine bucks a piece for the, just the mechanism to 20 bucks is the average American price at least. Okay. So it depends on where you buy with that. Okay. So that adds, you know, significantly to the cost. If I'm trying to keep this a low cost to so people can afford them easier and then i basically have to go to the buy them from china sources and that was the one just that just has switches on it yeah that's a, they both will have switches on it no i mean the the, the mechanism it's the uh, uh they use the micro switches as opposed to pots right yes these yeah. are and so on the other one you that you uh, built up, uh, is it using 10K pots, or did you find one that actually had 100K? So this is actually a 10K pot, okay? okay. And, yeah, uh, I've seen those. Okay. Yeah, the 10K pot works fine, okay? It has a little trouble hitting some of the corners, but if you push on it a little bit, it does hit it. Uh, but I've seen that on, you know, analog sticks back in the day. You know, they had trouble with you was right in the exact corner to hit all those little pixels positions, you know, all the time. And just kind of a thing that's basically something I've seen for years. You know, this does do it if I push a little hard. So it, it does seem to do very nice. It also is very well built. If I take the screws off the back, it seems to be a very, very well built unit inside. Okay. Uh, this one is definitely much more complicated inside and doesn't seem to be built quite as sturdy, okay? I don't think it's going to make any difference. I don't think you're going to be able to abuse it enough to make a difference between the two. But just looking at the mechanical built, okay? Uh, so, but this has some adjustments on it. I'm going to try to have to play with the adjustments and see what happens with it. Because if I can get this to do that, I would like to build one also with these. Okay. Future version be wireless, right? Oh, <laughs> get people you can do wireless. Okay. Uh, I actually played around with uh, IR. How about a real-time clock? <laughs> oh, we can put a clock chip in there. I just don't know how you're going to communicate it to the computer. Well, once mm -hmm. you once you have Wi-Fi, 
Somebody had a question there. Oh, once you build, uh, once you put a sound chip in it too, <laughs> and a blitter, a sound chip oh. and a blitter. Yeah, and we've had a lot of people <laughs> join us since uh, people have joined us that I haven't even seen yet. So the panel has grown. Uh, all right, thanks, thanks for that update, John. Uh, I just want to acknowledge a few other people, and I think um, I think uh, Paul Thayer said he had an update. But we've been joined. Who's joined us now? Bryza is here, Nick's neighbor from Australia. How's it going, Bryza? You're muted. Also been joined by Paul Shoemaker. Oh, Bryza, good day. How, how are you? I'm good, thanks, mate. All I'm right. about to mute it. I'm the one with TV going in the background. Uh, oh, you had the TV going oh, back. All right. You're watching yeah, your... Bryza, you you <laughs> Paul Shoemaker has joined us. Hey, Paul, how are you? Can't hardly hear you, but we'll take that. Hello, testes one, two. <laughs> Good evening, guys. Good morning. All right. How are you? We have Brian, the music man, Shoebring, has joined us. Hey, Brian, how's it going? Oh, doing pretty good. Can everybody hear me out there? We can hear you loud and clear. Roger that. Over. Roger, roger. All right. We've also had joining Bruce Moore, the real talent in the family. Jacob Moore has joined us. Hey, Jacob, how are you? All right. And we also have one of our special guests has joined us. Uh, his name is Galaxy Tab A 2016. How are you there, Dennis? <laughs> You're muted. You're muted somehow. You got to have to click on the mute button on your software or something. There's like a little microphone. So we still can't hear you, Dennis. <laughs> I can There's a microphone icon. So there yeah, we go. I thought I had it up there it is. All right, so uh, Galaxy Tab A has joined us. How are you, Galaxy Tab? <laughs> hey there. Using <laughs> my wife's uh, tablet, so uh, <laughs> he's, he's Tab A, and I'm uh, yeah. I'm whoever might be there. Anyway, okay. Hi there. So we have another special guest that's hopefully going to be joining you, Dennis. So we'll we'll save that for when and if that other special guest arrives. If, but if not, we'll we'll we won't ruin the specialness by only having one of you guys here. Um, but thanks for joining us again. Good to have you, Dennis. And, and I, could put, um, I could put something over my head in the meantime. So you don't <laughs> <laughs> that's oh, that's no, yes, <laughs> yes. And uh, Paul Thayer, creator of Timberman, maker of uh, Coco um, Pico Bon, and um, and uh, if you forget, just make it up. Yeah, and other games. Uh, yeah, the the dude who looks like Duke Nukem, that all kinds of stuff. Yes, what's going on, Paul? What's what's new with you, brother? Oh, uh, nothing. Um, I got kind of involved in uh, writing a column <clears throat> for the new Rainbow. Okay. Um, and that has led to some more experimentation um, with uh, kind of not necessarily enhancing basic, but. Um, kind of breaking a super extended basic on the color computer three which i kind of veered away from when i was uh started my assembly journey mm -hmm. uh, but i figured some people could learn some techniques or whatever that i've kind of discovered through crazy thinking while i was trying to sleep is basically where it all came from oh that's cool and, yeah so i've been working on um something for the next entry um which was which was what spawned my question about uh, if people would even do any type-in programs. <clears throat> and I've decided what I want to do with that. 
Okay. Because I understand the frustration of typing in a program because I experienced it for myself just last week. Mm -hmm. Spent all this time typing this thing in and then it doesn't work. So <laughs> debugging it was not something I would had the time for. So I've decided that I'm going to just kind of like, I guess, have some sort of link or something to a digital copy of it and kind of do a write-up about what certain lines in the basic code would do and how you can apply it to your own basic let, program. Let me ask you, how long is the, how long is the listing? Um, well, I haven't made it yet because ah, um, okay. there's some techniques that I'm going to apply and I'm making kind of a simple Street Fighter type game. Um, and I'm not sure how long it's going to be, but I have a feeling it's going to be pretty lengthy. It's oh, not going to be like a novice's niche kind of thing, man. <laughs> oh, you're talking about the thing you were going to submit for the for the new rainbow. You had that listing or the code sample. That's going to be long, too? Well, the, no, the code sample would just be a few lines or whatever. The actual yeah. program is probably going to be. Well, I'm, I mean, if you, if my, my free two cents is if since it's supposed to be in a magazine, uh, my suggestion would be to put the code listing in the magazine and say, listen, if you're too lazy to type it, then go to the link and download it. But I think I think seeing that listing in there is very nostalgic because whether or not people want to type it, um, I, I think the fact that the, the listing is there, that's that's actual content. You know, and so seeing that program listing and then leave it to the consumer to decide if they want to type it in or not. And especially if it's like in a PDF format, they could copy and paste it into a text editor. I don't think right. typing is the barrier of entry here. Uh, no, I, just think, I don't think so either. Yeah. So um, I, I'm, I'm going to say, I mean, listen, my opinion doesn't change the world, but I'm in favor of seeing listings. Because okay. that's nostalgic for me. And so Rainbow my vote would be to show it. They sold the Rainbow on disc as an yeah. option extra. Right, know? right. Absolutely. Well, and, and like I said, there's going to be kind of a, I don't know, lengthy, if lengthy is the word, but there's going to be a write-up, you know, basically step-by-stepping, like, what to do. And one of the things I haven't figured out yet is um, a lot of times, like, with my brother's uh, basic games that we've done in the past, there's like not necessarily assembly binary files, but sometimes there's like graphics and stuff that we save in a binary file and then right. load into the program. Mm -hmm. I'm not exactly sure how I want to handle that yet because I'm not sure I want to sit here and you know have uh, the computer output a bunch of data statements yeah. with, the, yeah. with the X code, you know, and then post that too. Right. Uh, I'm yeah. not sure how I want to handle that yet, but I'll figure it out. It's, yeah, that's probably best to say download the disk image to get the you know supplemental binaries or something like that, you know. Yeah, but I've been I've been working on um, you know getting the graphics program or the not the graphics programs the the graphics actually made in some of the graphics programs and converting them over to Cocoa, testing frames and everything else, and then um, actually experimenting around with some of the ideas, like being able to uh, take a buffer, one of the get, the get buffers, and put it on the screen with a 256-byte wide screen enabled. Um, that was actually pretty easy to figure out, but once you try to kind of mix some of the other... How am I going to phrase this? My kids are like laughing and dancing in the other rooms, really distracting me from what I need to say. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> They're having a little party over here. Um, gosh, I can't remember what I was going to say. Oh, yeah. Um, 
So the way that um, Basic calculates to draw to the next line when it's when it's putting something on a, on the screen, that was easy easy to to manipulate. But when it interprets the x and y coordinates out of your command, um, it uses a variable in low address space that is only one byte long. So I had to make that variable equal 128. And basically, to move down one line, okay, so let's say that I put something at x0 and y0, right? If I wanted to put it at x0 and y1, I actually have to put it at x0, y2, because it has to double that variable of 128 to equal 256, if you understand what I'm saying. It might be kind of. Yeah, I mean, I'm. Th I don't know if this is. If this is the. If, I don't know if this is translating to great audio content, but yeah, I hear what you're saying, though. Yeah, so that's yeah. that's what I've been working on. I don't know if you guys want to see anything visual, but I can definitely share some of that with you. Yeah, we, we. I would say the answer is yes, but right now we're just trying to go round robin here just to get some updates. So maybe in a little bit we can come oh, back, sure. like when we when we go to do like a core dump segment later on when we get into some more technical stuff. That yeah, might be great fine. if if you're able to hang out that long. Um, we'll think, see what happens. I think Paul has to be careful about the games next game he makes because I hear that he's had some karma recently. <laughs> tree, tree cutting game, he had a tree attack his house. Am I right? Yeah, yeah. the tree got revenge. Tried to take uh, you back, take you down. Yeah, yeah, hopefully no kung fu guys are coming knocking on my door. Yeah, yeah look out, man. <laughs> well, an, another unplanned special guest, but we've been joined by Tony Pedraza, longtime president nice. of the Glenside Color Computer Club, current vice president of Glenside. Hey, Tony, how are you? Probably first time we've had you on live, I think. Uh, whoop, there, here we are. It, yes, it is. <laughs> New switch, what can I tell you? Uh, just thought I'd check in, uh, see what was going on. Hey, everybody. Hey, Tony. Thanks for joining us. A little bit of bandwidth breakup on you there, but we can hear you pretty good. Um, anybody else have a project update that they've worked on recently? Uh, anything uh, you want to share with us? I got a brief, I got a very brief update there, Stevie. Okay, Jason, the Cocoa Man record. Go for it. Okay, you know, with all this talk of real-time clocks, yes, I, I think what I think what I need to come up with is an imitation time clock instead, and uh, I'll call it. You know, I, I can't believe it's not a time clock. <laughs> I can't believe it's not time. <laughs> all right, and, and put a switch on it. Now that's my idea. All right. Is this uh, going to be another Australian cable? Another Australian cable. Bruce Moore, are you raising your hand? I am. Uh, okay, uh, uh, make the trek, Bruce. What's going on, Nanu Nanu? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. A big, big update. I wrote uh, uh, two lines of code today in my cocoa. Woo! And I felt really good about it, and it actually solved two problems. So very efficient. One problem per line. That's that's pretty good. That is all. That, that is, is all. Very line, high line one was print hello world. The other one was go to ten, right? <laughs> <laughs> but what problem? The vanity that problem and what else? <laughs> <laughs> I know Brian uh, Bryza has been posting some stuff that he's been doing, uh, putting lines on the graphic screens in assembly. I saw some of that on Facebook earlier. Uh, a little bit behind on Facebook, but yeah. Yeah, I've been doing a bit of 
I'm, I'm trying to listen to Nick Morantis and I'm getting serious about learning the coding instead of hacking. I'm okay. actually going to learn how to do all the graphics. <laughs> okay, I'm not sure Nick Morantis is the best role model when it comes to writing software, but you got to start uh, somewhere. So. <laughs> yeah, he's probably using that. I'm just going to stop playing around with the image. I don't know what you're talking about. I can't understand what anyone else is saying, but Brisbane makes it. <laughs> <laughs> you guys going to translate. Um all right. How about we do this? We've been uh, we haven't. It's been forty seven minutes, and and it's been a lot of uh, filibustering for for so far. So we're gonna we're gonna take a quick moment here. We're gonna thank some of our sponsors and community members. Maybe run a commercial, and then we'll be back. So uh, we like to recognize the people who are out there doing things for the cocoa and providing things for the cocoa community. And if my software ever um switches over it just has now so these are not all but these are some of the many people who are out there doing stuff for the coco for example brendan donahue has a really cool project called coco vga that adds vga output to a coco one two and dragon in lots of extra features like 64 column mode higher resolution semi-graphics palette registers addressable character fonts and you name it so if that sounds like something you might want to have some exposure to check that out at cocovga.com this guy makes um, mediocre products, uh, Boyson Technologies, B-O-Y-S-O-N tech.com, things for your cocoa. You can get the Paradigm joystick adapters, the Boomerang E2 memory boards, and all kinds of other cool products, uh, 6309 CPUs and sockets, you name it, he's got it. Uh, this guy makes, uh, you know, he's a Commodore guy who dabbles in cocoa. Uh, Jim Brain at Retro Innovations at go, the number four, retro.com. All kinds of cool retro accessories and accoutrements for your systems for Commodore, Texas Instruments, and Tandy products. The uh, original uh, maker of fine quality cocoa hardware and accessories going back to about 1847, Cloud9 Technologies, makers of fine cocoa products at cloud9tech.com. Uh, all kinds of other good stuff. We are still on the Coco TV channel on Roku. Just no longer live, but available for replay. Uh, he's with us in the panel. He makes more cables with more Australian names than any other vendor in the community. But Jason Reichert at CocoMan.biz. You can get the Switcheroo cable, the Wallaby cable, uh, the Joey Jr. Who knows what he'll have next. If you want to get yourself a cool Coco t-shirt, you can get you to go to the Retro Swag Shop at 8bit256.com. If you want to find out how to talk to us on the show, go to cocotalk.live where you can send us an email, feedback, tell us how bad the show is, things like that. Uh, the original Color Computer Podcast on its fourth year and its 44th episode, the original often imitated but never duplicated Coco Crew Podcast available at cococrew.org. One of Nick... And Bryce's neighbors in Australia. Everybody in Australia is a neighbor. Uh, but Brian Joyce of Extractus Productions uh, is a friend of the show. And certainly last but not least, the human Cylon. He is like the apple of the Coco community. We didn't know we wanted it, but he made it. And now we got to have it. Ed Snyder from the Zipster Zone. Z-I-P-P-S-T-E-R zone.com. Uh, check them all out. Show them some love because they're making things for us. So speaking of the boomerang, let's run a boomerang commercial <laughs> That was made by our very own Rob Inman. And uh, just to show you what you've been missing, if you don't have this in your Coco 3, you're going to love this, kids. Check it out. Yeah. Hi, I'm Tim. Playing Daggereth like that idiot from the book. <laughs> you're watching Coco Talk. <laughs>
from Radio Shack, the TRS-80 Model 3. And at $200 off, it's a great value. Select from Radio Shack's huge program library to aid your children's education, plan your personal and household budgets, or to entertain with fast-action games. You can even learn to write programs. The TRS-80 Model 3, on sale for $7.99, only at Radio Shack and Radio Shack Computer Centers, the computer experts. We now return you to Cocoa Talk. All right, and we're back. So if you didn't know about the Boomerang board, not only does it add two megabytes of memory and a blinky light, but it also makes it run faster than a cheetah. It's, <laughs> it's an accelerator. So um, <laughs> the Boomerang accelerator board, apparently. Uh, uh, your mileage may vary, right? Actual That's speeds right. Uh, <laughs> actual speeds may be different. Um, all right, so, uh, hey, Tony. You, you, since we have you on the show, if you've got, and I see your lovely wife Linda walking in the background there, um, do you want to update us on anything that's going on? Some doings with Coco Fest? Any news, updates, things to share, things to tease? There's not really much to update that's not on the website. We do have two confirmed pre registered attendees that are not exhibitors. That's all I can say for that, really. Uh, as far as games, no. Um, I'm not sure what's going on with that. It's more like really in uh, John's ballpark at this okay. point. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. That's all I got for you. Sorry. <laughs> all right. Hey, listen, we're glad to have you here because it's not every day we have Tony Pedraza with us live on the air. Uh, so thanks for joining us. And one of your neighbors, so Nick Morentes has got his Australian neighbors, one of your Chicago neighbors, uh, Brian Shubring is just over there too. Hey, hey, neighbors. Hey, you missed us talking about the weather earlier, Tony. Any, any stories you want to share with us about how cold it got? Did you have uh, <laughs> you know, any old war wounds act up during the cold or a tree fall on your house, anything like that? No, all the trees are standing. <laughs> all the trees are standing. I will say that it got colder than it was on my wedding day back in 74 on January 12th. Wow. That was minus that was minus 18, but it got down to like what minus 24. Wow. Uh, this year. But that was a very brief visit and came right back up, so. Excellent, excellent. Excellent. The brass monkey definitely dropped something. <laughs> all right um if you, don't know, if you don't know the story of the brass monkey i'll tell you it has nothing to do with the animal okay okay then i don't know the story is and uh, is this worth mentioning or sharing is this not suitable for work uh what's uh... oh it's suitable for anywhere okay go back into the 1700s and you're talking cannons and cannonballs, there had to be a way to keep the balls in a secure location by... And brass base plates were made so that all in a pyramid hold the brass shrank faster than the iron cannonballs. Therefore, the cannonballs would roll off of the brass monkey. Ah, okay. All right. 
There was a little history lesson for us there, too. So you get weather That's and history all. on this show. It's a little bit of everything. So <laughs> <laughs> no, There's more to it than that, though. You've got a brass monkey that goes on a window sill up in the cold areas, and uh, if something drops, it's colder than you want to be out. Okay. All right. Um, so I want to address, and, and so, I mean, everybody here is special in, in, our, in our own way. Right. Uh, and it's like everything is beautiful in its own way. But we did have um, one of our uh, people we wanted to have lined up on the show because we were supposed to get two people together to, to swap stories. But one of the two, we won't mention who the other one is here, but Dennis Kitts is back with us, Dennis. And uh, I feel bad for making you have to listen to all of us babble here this whole time. But um, we we appreciate you being here and putting up with, with us. Is there uh, I know your your life has has gotten more involved than us still clinging to this old machine. But is there anything that you've had going on since the last time we found you on the show that you want to share with us? Certainly nothing about uh, the computers. Uh, <laughs> I, I, uh, I, I've been long out of it, and partly the reason is because I've been uh, <clears throat> when my company went under, it was just it was too depressing to uh, to continue. So I. Um, yeah, so I uh, uh, got into technical writing about other things like RFID and then uh, went back to music uh, pretty much full time. Yeah, yeah. Anything new and exciting there on that front that you want to share with us? Because we're talking about weather and brass balls at this point, so there's well, really no uh, there's no parameters. Been, so Weather's been cold, but not that cold. Our cold <laughs> is 14 below. Uh, 14 below is good enough for the moment here. Ouch. Uh, and uh, we went... Uh, I went hiking today with my wife. We went out. Um, uh, it was about uh, five degrees. We went out for a couple mile hike up the local hill. Um, and uh, my opera may be premiered, may be performed again uh, in Finland next year. So oh, that's wow. good. Uh, and beyond that, nothing. I got nothing. I got yeah, nothing. nothing. I'm just this guy sitting here. Hey, well, yes. yeah, go ahead. John. Yeah, Dennis, it's been a long time since I've seen your face. A long time at a Rainbow Fest. We yes. did meet once. And uh, just want to thank you for all you've done for the community. Enjoyed your products. You used the cocoa, the color burner for a number of years. <laughs> uh, you did a good job at publishing the magazines and such. And it was with sadness we seen it quit. So thank you for your contributions. Well, thanks very much. It was a, it was a very uh, interesting time to spend, uh, you know, from 19, I guess it was uh, 77 till I got out of the, till my company went under in 86. So it was about a, a good, a good run there. So I had fun writing. Uh, my, I think the, the thing that I enjoyed doing the most was that uh, program text called Learning the 6809. That was great fun to put together. I enjoyed that enormously and uh, a lot of people used it. So yay. And you're still a little bit involved because you still do the uh, Coco Listserv. You kind of host that, don't you? Yeah, I'm just a you know I'm just a the guy who who uh, serve, has the server that it runs on. I, I don't do anything except yell at people that uh, uh, go way off topic and start uh, hammering on other people. But uh, <laughs> other than that, I I just I just read, find out what people are doing. The Coco mailing list. What's that? Malt data. What? What's the link for? Malt what's the link? Molten Media. Molten Media? Molten Media, right. Molten, Molten Media, Media was my um, uh, what is, uh, my sort of uh, design company and music company started way back when I lived in New Jersey. 
Um, ah. I founded Malted Media in 1975, and it's still my um, sort of umbrella organization. Very cool. Very cool. Well, we're glad to have you here. Feel free to chime in. We're supposed to have a um, a, a counterpart for you to uh, commiserate with, which will hopefully be joining us soon, but we'll keep that as a, a secret under wraps until that person joins us. But we, so we appreciate someone we, else I haven't seen in, uh, uh, since uh, probably 1984 or 85. Wow. wow. So we'll keep that under wraps until that person materializes or doesn't. And if they don't, well, I want to thank you for being here anyways, and I want to apologize for wasting your evening tonight. So, oh, uh, it's great. <laughs> I don't feel at all. It's great. All right. And another special guest that has just joined us, but Peter Satinsky, host of the TRS-80 Trash Talkers podcast, is with us. How you doing, Peter? Good. How are you guys doing? Good. Hey, thanks for joining us. It's a pleasure to have you. No problem. I'm just uh, in my workshop working on a TM100 floppy drive here. I thought I'd jump in and listen to what you Coco nuts are talking about. Yeah, where we are nuts, by by all means. But hey. And and Peter, you picked a good time to join because Dennis actually started on the Model 1 3 stuff first before he got to the Coco stuff. Oh, that's right. Yes. And he wrote seminal uh, books that... uh, (laughs) <laughs> yes, <laughs> with, with my face in the soup bowl, <laughs> my so best easy. my best author picture ever. <laughs> still used to this day. That book is a great reference. So thank you, <laughs> hey, Peter. For for those who may not be actively listening to every episode of the TRS eighty Trash Talk podcast, and shame on them if they aren't. But is there anything you want to maybe tell us? Hey, you guys got to check out episode X, Y, or Z because of A, B, or C. Any little teasers you want to throw out here? Um, I'm editing episode 28 right now, and, and uh, on that episode, we discuss uh, how to buy and sell TRS-80s. We give okay. tips and uh, technique, how to, how to participate in auctions, online auctions, in-person auctions, and uh, how to get the best deals. Excellent. Cool, cool. And, and there may or may not be some coming up on Cocoa Fest for some of us who are making that trek here in the near future. I know there was one... It was, I don't know if it was last year. Was it the Model 4 with the graphics card put in it? Somebody got a sweet deal on a really nice, clean uh, TRS-80 Model 4. Um, just fully loaded with all the manuals, all kinds of discs, the all the different DOS packages and stuff. And uh, it, it was nice. And so um, I, I've heard you guys talk before about the concerns on shipping a lot of these units because of the CRTs and the component shifting and stuff. And most people say if you're going to buy a TRS-80, if you can drive out there and, and drive it back in your vehicle versus having it shipped, is that some of what you would probably be uh, reminding us to do? I always I always remind people to do that. I, that's one of my big uh, dilemmas is I have a huge collection now. And when I decide to sell it, I don't know what I'm going to do because I won't ship them. So everybody's hmm. going to have to come to me. But that's <laughs> all going to be for another 30 years, so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, cool. Well, thanks for joining. And your your son is Alex, right? Yes, he is. Yeah. yeah so maybe Alex will carry on. To, listen, we don't want anybody to leave us, but you know, he's a little bit younger, so maybe he can keep it in the family <laughs> a few more years, right, before it goes to an estate somewhere. So. <laughs> Um, all right, so we had a request. Uh, we had a request from an anonymous person. Uh, we'll call that person um, 
uh, D. Bruce Moore, and he said, hey, why don't we play the uh, Make the Trek video? Since we have Tony Pedraza here of the Glenside Color Computer Club, the face and the voice and the heart and the soul of Coco Fest, uh, Bruce Moore has made a really cool music video promoting this year's Coco Fest. We might as well play it, uh, and here you go. The reading's growing stronger, Captain. Coming from a star system directly ahead. Fest, make the trek to the place you belong. Illinois, hair and point, make the trek. Coco Fest. Coco Fest, May 4th and 5th. 2019 in Lombard, Illinois. Make the trek. Touch the heron. <laughs> Fascinating. Touch the heron. Uh huh. Bring your red shirt. <laughs> Bring your red shirt. Yeah. Great video there, Bruce. Great production. That's, uh, I don't know how many Canadian, free Canadians were put into the labor of that product there, but, uh, you know, that's the great thing about those Canadians. They work cheap. So <laughs> you get what you pay for there, right? So, um, man, speaking of Canadians, Bill Noble's been with us here. Bill Noble, how's it going, eh? Yeah? Cool. Thanks for joining us. Curtis Boyle's partner in crime. Uh, we've just been joined by somebody in live chat. Chat Mark Mark Pacan, or Packin. Mark Packin. Hey, um... And Mark says, hey, gang, first live episode watched numerous taped. Yeah, the, you lose a little bit of the fidelity on the tape, though. You know, that analog transfer um, definitely degrades the picture and sound just a little bit. Uh, since we're, since we're, yeah, since we're talking about Coco Fest here for just a second, I, I think it's probably worth mentioning that um, <laughs> Tim Franklin says, do I get royalties for being in the commercial? You do. You get you get 10% of all the money we're not making here tonight. So, yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, Coco Talk, which is now in its 95th episode and on its second year, this show started as a completely spontaneous uh, uh, meeting of a few people because it was a few weeks away from Coco Fest two years ago, which would have been Coco Fest 26. So, my first Coco Fest was the 25th annual last Chicago Coco Fest. That was my first induction to this uh, hall of insanity. Um, and so the the second year, as things were getting closer to Coco Fest, I always kind of relate the Coco Fest to kind of like, you know, Christmas Eve. You know, you get that little, you get all the butterflies in your stomach and all the tingly feelings, all the excitement. You can't wait to see what Santa's going to bring, you know, and you can't wait to see, you can't wait for Coco Fest. So we all kind of had that feeling, oh man, we're really excited for Coco Fest. And so I'm like, why don't we just get together and talk about it? So it was like an unplanned Skype call and half a dozen people were there. And we just started talking about, hey, what are we looking forward to this year? What do we want to see? What do we hope we see based on what the website said, who's speaking, what presentation are you looking forward to hearing you know and so it was just a couple of weeks of us just talking about how excited we were for Coco Fest and that was kind of the um, the spark 
that prompted this show. And for better or worse, probably more for worse, uh, two years and 95 weeks later, we're still, you know, this dumpster fire is still burning. So, um, but we have Coco Fest to thank for that. And I, I remember my first Coco Fest, the, the, the phrase, the Coco Fest blues was used a lot. Does anybody have the Coco Fest blues, right? Because the world was a little smaller where, you know, we only saw each other, talked to each other maybe once a year at Coco Fest. Then you had a whole year to wait. I, I think one of the things that has changed in the past four years is we've become a little bit more connected with technology between, you know, the Discord chat server and Facebook and the mailing list has been around forever. But um, and now these weekly talk shows, you don't feel as blue because you're talking to your fellow Coco mates on a regular basis. So I think we feel more connected and we feel less separation now. So I think we, I think as a community, maybe we've gotten a little more bondy yeah, in the I past few years. Yeah, I agree with that. Except yeah. for us Canadians, we're blue just because of the weather. But uh, <laughs> cold. So yeah, um, it's definitely, I, like I used to get the blues too, even back when I was going to the Rainbow Fest back in the day, because you'd only see people maybe on CompuServe or BBSs and at Coco Fest or at Rainbow Fest. And, uh, Having these like weekly chats and, and chats every day on Discord and stuff definitely has lessened that. Plus, we get to see announcements and pre-announcements and stuff constantly <laughs> while we're going. Sorry, that was so funny. Um, I'm not laughing at you. I'm laughing at one of Richard's <laughs> comments in the chat. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'll read it out to the class, Steve. Yeah, Richard's like, Coco Talk started as a joke. In 95 episodes later, it hasn't changed. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, he can multitask. He can sit silently on the panel and troll at the same time. That man is a man of many talents. So, <laughs> um, now, just out of curiosity, how many of us on the panel will be appearing live and in person at, at Coco Fest this year? John Strong will be there. Yes, sir. Plenty, not Rob Inman, will you be there? Yes, I will. I believe I. I believe I have a live picture somewhere here of the registration desk <laughs> all right um, my flight and i am looking forward to checking in at the uh, front desk all right booking this flight and l curtis boyle you're gonna make the trek you betcha get from the, table the great book for the booth so from the great white north uh mikey he likes it are you are you coming or is it still up in the air or are you oh i'll i'll work on the plans with uh with the XYO and she gets back, but uh, I really want to go, so I'm pretty okay. sure it'll happen. We really want you there. Hey, Jenna has joined hey, us in uh, Facebook. Video talk for wife. Yeah, video. Yeah, Rick Adams, legendary game designer, will you be joining us? Uh, yes, I will. All right, that's three years in a row now for Rick Adams, right? Or yeah, two or three? Wow. Yeah, I, yeah. I can't remember if it's two or three. I can't yeah. remember, but. Uh, uh, well, I know I, knew, I went to one, and then I went to Tandy Assembly, and I think I may have gone to another Coco Fest. I yeah, you were there last there. year. You were there, so two years, because your first okay. year you were the keynote speaker. Okay. And then That's last right. year you were showing off Bomb Threat uh, as it was still kind of a work in progress. That's right. Okay. Yeah. There you uh, go. Well, I was going to say something, but I can't remember what it is now. So. Yeah, right. I mean, last year you were doing uh, uh, coding, live coding, right? Coding without a net. Right. Yeah, so. Right. <laughs> So, um, Bryza from Australia, any chance you're going to make it to Coco Fest this year? Mm, no, the finances ain't there for that. I'm yeah. hoping next year to try and make it. 
Yeah, well, speaking of that, um, they did they did a Nick Morenti's thing, and they kind of got together and raised money to send down Simon Jonasson, the madman from Denmark. So, so Simon uh-huh. will be there. I'm looking forward to meeting Simon in person. Um, and um, uh, I'm I'm gonna imagine that Brian Schubring, the music man, will be there. I don't think it can be a Coco Fest without Brian Schubring. Yeah, I'll be there. Yeah. He does all of our opening ceremonies, the uh, Pledge of Allegiances, and uh, all the music for the show. And we have our live musical jams at night with Brian. Um, uh, and yeah, like I've I've only known you now for like four years, Brian. But I'm watching those old videos from like Penfest 2000, dude, you've been around a long ass time, haven't you? <laughs> you've been in the active in the community for for years. Which is awesome. I would imagine Tony Pedraza, vice president of the Glenside Color Computer Club, who hosts Coco Fest, would probably be attending Coco Fest. Yes, Tony? Lord willing, you'll hear my big mouth. <laughs> Are you still running the auction this year? No plans have been done otherwise. Okay. Uh, I'll probably pull, if he's available, I'll probably try to get a hold of Jason and, you know, to spare me. Okay, Jason Timmons of uh, VCF Midwest, who's right. been your your co your co auctioneer the past couple of years. It's been nice having the dueling auctioneers, so that's cool. Uh, excellent. I uh, I I want to give. Um, I, I don't want to seem like I'm patting myself on the back, but with the first year Jason came to the Cocoa Fest to see what it was about, uh, he went back to VCM. Midwest for their next year, mm-hmm. and they put on a no minimum bid auction. Yeah, yeah. So it, it was it was a real nice uh, tip of the hat, if you will, to sure. uh, both our attendees and to me personally, in a way, for the uh, the way the auction has developed over the twenty eight years. At that time, mm-hmm. I guess it was twenty five. Um, you know, it, if it's not funny, it's not fun and people just wouldn't come to it. So I have had a lot of fun doing it. I have appreciated all the people who have participated and helped us to meet expenses that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, rather than, Hey, it costs 50 bucks to get in and you know, nobody and that's it. But no, yeah. keep the door low, keep the door low, have fun with the uh with the auction and uh oh please don't anybody bring 12 cassette recorders players back again <laughs> or or uh uh, uh, uh inkjet printer cartridges there 10 years ago for that <laughs> yeah. that was no, no recycled yeah. inkjet printer cartridges either right so no <laughs> yeah, well no what it was, was there were four no there were three cassette players uh player recorders that were donated by uh, was it Jim Baker? Last Ken Baker, Ken Baker, uh, which he had used to build up telephone testing devices in the late '80s and early '90s, and this was his overstock, and because he was getting out of the business, and after the third one was finally gone, went for two bucks. Every one of them went for two bucks. He brought four more up. <laughs> so that was the I forget what after the, and after that he brought three more up at that point I just basically collapsed with laughter against the back wall and anybody who was there will tell you 
it was a riot. It was a riot. I had fun on that. But I will not hold up a Model 1 again. I will tell you that. (laughs) Very cool. Very cool. Well, I'm looking forward to it. I've been very fortunate to be here now for four years. And it's it's an experience. And I would have to say one of the probably most memorable experiences has got to be that auction. The... um, the excitement in the room, the energy, the um, it's, bidding it's, wars. Yeah, it's it's yeah the bidding war. So it's both camaraderie and competition at the same time. And people you used to like, you started off liking Alan Huffman <laughs> until he starts outbidding you on crap, and then it's like screw you, Alan Huffman. So it's just like, <laughs> but yeah, it's very cool. Um, and so I've been after you know I usually fly in, but I kept saying you know one of these years I need to drive there because I want to be able to buy stuff. I mean this is better than eBay. You're going to get cool stuff, pennies on the dollar. You know you don't have to worry about paying for shipping. Not to worry about anything else. Um, so this year I'm trying to make the track and drive so I can maybe bid on a few things and bring them home with me. Not to mention the stuff I bought last year that I haven't been able to bring home because I couldn't get it on the plane, like the Apple II that I got there last year and the uh, Tandy 1000 that I bought from somebody else in Chicago that (laughs) uh, Evan Wright's been holding on to me for a year I'm hoping to pick up this year. So, um, yeah, I'm going to be driving this year, and that's the plan so far. And, yeah, the auction's definitely one of the highlights of the show. So, And we thank you for doing that, Tony. And they have contributed... Uh, Tony and everybody else on Glenn's side, not only for the 28 years, okay, of the Coco Fest, but for the years preceding, they were the co-host, of the sponsoring club for Rainbow Fest. You know, this was when I first seen these guys' faces and so on, and uh, you know, they they've been active in this for a very long time. You know, very you know contributing keeping this community going when you know you thought it was just going to fall apart finally but thank you guys oh evan was in the chat hey evan how are you and i just heard the game review uh, on the coco crew podcast of evan's hunt the wumpus which i'm looking forward to buying and getting autographed there too evan says your tandy 1000 is alive and well i just <laughs> by the time i pay all the storage fees i, I could have bought 10 of these things you know? <laughs> he's been storing it for a year now what's the monthly rate on that storage with interest evan <laughs> so <laughs> uh, um that's cool so who else is going to be there mark b you coming to coco fest you making the trek uh gonna try to um i was looking at flights it yeah. actually costs only about a hundred bucks each way. Yeah, yeah, it's not bad. Not bad. Flying, fly, it's worth it. Flying the midway. It's if if I could give anybody the free advice, try to make it a three or four day weekend. You want to get in Friday. You want to be able to hang yeah. out Friday night in the lobby. You want to you want to make sure you you don't fly home Sunday. Don't don't book a return flight till Monday. Because even though the fest ends around 5 p.m. on Sunday, there's usually uh, there's a dinner after the fest, and there's like one more night of hanging out. So Friday nights, like hanging out in the lobby, uh, at, you know, you just walk into the lobby, we're all there, you know, just hanging out until three, four in the morning. You know, 9 a.m. the show opens, and the first day it goes till midnight, and we're literally being kicked out at midnight. Tony Pedraza's got a trash can and a and a <laughs> hammer, and he's banging on it. All right, guys, time you don't have to leave. You just can't stay here, you know. But we're the music jam is going on, and at midnight they're kicking us out on Saturday because uh, the room we're in they have to close that room up. 
Um, and then uh, first thing again Sunday morning, there's breakfast, so we all hang out in the in the the, the breakfast lobby, and then you know it's really cool. It's a it's a great um, it's a great time to hang out. There's just as much fun in the lobby as there is in the um, in the exhibit area. And then there's dinners and sometimes field trips and road trips. I know last year a bunch of people went to the Galloping Ghost Arcade. Uh, some people like to go to Micro Center and pick up parts and raspberry pies and other doohickeys while they're there. So lots to do. Try to plan on spending some time there and um, and just kind of geek out. So um, based on my I can totally experiences. That. Yeah, yeah. The first time I went to Coco, uh, to, to, yeah, Coco Pest, uh, I saw that it ended at three. So I had a flight out at three, you know, <laughs> three plus a little bit. And, yeah. you know, so it's like when I, I left it, like, you know, it, three o'clock, oh, it's, it's done now, right? So then I left, but it was still going on. And I felt like I missed out, you know, because everybody did stuff that night and I wasn't there. And so the next, the next time I went, you know, I, I left on Monday. Yeah, you uh, joined in the jam last time too. So that was fun. Yeah, yeah. What was that? You see, you joined. You joined, you, the, jam you joined in the musical jam. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. I yeah. remember. Um, Chris Cromwell says, "How much will it cost to attend Coco Fest, and what are the dates?" It's May fourth and fifth. So may the fourth be with you. Uh, I think it's. Uh, how much is it to get in the door? If you just want to be a visitor, is it like ten, ten, fifteen dollars to 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 walk in, Tony. Two-day pass, Saturday and Sunday, is $15 for the first family uh, member, $10 for the second family member. If, okay. you only, if you only make it for Sunday, then it's $10 for the first family member, $5 for the second. Children 12 and under are free both days. Um, there is going to be, again, a, uh, a catered dinner. Twenty dollars a person. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, children twelve and under uh, eat free. Well, yeah, they don't have to buy a ticket. Um, we're going to. Oh, you know, I don't think it was published. If you have a student ID and you're twenty years or under, we'll probably give you a free pass into the show. Okay. Um, uh, as we have done last year. I don't think we did it the year before. Um, but that was a suggestion brought up by one of our attendee members in the Chicagoland area, I think. Mm -hmm. Might have been uh, Evan and, Wright uh, because Evan Wright teaches. Yes, you're uh, right, yeah. Evan Wright. Yep. So that uh, that basically covers the general cost. There, uh, You can always go to our website and check out the uh, pre-registration form for attendees. Mm -hmm. uh, as well as the uh, registration form for the uh, exhibitors slash vendors. Um, and uh, there's only five tables left in the main room for the main exhibi exhibition room. We have some tables They're breaking designed up. for people that just want to have a place to cool their feet. Yeah, you're breaking cooler fee, a place to call home. We called it yeah. this year. Okay, and it's uh, no sale. Just set up your stuff, have fun, and show off. But uh, we're trying to keep all of the those that have something uh, for sale for services for sale. Keep all those people in the uh, in the main exhibition room. That 
Any other questions? Feel free to ask. Yeah, and the website Tony is glenside.com. Tony Pedraza at gmail.com is Tony's uh, email address. He's the vice president, longest running president in history of uh, the United States. And um, the website is glensideccc.com, glensidecolorcomputerclub.com. Luckily, there are no term limits to be a president of Glenside Color Computer Club, all right? So, um, so how many years have you been the president, Tony? Uh, uh, good question. <laughs> uh, you know, switched, off in, switched off in the 90s a number of times. Yeah. Um, yeah, Brian Schubring was president one year. Uh, one of our, uh, oh, Mike Newton was president one year. The uh, who else was there? Uh, Rob Gibbons, who's down in Florida, uh, he took the took over the mantle for a year. So it's I've been in and out. It's, it's not Tony Pedraza's Color Computer Club by any means, although yeah, I've you know, I'm will I was willing a number of years to release the reins, but nobody said. Here, let me have him. Yeah. Till last year, and John, he's missing. John, John, uh, you know, got nominated for the office, and it was a pretty close runoff, actually. Excellent. Yeah, and I think one of the other, uh, it was Eric Canales was also in the running for that, and um, yeah, yeah, no, it's cool. I mean, John Linville's been very heavily involved in promoting. In coordinating things for Cocoa Fest as long as as long as I've been around, it, it was the Cocoa Crew podcast is what really got me interested in the show. You know, um, for four years now, that's been their primary goal has been to be basically a monthly infomercial to get people to come to Cocoa Fest. You know, and so um, that's why I came because I heard them talking about. It. I'm like these guys. You know, it's like now this is like the radio. Now, these guys on the radio, they keep talking about this thing called Cocoa Fest. I, I got to come and see what this thing is, you know, because they won't shut up about it. You know? <laughs> and you hear about it long enough. It's like, I, I got to I gotta make the trek, right? So, um, yeah. So uh, for, John, John's in the uh, Facebook chat, too. Okay. So, yeah. So that's how that's what got me interested was listening to the Cocoa. You know, when I first joined the community and I started hearing about the, the mailing list and Facebook and, and the, um, the Cocoa Crew podcast. Um, I'm like, yeah, these guys keep talking about Cocoa Fest. I got to check it out, right? And so all these people I'm chatting with and stuff, I, I got to check this thing out. And all I can say is I wish I had found out about it 21 years earlier. I probably wouldn't have been able to afford to go back then, but, you know, um, I'm, I'm sorry I missed the first 21 Cocoa Fest. Stevie, yeah. remember at that first year you ended up at the hot chocolate convention. You got very confused. <laughs> Hot chocolate. Yes, yes, yes. It was, but uh, I got to, I got the autograph of Swiss Miss while I was there, so that was good. So, uh, <laughs> um, yeah. So um, this is so Coco Talk has become Coco Fest Talk, and that's not a bad thing. So I would definitely Can say, I, if, go ahead, John Strong. Yeah, I wanted to mention because we brought up Evan Wright. It's kind of interesting. He he came there for first time just a few years ago. Uh, but he actually teaches a uh, game programming class at a, a local uh, school. Uh -huh. And uh, so he's having some of the students are coming over and visiting uh, the Cocoa Fest. Yeah, yeah, that is and, neat to see. And, uh... Uh, last year, actually on Friday, I went over and did a demo for his class. Oh, neat. Are you that close? Oh, no, we were in there on the... We came in on Thursday, and so he found out we, we were there, and he invited me over. And so uh, 
Friday afternoon, I, or Friday morning, I forget which, we made it over and we uh, took a look at their uh, their center and very interesting setup and uh, what I'd call vocational center and uh, very nice classroom setup and uh, they walked me very well and we, I talked about Cocoa Games and writing games. Neat, neat. That is neat, you know. It's not every day you get to speak to people who have done this, you know, for lack of better terms, for a living. But, you know, people who have made real software that sold for computers and stuff, you know. So um, it is kind of cool to talk to a living, breathing, uh, you know, video game maker. Uh, I wish I'd make it as a living, but at least I made them. I yeah, them. yeah. Well, you know. <laughs> Hey, we can't all be Rick Adams, right? So, <laughs> uh, yes. Uh, thank you. Yes, you're too kind, and thank you. <laughs> so, um, no, that's cool. Uh, I think it's neat when we can get younger people to um, to be interested in in the crazy crap that, that we're into, you know. Um, so, uh, what is Evan saying? He says, "Yes, I teach." Five minutes from Cocoa Fest. Guest speakers are welcome. Um, Garrett Reynolds has just joined us saying, Greetings from the high <coughs> desert in Southern California. Hey, Garrett, how are you? Um, yeah, I think that's really cool. And just out of curiosity, Evan, I know you're, 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 you're showing them some vintage stuff, but what, what do you guys normally work on? Like, what are they? I'm imagining these guys are doing programming on a modern environment, right? It's not like a sp strictly retro development class right it's yes. a modern development class yeah yeah they do uh, so, i don't know if he's on voice but yeah they do modern tools and uh, uh graphic tools and stuff and they've got other things in there with 3d printers and things but they've got some good development tools in fact i wish i had them <laughs> yeah it's available because you know they get student discounts and stuff with them and uh uh I was very pleased with the response I had from them. Okay. And uh, so, uh, again, they treated me very well, I thought. Uh, and there, and I think even someone that came out to the Cocoa Fest uh, actually thanked me for showing up. Oh, neat. And so that made me feel good. Yeah, but yeah, he does teach modern uh, different uh things evan will have to explain a little bit more yeah been a, i guess it's probably some flavor of c right probably some modern version of c and maybe some of here he goes what is he saying windows 7 pcs but i have a large retro collection at school uh, i'm just wondering like what the development environment is is it like running in c or you're using unity or the unreal engine or, or something else i mean there's lots of different tools that that can be used um and uh ron delvo is back uh, Rhonda Vos coming and going here. Jason Reichert's here. Bill's here. Tom C's here. All right, we're all here. Um, the, just a second. I got to go put some wood in the stove. All right, sounds good. Yeah, the Hollywood Squares is just getting bigger and bigger. Um, <laughs> Steve, have you uh, tried to get a hold of our second prospective guest? Or no, I no, I not. Should I? Should have it? Have it? I pick up the phone and make a phone call. You, you have, I'll run a commercial. Ron said he actually hit an error in Zoom. He had to reinstall on his laptop. That's why I got kicked off. So I'm wondering if maybe Marty's having. Oops. If oh. somebody's having. Okay, Evan. <laughs> Evan Wright says it's Visual Studio plus Unity plus Unreal. Okay, very cool. All right, so I'm going to let's do that since we're going to check on our other special guest. Thank you, Curtis, 
for um, trying to put out the dumpster fire here. So um, I will Dialing give music. I will give the other um, person a call. I'm going to run a commercial, and uh, we have we have choices here now. So do we want to see? Uh, how about we do a commercial for Coco Forever? How about that? We're going to do that, and we'll be back in just a few minutes, folks. Hi, I'm Bruce Moore, and this is Jacob Moore. Jacob Moore, And we are the Forest of Doom guys, and the Coco Forever guys, and we are at Coco Fest, and we love Stevie Strobe. Imagine a different world. A world where Tandy Corporation has the upper hand. Where the Coco surpassed all competitors. And all you have to do is travel back in time without making a single mistake. Coco forever. definitely earn this office. Yes, you're too kind, and thank you. You want to grab some food before we head back and look at that alt-reality OS9 module? <laughs> it's only a 40 years past due, but yeah, sure. How does it feel? I'm still Computer shopping has never been better at Radio Shack. Here's proof. Our new ultra-high-performance 386SX 20MHz computer with 85MB hard drive, only $12.99. And it's from Tandy, manufacturer of the best-selling PC compatibles in America. Or get a 286-based Tandy home office computer with color monitor and hard drive, only $899.95. Shop your friendly nearby Radio Shack. Great selection, superior service. Nobody compares. All right, well, we are back, and I did try to reach our other uh, guest for the evening. I had to leave a voicemail on the machine, on the landline, no less. So I, le I, left a message on a, I left a message on a landline, and so we may or may not hear back from our other guests, but that's okay. Um, uh, Rob Inman, you were there last year, right, Rob? Yes, sir. And, yes, and sir, you I was. And you coming back again this year? Yeah, I am. I'm, I'm certainly listening to, listening to your suggestions. I did a, a kind of a, a red eye show up for one night. I don't even did I stay? I must have stayed a night. I don't know, but I was in and out so fast. I was sleepwalking. So this time I am going to be there at least the Friday through Sunday. So it's it'll be you know I'll be able to get a hopefully a night's sleep. Yeah. Um, I I'm definitely taking notes on the future so that I will perhaps leave on Monday in the future. Yeah. If you need any help with the future, ask Nick Morentes. He's already seen it. So it's well, Nick, Nick and I are very in sync because we both have a real time clock. Um, <laughs> so we always know when the time is. Uh -huh. But you're, yeah, you're, I'll be there like a normal weekend, and uh, I, I probably will have that same feeling of regret as I race to the airport on Sunday while everyone's just uh, having fun Sunday night. But, uh, you know, you do the best you can, and and uh, next year I'll 
hopefully stay longer. Excellent. 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 Yeah. I think the first year I went there, which was in uh, Cocoa Fest 25, uh, Sunday night, I believe the majority of, of people all went to um, Fuddruckers, which is like a burger joint. And I think Brother Jeremy was there that year too, which was the first time I had met Brother Jeremy. I had heard of Brother Jeremy for years and I'd seen the infamous Hello Darling video. Didn't quite fully comprehend it all because I was kind of new to the community, didn't quite get it. It wasn't really familiar with OS 9, but I, I knew it was, you could tell by watching the video, there was a lot of subtext going on there and a lot of inside humor. Even without being in on the joke, you can kind of tell what was going on. But I got to meet Brother Jeremy, uh, which was very cool. And he was, I remember him hanging out not only all weekend at Cocoa Fest, but hanging out with us at Fuddruckers as we were having burgers and fries and stuff. So that was kind of cool. Um, last year, we had some adventures with uh, with pizza, <laughs> trying to find pizza. Um, one year, we went to a German restaurant. What's that, Michael? Trying to chase you guys around. Uh, did you end up catching up to us? I don't remember. No, we just we just had our own dinner. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We um, when we were all in the lobby, we're asking the 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 gal there at the desk, you know, where's the best? She's like, oh, this is the best pizza in town. You got to go to this place, right? So we're going there, and, and we took two caravans of vehicles, and I think one one car got there before us, and so as we're, as the second car is getting there, we're getting the, we're getting out of the car. They're like, yeah, there's uh, there's 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 no seating available. I'm like, oh, what's going on? The uh, restaurant's full, or we have to is there a wait? And like, no, no, there's no seats. You can't, you can't, <laughs> you can't sit down and eat here. It's it's to go only. <laughs> you know, so it's like, dude, the the best pizza in town. You know, you can't, you can't. You know, there's like 20 of us going to the restaurant. It seemed like, and uh, and uh, yeah. So Diego was there too, right? Um, Diego, our good friend from Uruguay, uh, 100% shareholder in all the switcheroo cables in the entire country of Uruguay. Diego was there. Um, so we ended up going to another place that was good too. It was kind of a, wasn't the thick crust Chicago. It was like a uh, thin crust, like brick oven style place, but that was pretty cool. Um, one year on a Sunday, we had like a last minute decision. Alan Huffman's like, Hey, let's go to this German restaurant. You know, I think John Strong, you were with us, you and your wife and Curtis and I, and and Brian, Brian Schubring joined us too. Yes. And, and that was like literally last minute in the lobby. We're like, well, what do you want to do? And we went there. And that was cool. I never had German food before. So you just never know what you're going to do on the off time in Cocoa Fest, too, you know? And the one-man uh, band at the German restaurant as well. Oh, that guy was amazing. Yeah, so that was really cool. Talk about Music Man, right? So, um, yeah, that guy was kind of cool. Yeah, a lot of live chat going on here. I can't even keep up with the live chat. Uh, uh, well, Keith Clark is asking about can, uh, if we have if there's Cocoa Fest in Canada, Um I mean, Chicago is about you know as close as you can get to, to Canada. I, I would I would wonder where Keith is. How long does it take you to drive there, Curtis, from Scratchuchuan? Twenty three hours, and William Ouch. 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 add up another five or six to that. Wow! Ouch. Wow! Yeah, and does now what? Canada, you are. I mean, Neil Blanchard's a lot closer. But it's metric time. Your... <laughs> it's metric time. What's the uh, flight options, Curtis, for you, if you were to choose that? Oh no, I can I can definitely fly there. I, I did fly to the Rainbow Fest back in the day, and I think even the earlier Cocoa Fest. But like Steve, I like hauling stuff back, so I started taking the car. Oh <laughs> uh, okay. Now Curtis and haul stuff there too, because I'm doing displays and stuff now too. So. Good, Stevie. I was gonna say, um, I, I don't even remember. Oh, so Curtis, like for you guys with the 23-hour drive, you you don't make that. Uh, in contiguous time, right? You you, you stop layover somewhere. In the old somewhere. days, I did. 
I drove it straight yeah. through. In fact, I'd sometimes work a 12-hour shift, then drive 23 hours, and then visit for four more, and then crash. Wow. But that was I was young and, and possibly on cocaine. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> now now I, I actually just stop at some of the rest stops. They have some pretty good ones in Wisconsin and stuff there, um, or even Minnesota, and just you know have a snooze on the side of the road for a couple of hours and then continue on. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah, I'm wondering what William does. Because uh, if you've got a 23 or 24-hour drive and he's got five hours on top of you, I'm just wondering, does he drive 30 hours nonstop or does he stop somewhere too? That's pretty hardcore I, when you think, think about it. I think it. he just does the rest stop stops too, I think, from what he's told me. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, you got guys driving 20, 30 hours to get there. Um, now, who said who said they were coming? We had on last week, uh, late, late, late. Was it Craig Stewart in Australia, next one of Nick's neighbors? Did Craig say he was going to make it to Cocoa Fest this year? Nick, do you remember uh, that? Yeah, yeah, he did. He said he's he's got a uh, he's got to go somewhere nearby for work. He has to so he has to fly uh, fly from Australia, okay. and he's going to drive down to the fest while he's at it. Excellent, excellent, yeah. And we hope to have Craig back on uh, next week. So Craig has made a handful of games for the Coco 2 and Coco 3s in Australia. Uh, I remember doing a review of Space Marauder. Uh, matter of fact, I just I just came across that again today. I was like, wow. Yeah, cool game. So uh, Craig joined us late last night. It was like last night we were going till midnight. You know, It was insane. We did an almost five-hour show last week and maybe five minutes of actual redeeming content. Um, and, um, but yeah, so, um, so Craig had joined us, he jumped on and, and so we're hoping to get Craig on the show to talk about a handful of his cocoa projects and things like that. Um, uh, uh, Keith Clark is asking, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to, I was just going to go where you're going, uh, in terms of Canada, um, and Canadians have, we checked with, um, Sockmaster. Ooh. Will, will he make the trek? Has Sockmaster ever been to a Cocoa Fest? You guys know? He was at Pinfest. Pinfest. Yeah. Yes, oh, that's he, true. Yeah, he's made it to a Cocoa Fest. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I don't remember when. It's been a, quite some time. But what if we uh, tell him there's a Cocoa Talk? What if we tell him there's a Donkey Kong convention right here at the uh, Cocoa Fest? <laughs> 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 you might get him out then, huh? So. Um. Yeah, it'd be cool to meet Sockmaster. Yeah, I remember seeing some of those old videos of Sockmaster, and he looked like he was 12 years old at Penfest. You know, as a young, young, skinny kid is what he looked like. You know, so I don't know how old he is. Yeah, actually, now he looks but... 14. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. I so. it was quite fascinated by. It. He actually had a a prototype Game Boy game that he was working on that he he showed me uh, at the Cocoa Fest. So yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so is there any Canadian retro uh, conventions? I know I've heard Neil Blanchard talk about the World of Commodore Expo or one of those things that Neil goes to up there. Um, are you guys familiar with any other Canadian uh, events? Uh, we used to have some smaller ones up here, like local ones. Like I know in Saskatoon we had some at one of the malls and we had it at the art gallery one year. Um, like Bill's, Bill's been there, I've been there. Dwayne and a few others so actually but sometimes we had 30 or 40 people at those um but as far as a big show I don't don't remember any I do know the International Color Computer Club was briefly based out of Canada it was originally in Texas and then whoever took it over for a couple of years actually was based in Canada so was up here for a while too and they did mail outs to all over the world but 
as far as a big show, I don't believe so. Mm-hmm. Well, it, you know, it, it is an eight-hour drive from from Toronto, and even, and actually about a seven-hour drive, seven and a half hours from Waterloo. So we got to get this. Uh, we got to get Keith some gas money. Yeah, yeah. Hey, hey, Nick Morentes, do you have any more updates for us on uh, Gunstar or any other core dumpy tech talky type stuff you wanted to talk about? Oh, I have I have worked on uh, Gunstar a bit more, and I will be putting up a uh, another blog uh, soon. I'm actually working on it right now. Okay. But uh, yeah, nothing really to report as okay. yet. I figured I'd wait for the blog and do the video as well. All right. Well, Paul Thayer mentioned he wanted to talk about possibly showing off something too. Paul, did you want to maybe show off some technical demonstration that you were talking about earlier? If Paul Thayer is still with us. Uh, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm still here. I got okay. crickets. Yeah. Uh, I was you... just going to show uh, show some of the graphical stuff that I was working on. Okay, well, if you want, I'm going to stop screen sharing. If you need a minute to get ready, let me know when you're ready to show off your thing, and I'll do a, an intro, a little core dump intro, uh, since we're going to do a tech segment I'd like here. to interrupt just a moment, okay, guys? And I'm going to have to get off. We just got news that uh, a nephew died. He's been... Uh, Bedridden for a long time. Oh. So, oh. You guys, have a good night. All right, John. We're sorry to hear that. Marty, Marty shows up, tell him I said hi. But uh, I had some more things I wanted to talk about, but that's fine. We'll talk no, to okay. you guys later. Bye. All right, will do. Sorry to interrupt. But no problem. <laughs> sorry to hear that, John. Yeah. All right, bye. Uh, Paul, okay, so do you need a minute or two to, to prepare for that, Paul? I didn't mean to put you on the spot, but I figured I'd just send out some feelers to see if we want to switch gears here for a minute. Yeah, I'm almost, I'm almost ready. So yeah, I'll let you know in just a second. Okay. So, um, who else is going to Cocoa Fest? Jason Reichard, the Cocoa Man. Are you going to Cocoa Fest? Absolutely. Everything's booked. And, uh, is, uh, your brother Ken Reichard possibly going to? Make it or it's, is he? It it last I heard, as far as I know, no. Uh, so uh, so Paul Paul Thayer will have to pick up the uh, bringing his brother to Cocoa Fest. Yeah, Paul Thayer <laughs> is going to be there. The Cocoa Brothers will be there. That'd be cool. Looking forward to meeting Paul. Paul, the the man behind Let's Get Simon to Cocoa Fest campaign, which was a hundred percent successful. Yes, it was. Thanks We're, to some very generous benefactors in the community. My wife and I are making T-shirts for everybody who donated. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. She wanted me to do some sort of like uh, the green screen with a program on it that you could actually enter in. And when you ran it, it did something special for Simon. But I haven't figured it out yet. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I like that picture with his like crazy hair where he just looks like a complete insane person too. That'd be a cool picture too. <laughs> just the the crazy Simon. Or just the one, the, the, even the graphic you did for Timberman. Of yeah, that one, a, the Madman, you know. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, that was um, pretty funny. Yeah, lo lots of options there. So, uh, Richard Lorbieski of Voice on Technologies, I take it, will be there. Oh, absolutely! Yeah, and I'll be handling warranty returns for retro innovation. <laughs> <laughs> He's also charging a million dollars for sixty-three oh nine upgrades. Apparently, yeah, absolutely, yeah. yeah. Um, I, I did, I did think after we do our little technical presentation, I, I did, um, I, I don't know if, if you guys all caught the, uh, the latest Coco crew podcast, but there was a interesting discussion on there about software 
and hardware requirements and, um, you know, uh, RGB supporting composite, you know, things like that. And I know recently we're talking about sound cards and sound chips and things like that. So I thought this might be an interesting panel discussion to maybe talk about, you know, hardware and software and, and, you know, sometimes the, um, feature creep versus community, uh, you know, armchair quarterbacking and all kinds of stuff like that. So I think there's probably some meat there to pick at. If you guys want to talk about that, maybe after Paul's there and we can maybe give a few people a hard time just for fun while we're at it. Um, but I thought that would be an interesting topic to chew on just a little bit. Um, so Paul, whenever you're ready, I will start off with our little core dump infographic because this I am is almost a, there. Yeah, no Sorry, problem. I'm taking yeah, so long. No I've been pressure. actually preparing this the whole time that you guys have been talking. <laughs> so what you're saying Definitely. is you're writing it from scratch or what? Uh, well, kind of. <laughs> In a way, yes. Um, I'm ready when you are, Steve. All right, so then we're, we're going to run the quick core dump uh, intro. Go ahead and start your screen sharing if you want, and I'm going to run the core dump intro, sure. which, you, which we way. won't hear. You guys won't hear it, but everybody else will see it and hear it. All right, it is time for a core dump, a technical discussion frequently hosted by Nicholas Morentes. This time we're going to hear from Paul Thayer, creator of the Timberman. And recently attacked by a tall tree. Right. <laughs> recently, he, he got in a fight with a tree and lost, ladies recently and gentlemen. Recently revenged upon <laughs> Wow, I see uh, what looks like mountains and a sunset and water and grass. I see a whole landscape back there. Is that the yeah. cool free version of Pegasus and the Phantom Riders you're working on or what? No, 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 no. I don't know if you know what that is. <laughs> One of David Ladd's favorite games. Really? <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting I was, for the uh, intro. Unicorns and rainbow parts. Um, so yeah, like I was talking about earlier, I'd figured some stuff out with, uh, basic, uh, and being able to put things on the high resolution screen with the, uh, virtual 256 byte screen enabled, um, and kind of as a demo for that and for the, for other people to have the ability to learn, I was going to make a little like street fighter type. Uh, Kung Fu oh, game. Oh, so this is the back, the background. It's wider than the screen, so it'll be panning left to right. Yeah, I'll show you that in a second. But yep, and then all of the fighters will have the exact same set of moves, um, just because I wanted to keep it simple. For can you sure. guys see that? Nope, I gotta share that specifically, don't I? I see just VCC right now. Yeah, I'll I'll try and figure it out here in a second, but that's okay. I kept them all having the same move, like I was saying, because um, just to keep it simple for, I kind of have to figure out how I'm even going to do any of it. So, um, but I do plan on making like a second one where there will be individualized uh, move sets. Cause right now I kind of have to figure out how I'm even going to do any of it. So, um, <clears throat> but anyway, um, this was kind of inspired. Um, uh, can't remember his last name, but Rico on the Facebook page there. Um, somebody was talking about semi graphics a long time ago and he posted some uh, screenshot of a game or something that he yeah. work on and this kind of inspired that. But the name of the game is Faceless Warriors because you'll see in a minute they don't have faces because the actual um, resolution of the screen is like I think 32 by 27 pixels. Um Anyway, 
I will run a little example of that right now. Do, 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 do. So this is like that's oh, one of the wow. fighters there. Dude, that looks really good. Yeah, I don't have him I don't have him animated yet, but I do have it going uh right and left right oh, now. Oh wow. That's really that's, smooth. It's supposed to be the same set of mountains. Yeah, and this isn't even this is on uh just standard uh speed. I don't have it um doing the high resolution or not high resolution, but the high speed The poke. double speed poke, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I'm going to do, I think I'm going to do double buffers um, because the screen is so small. It's like 800 bytes total, I think, something like that. I can't remember. Um, and how many colors we get here? We get 16 colors? We're getting 16. I'm not doing any of the funky color blending Yeah, stuff so we got 16 colors. Um, yeah, that looks really good, dude. Yeah, that looks exactly like Ken from Street Fighter, who is my second favorite fighter next to Ryu. So, yeah, uh, this guy was actually one of the original characters designed in that thing that Eriko showed. Okay. Um, all I had was what you see oh, here to go off of. And then I made, like, punches and kicks and everything to go with that. Okay. And then I made another guy who looked like Ryu. And then there's a guy who has some gray hair. He's supposed to be the sensei. And then there's another guy wearing, like, a robe with uh, long brown hair. I don't know who he is, but he's in the mix. <laughs> Cool, so, cool, cool. I'm trying to figure out how to show you. Oh, I have to just hit on new share. But, uh, oh, that's main screen. Uh, yeah, work. you're sharing an app versus sharing a screen. If you, okay, now you're sharing your whole screen. So, yeah, now, we so see your, now we see your sprites. Yeah, those are the sprite sets for them. Now, you might notice that they look a little scrunched. Uh -huh. um, that's because the 16 byte and the, I think, hold on, let me look this up. Can you see this? So oh, yeah, you can see the Sockmaster yeah. uh, Gimme reference. Okay. So if you look in this section right here, it talks about the horizontal resolution. Okay. Well, on the real Coco, in the 16 color mode, the 16 and 20 bytes per row don't work correctly. Okay. So I had to go to 32 and 40 bytes per row, which made it you know a little wider. Um, and then I'm also up here, if you look, you can do eight lines per row. So the height of the pixels is actually eight pixels in each one of these squares that you wow. can see. Wow. Wow. So to get it to look right, I just had to, um, it's hard for me to explain it. I don't know. Yeah. Why, yeah. The pixels in your editor are not going to match the ratio that the Cocoa <laughs> yeah, graphics be wider, in. So yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I get it. So they look like that. Yep. And then the other thing that I was saying earlier, too, is that um, you you basically, for every one horizontal line you want to go down in 256-byte mode, you have to go by two instead of one. And that's it. That's all yeah. I had to show. But, dude, it looks really cool. This looks like uh, and a semi-graphics on steroids, you know, because you got more <laughs> colors now, you know? Yeah, that was the point, yeah. And I'm hoping that, you know, like I said, I'm going to get the program done and do a write-up about it and hope that uh, people can learn some of these techniques to use in their own basic Yeah, form. yeah. Because they're pretty so, cool. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, so just, you know, getting back to one of your, your posts on Facebook, like what, you know, what do you guys think about uh, program listing in the new Rainbow Magazine? Uh, I'm in favor of it. I think, you know, I think there's the Goldilocks part where it's got to be just right, can't be too long, can't be too short. 
Um, and then if, and, and, and the devil with somebody, whether or not they want to type it in, uh, the original rainbow had, uh, you know, articles in it or, and had program listings in it. And I, and I think it, it should be there. And then, you know, at, at the end of your little segment saying, listen, for more details, visit my blog at whatever.com. And then people can get more into it and download links and see stuff, you know, but I'm, I'm, my vote is to have a, a small program in, in the rainbow. Dude, that looks color. really good. Look at all the colors you got there. The man. colors are wrong, but <laughs> I wanted to see this one because I haven't seen the sunset yet. That one's a little smaller. Mm. I might need to widen that. But well, the scrolling is super smooth. Yeah, it's pretty crazy being in basic because it's not even. It doesn't even have a V-sync or anything going on with it right now. Wow. That's something that I intend to put into the action. So, yeah, I mean, personally, I would be interested in learning how to use this mode. I, I could see some fun things I could do with this. Um, yeah, absolutely. So I would be one person that'd be interested. Some cosmic in... aliens. Would Absolutely. Be awesome. Absolutely. Or you can even go a little higher resolution. Uh, you know, I haven't tried the 256 byte screen enabled with the 320 resolution yet. Um, but I know it works on some of these lower reses that I usually use. So cool. That's it. That's, that's all I got. Okay. Hey, we have another Australian, uh, Dave. I, I'm assuming he's Australian because he's saying hi to Bryza. Maybe he's not Australian. Maybe he's just saying hi to you. I don't know if you saw that. Either. Dave uh, Grimmel or Grimmel said hi to you, Bryza. Um, since I've got chat coming from two places now, it's kind of hard to stay on top of it all. The Facebook chat and the YouTube chat are all being mashed into one stream of consciousness here, and I can't maybe watch it as, as swiftly as I would like. Um, that's cool, Paul. Hey, Chet Simpson has just joined us, or I just noticed he's here anyways. Hey, Chet, how are you? Hey, what's going on, guys? I just got done listening to your uh, interview on the Coco Crew. That was pretty cool. Thanks for doing that. Yeah. yeah. Also, Chet, uh, I noticed um, uh, Jim's asking for some uh, software for your Symphony 12 board that he's built because he doesn't have anything to test it with. Oh, yeah, yeah. I've been sick for the last couple of weeks, so I've, I've got a lot to catch up on, so... Okay, I just wanted to let you know because he's 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 ready to go for testing. Oh, sweet, sweet. Oh, and and since Chet's here, maybe Chet can um, uh, join us here. So yeah, I'd like to maybe throw out the panel discussion here, and if I could spell discussion, D I S C U S S I O N, panel discussion. So um, you know, uh, this month's Coco Crew podcast had the host had the host discussion topic of. You know, um, have do, you know software developers dictating hardware specs? That was an interesting panel uh, host discussion. And then recently, there's been some postings going on um, uh, on some people posting products and things like that. And um, uh, and the, you know, to some of the feedback you get when you we say, hey, here's a here's a here's a hardware design I'm working on. Here's a picture of it. More details to come. And then you get the comments start to flow. Uh, everybody's got an opinion and I think, you know, and on all things in life balance is the key, right? So you want to, um, you want people to have a, you know, have, feel like they, they can have an opinion and, and maybe some of these opinions might be good suggestions the designer didn't think of and that makes its way to the design. But you want to balance that with just feature creep and then just starting to beat somebody up for making something that you don't understand or agree with too. Somewhere in the middle is hopefully uh, a happy medium. Um, so we got enough people here to maybe chime in. It'd be great if we could get Jim Brain of Retro Innovations to join us too, because his product is one of the ones that's kind of come under the crossfire. Um, oh, yeah. But 
uh, so let's take one step back and not only say, well, let's talk about design specs and community input. Um, I'm going to tell you my own personal experience on this in, in, um, when you throw something out there to the community and and, and ironically just because i just got done listening to chet's interview you know there was something that chet had posted on facebook a while ago and there was feedback and you know everybody's got an opinion and not everybody understands the context and there's all that stuff going on my the thing i've kind of the the realization i've come to is that you know what it's great to share things but at the end of the day you kind of got to just say listen i'm i want to do something I'm, I'm not sure if people are going to like it. I'm not sure if people are going to understand it. But by the same token, zero Fs are going to be given because if this is the itch I want to scratch, I'm going to do that and take it or leave it, bitches. You know, and so I've kind of become less of a looking for acceptance and buy-in and, and comfort and more of a, you know, just do, do, be you and do you and people, you know. Like, how, how often has Ed Snyder said, hey, guys, what do you think? Should I build a four-port multi-pack with sound chip and two Sarah ports? Did he ask anybody's input on that? Would you like this? Is this a good idea? Or you just say, hey, bitches, here it is. Now uh, get out your checkbook. You know what I mean? So uh, I'm not saying it's a bad idea to to share and ask opinions, but from what I've seen, when you start asking for input, or even if you don't ask for the input, you get <laughs> <laughs> you get you get stuff, and I don't know that that's always helpful. Uh, and to me, sometimes I just see it, and I get a little frustrated and burned out. And I will, you know, I end up tuning out of Facebook because I'm like, oh my god, I just want to hear a bunch of whiny bitches at this point, you know. Well, so I don't know, it but it's a balance. Stevie. I, mean, <laughs> I mean, I mean, actually, actually, Ed Snyder did get a little bit of input. I mean, it was there was some conversations before he finalized the the Mega Mini. Um, but yeah, you know, I guess it's up to a certain extent, and 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 Nick and I, and Nick Brentes and I are firmly in the in the RTC camp, but uh, this may not be the right time for for that uh, feature. So I'm willing to let it go. If someone can tell me, please, how else I could just get a real time clock on on, I'll shut up about it. <laughs> Well, let me ask you, let me, let's, so let's, uh, we're, 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 we're going 16 different directions here. So let's just say this, what, what real time clock, what, at the end of the day, what is the actual value of it? I know what it does. I know nitrous nine is going to use it, but realistically, how much is this improving lives on a grand global scale? I can give in my specific case when I've been creating, like I'm archiving 600, 700 floppies of stuff right now. Okay. And if I was running ADOS 3 or ADOS 3 extended that actually supported the real-time clock in Disk Basic, every time I make a new disk image when I'm backing up a disk, at least I would have a date stamp so I know, you know, when I look at my card six months down the road, okay, here's the last 50 images I did because they're sorted by date. Right now they all say July whatever 1969, every single one. So mm-hmm. me trying to find something and you're limited to 8.3 character file names in some cases, mm-hmm. I, I can't even figure out what I just did or what I did a year ago. And I'm trying to find a specific one. Cause remember I found this program two weeks ago. So in that case, it would be useful for me, especially for the archiving and, and, and under nitrous nine, obviously for the same yeah. reasons. And, and for, I don't have a real necessarily as much of a real world uh, use case as, as Curtis, but it was just something that I always wanted from the day that I bought OS nine level two and whenever it was 1987 and reading through the whole book and getting all into it and having to type in that that horrible prompt at the beginning is just in my nightmare. So for me, it would change the extender if that was the device that included it 
or a future Coco SDC, which I would buy an SDC version two with RTC to have it all on one cartridge and potentially not even have to use a multi-pack if you were somebody that didn't want to. I think the whole thing with the SDC extender was to, for those who don't want to buy the multi-pack or don't feel they need to, it would be kind of the last thing that you would really ever need on a single cartridge. So it would right. change it for me from I'll get around to buying the SDC extender to I need to buy that tomorrow. Uh, so I think for, for some for some people it would it would and, and that would benefit the rest of the uh, community, even those who didn't use the RTC because you're 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 making it a must have for a certain niche of the population and thereby increasing the number of people who have it and thereby increasing the number of, of actual sound chips that are out there. I think that's where Nick was going. I don't want to put words in your mouth, Nick, but um, I think that's really where he was going with that. And, um, uh, you know, understanding that most people, a lot of people don't use the RTC. It's just one of those things that will increase the, the value of the product. So, but, you know, like I said, I'm willing to, to drop it. I, I'm, I can get, I actually wanted a, a multi-pack. So uh, I could be open to putting an RTC in on another slot. Well, how, what 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 are the current offerings of real-time clocks out there, or are there any current real-time clocks out there? Is this a need that has not been met? Well, there, that, there that's is currently no commercial or recent real-time clock option out there. The only the only thing that is available is Smart if you watch. use DriveWire. DriveWire right. will. There's one other. Uh, what would that be, Mikey? Coco Three FPGA. I don't know oh. about um, <clears throat> the Mister. Oh well, but that's okay. But that's not a Mister's product product. that we can plug yeah, into a real. We're talking about we're talking about the real. Hardware. The real like real hardware for real okay. cocoa. Yeah. Okay. Um, all right. So it sounds like this is and this is a missing, this is a missing component then, and maybe there is a need. And so again, if if, if only you could go back in time. And change the course of history forever, because we've we've all agreed that the Coco SDC, everybody's got it. There's something like 700 units out there. Had it had a sound chip on it and a real time clock from day one, then the need for a Mega Mini MPI might not have even been out there, right? But there, right. so people are addressing needs. So when you look at it from that angle. You know, it's like you don't want to have to keep adding crap onto crap onto crap. The bolt on uh thing here so i think what again i don't want to put words in, in other people's mouths but i think one of the needs that jim brain was filling because we all had this discussion on this show a lot of people don't want to buy a multi-pack or don't want to have to if i want to make a game that supports sound i don't want the consumer to have to buy a multi-pack and a sound card in order to support that i'm trying to keep the barrier of entry low so um, some people are like, yeah, well, yeah. we could do it on a cartridge, but then the cost of the cartridge drives up the price. So you're trying to find this utopian solution, one inexpensive thing that we can plug in where we'd always have sound. We don't need the expense of a multi-pack. And so this is a this is a, a connector that fills in what we wish was in the Coco SDC. And so the main thing most people agreed with was, hey, we'd like a sound chip. It's there. I think Jim threw on some ROM and RAM, and there was a whole discussion. Well, why do you need this ROM, and why do you need this RAM, and is this RAM good for the Coco 2? And let's not even get into there. But then the discussion came of the real-time clock. And for me, again, I'm only basing it on my own personal needs. I, I, the number of Fs I give about real-time are zero. But I'm not the every Coco user. And what I'm hearing right now, even just from two people, I think I'm in the real-time clock camp right now because if we're going to make this product, this is the other product Besides the Mega Mini, which is, addresses a lot of issues here, 
let's make one last product and let's stop, you know, <laughs> where we yeah. can have these two things and it addresses most of everybody's needs. Yeah, to, you know, again, the 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 whole thing with the the memory flash memory and stuff being good for the coco one or two that's something that you know i moved on from the coco one and two so i i'm all coco three so so i i totally cede that expertise to ed and ed snyder and, and jim brain and and i think they should move forward with production if it if it addresses the needs of most of the community um but but i think the point is that we're speaking up now because as you said if we had only had the sound chip and other things in the original SCC, maybe nobody raised their hand and just said anything. So, you know, the hand was raised, perhaps mm -hmm. we went on a little long about it, but, um, and if it can't be done, then, then like I said, maybe it, maybe it can go into the Coco SCC gen two and, and Jim should pr proceed as, as is. Hmm. Yeah. And we don't have Jim here, but, um, I right, so chat. Okay, so based on based on us here right now, if we're just gonna wish in one hand and whatever in the other, the, <laughs> what by show of hands, how many people would like to have the SDC and would like it even more if it had a real time the SDC extender? I think most people who are interested in games would like a sound chip. How many people would like it if the sound chip also included a real time clock? Just out of curiosity. All right, we got we got Brian Schubring, we got Mark Bosley, we got Michael Bye, Furman. Um, yeah. Nick, of all people, Nick, 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 why do you care? Nick, why do you care about a well, real-time clock? What are you going to do with it? My feeling <laughs> is, and this has been an issue for a long time. I'm talking back the back the days, early days of the Coco. What were the things that people were asking for? And this was this is more with the OS nine people, which. Uh, you know, I'll admit I'm not an OS 9 person, but I am warming up to it. I do understand it's a real, real OS. And one thing that has always been missing for OS uh, 9 is a real-time clock. Mm -hmm. We're talking yes. one little chip is yeah. all it is. So for years, um, OS 9 people have said, I wish we had a real-time clock. And I thought, this would be a good time to add in a real-time clock. One stupid little chip. Uh -huh. <laughs> Just like the sound chip. The sound chip should have been in the original design. It never made it. And now we've got this hodgepodge of sound cards and sound standards as everyone tries to come up with a solution. Um, so that's why I thought sound so you so you're not even asking for yourself because to me the irony of it all is mr i can't stand os9 is the one who's now championing <laughs> championing a freaking yeah, real-time clock so that's not for you so so you're actually you're actually being uh concerned for the community at large now. for the community yeah for the wow. os9 side of things I, I, yeah exactly. hold on hold on one second here i, I believe that <laughs> i believe that something is Let, in order right now mental note of this yes <laughs> big day <laughs> All right, we we I believe we I believe, have I have to effect. I have to run this commercial. Hold on one second here. No, he's gonna do Hi, it's Chris Well, part of the uh, Coco Jack <laughs> crew of people. Hey everybody, this is Bill Noble, co-author of Nitrous Nine. You are listening to Coco Talk Live, the leading live Coco Talk show. Good day, mates. This is Nick Marionettes, <laughs> author of such color computer titles as Donut Disaster. Rupert Rhymes and Rockstar Pilot. And I am here today to tell you about the world's most fabulous operating system, OS9. OS 9. 
OS9 and its current incarnation Nitrous 9 is the most advanced operating system ever created. And what makes it so good? Ease of use. I find OS9 so incredibly intuitive that I haven't once cracked open the user manual. And yet I've been able to create such incredible games faster than the time it takes to sing Walsing Matilda. Using OS9, I expect my next game, Funstar, will be done this weekend and distributed exclusively on ROM cartridge. OS9 forever. Any resemblance to actual events to persons living or dead is purely coincidental. You know, Radio Shack is a great part gift of, idea for the whole family. Fast action TV games, and they're on sale. Get this six game model for $29.95 or the four game model for $21.95. With rising entertainment costs, that's a real bargain. You play hockey, tennis, squash, and more. Easy to hook up and great family fun that lasts all year long. The sale price TV games. Only at Radio Shack, a Tandy company. Alright, sorry about that, but yeah, we just figured, hey, Nick Marentes has become a champion for OS9 and, and real-time clocks everywhere. So um, now, Nick did start the Ease of Use project, and, and my yeah. biggest irony is you load up Ease of Use, and what's the first freaking thing it asks you to do? Actually, for the time. And if the I can GD comment... Time. If I can comment on that commercial, there was two um, um, sentences in there which we should take into account. One, OS9 is the most powerful, or Nitrous 9 is the most powerful operating system. Well, it can't even tell the time. So, <laughs> and, it's a, re a real-time operating system that doesn't have the real time. It doesn't have the time. And it's meant to be... Ease of use. So ease of use, and you have to tell it the time. You have to type it in every time you run it. So hence, a real-time clock will satisfy, will satisfy those two lies <laughs> um, just nicely. So that's that's why I, I think a real-time clock should be put in somewhere. Someone has to put it yes. in because okay, it makes OS 9 a, a, a powerful OS as, as it's yeah. as it is and it as, doesn't as have well, to be the SDC extender it's just it that it was an opportunity to yeah do. it was an yes. opportunity and also yeah. can I just add one more thing the Please. extender is an extender for the SDC but you don't have to put it into into as an extender it could be made into a cartridge and then plugged into an MPI True. And then in the MPI, you will get a real-time clock. And, well, it's got a sound chip as well, which uh, there's two of then if you have a mega MPI. Uh, but maybe a jumper to disable the onboard one. But, yeah, the extender doesn't have to be just an extender. Well, that's, that's an interesting... Uh, yeah. 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 It, it, yeah. That's right, because you can't so, have an extender in a multi-pack. Multi-pack will sit loosely on the end of a cocoa. But you know, you know what we just did here in like five minutes? You, you made a valid point that I understand with. My problem is when you read people droning on Facebook and you've got opinions and thoughts and questions, I just get turned off because I'm like, Jesus Christ, people, give it a rest. You know, this is just like you guys want to beat the freaking drum and beat the horse. And I get really turned off by, I guess, yeah. over over discussing something. And maybe that's just me. And I admit, listen, I'm a very flawed creature. Show? 
Yeah, I right. Th so. I think also there hasn't been enough discussion about, or uh, I guess Jim really needs to do some PR and tell people what it is, what the vision is, uh, and, and you know exactly what it is. People are just scratching their heads, and I'm trying to answer questions, and people start thinking <laughs> I'm the one doing it. Oh, no, I'm not. <laughs> yeah. Hey, so we just but, heard from you know, the the great John Linville is just chiming in. He goes, "Just for the record, I've got no plans to add any real time clocks to any of my game cartridges." <laughs> well, he he, he doesn't well, use OS nine, so yeah, so. Yeah. It, it, it is only for OS nine people. Yes, yeah. I know. I, well, I mean, like like I mentioned, extended eight three did support the real time clock. And yeah, you, yeah. You know, with the STC, you can actually timestamp your disk images as you make them, or the last time you modified them if you're trying yeah. to. Yeah, yeah. Well, I saved a new version of my game on this. Where, which one was it again? And then you can find it easily. Yeah. The other thing well, for OS nine for developers, and I mean, Bill can definitely test to this. The RMA assembler, the make utility, is basically based on the real time clock. So. It will check if you have a bunch of different modules you're assembling together to make a master program. You've got a bunch of different source listings. It's actually smart enough to go in and go, okay, you've only modified these last two. These other eight are still the same. I'm not going to reassemble those. So your assembly times go way, way down. Like it's really fast. And I've had oh, lots yes. of requests for people wanting to do development natively as opposed to using cross-development tools. So that would be kind of a good itch to scratch for them. Imagine your PC or Mac if it didn't have a real-time clock. Well, and when in old days of DOS, when you first your, your DOS prompt was enter date, enter time. So MS DOS started off that way too. Yeah. So it's yeah. not. It's not. A, and again, listen, I I view the world through my own narrow eyes, and because I'm not an active user of Nitrous Nine, a real-time clock poses no value or benefit uh, to my world. But I realize I'm not the only one. To me, the bigger issue was, here's a guy presenting a piece of hardware, and here's a whole bunch of people just piling on, and I don't know how much that helps sometimes. This was kind of one of the, one of the feelings I got from that, but I'll shut up now. Go ahead. Yeah. No, I agree with that. I mean, it's, it's hard because, I mean, some a lot of people have suggestions, and, of course, you have your own personal views as to whether you could use that piece of hardware or not. Uh-huh. And... Um, I, I guess if you're if you're making your project public, if you're not just building it for yourself for your own personal use, I guess you have to kind of expect that. But I think people have to realize it's ultimately the person that's actually going to be producing it is going to make yeah. the decision. The yeah, rest of may, us maybe make suggestions, but we we don't dictate. Yeah, you know, we talk about a lot about at work about picking up the phone, and I think maybe you know we can we can all kind of get together with somebody like Jim Brain on um, Discord uh, voice. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and kind of hash out some of these things because the the RTC was mentioned briefly when Jim uh, presented this option, mm -hmm. and it just kind of like got glossed over, and, and we kind of raced around to the other, um, you know, the other point of having the extender, and you know, maybe if we had spent a few more minutes on that original thread, but everybody wasn't on that thread, so yeah, you know, I think I think some of these things can be. Um, taken to uh you know we can virtually pick up the phone and say let's hey let's meet jim over on uh discord voice and just kind of yeah talk, have, talk have, have a to, have a civilized yeah. adult conversation and not a bunch of message threads that don't necessarily add to uh, any value or solution um but no it's interesting yeah, and again it's it's worth of, talking about so sorry john go ahead yeah, welcome back take a different approach yes so wife said go ahead and get back we'll have to wait on news but uh anyway you know my approach is hey i like all these projects is this project fits me no okay now 
you know, I've gone to forest say to people, hey, you know, I'd like to see this, but hey, it's your project, you know, I think it'd be cool. And, you know, sometimes on the forum threads, it's easy to come across as being demanding. And yeah, real climb clock, we've had them, okay? We just don't have them as a standard. Now, we had the sure. ROM one that went under the ROMs. We yeah, had them in the disc. Yeah, and yeah, we had them in the disco controller, but, you know, it never been the mainline thing. And it's something that's missed. Yes, it'd be really nice. I would like to have that, be it embedded, you know, in your directory structure, in your RS-DOS, okay? So we'd use that time feature on that. And so, yes, a real-time clock is definitely really nice. Uh, yeah. And, you know, and, and we need one. Um, it's now, just I'm a matter of, you know, getting it done and how who's going to do it. Now, it's, the need is not as big as it used to be if you're assuming people are also using DriveWire because it can pull it in there. So there's a Yeah, but I can't. I, I, John, I have, I'm frustrated with DriveWire because I couldn't really get it to work. I mean, maybe I can do some live tech support with somebody one of these nights, but it's not like, uh, you know, everybody can get DriveWire working. And I understand that issue too, and I think some some things need to be done there. I've had some ideas. Uh, well, Mikey's just, working on drive wire one one size fits all drive wire. So, so you know, there's some things that could be be done. You know, to and, help and, that. And in the short term, too, Curtis. Correct me if I'm wrong. You, right now. The ease of use is working on a simplified build that's not supporting custom drivers. So right now, ease of use wouldn't support a real-time clock even if it was there, right? Not not with the current build. No, it'd be easy enough to add it in and we can add the driver. In fact, I think Bill is using that on his own personal okay. system. Okay, but the, the, the VCC in, uh, clock driver. Right. Okay. Which is placed on Cloud Nines, if I remember. So, you know, my response was, uh, well, yeah, I, I like the fact, that, you know, more one source of the sound chip, you know, because it means, you know, hey, if I write something, they can modify it there. Yeah, yeah. I'm looking at the programmer. So my response was simply is like, you know, take it, you know, Nick says, oh, and you extended one. Well, yeah, okay, so I do a prototype, a sample, and just post it. And so... Uh, but the other thing that I've looked at, you, this doesn't show to you, is I've also thought, well, maybe I should make something that attaches that. You kind of install that permanently in your Coco. Can my game cartridges plug into that? Okay. So can I? Can it be extended to a game cartridge as well? And so now we could have that. It'll plug it permanently into Coco, and plug everything else into it. And of course, I do have some resources that the average person doesn't have, you know, because I can do this stuff, you know, I can build supports if it's needed. But, you know, there's some other options that goes there, you know. So. Hey, what model yeah. ladder is that back there, John? I really like that ladder behind you there. Uh, it's a little giant. Okay. I'm just messing with you. That's okay. Um. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, you know, we, we put a bit on the house because we know we don't have enough room here. Any, yeah. anywhere Stevie, Stevie. Yeah. yeah. And I, yeah, and I want to say, uh, uh, Brian Schubring, what do you got behind you back there? What's, what's on the shelves? So we get to spend four hours going over that basement. <laughs> uh, 
amateur radio stuff and uh, a whole bunch of other crap that I've picked up over the past 20 some odd years. See, so I, what the green, the green screen solves all, all these problems. Yeah. So no, I mean, this is probably good that we're having this discussion because you know, and listen, my opinions and my views and my needs and priorities are different than other people. And I just find sometimes that, in human human conversation, as much as we've got all these technological tools, sometimes responding to emails or commenting on Facebook, I think things are lost. The you know, and and I just find it for me, I see so much droning and pontificating that I just tune out and I get turned off, and that's just my natural reaction at this point. And I think you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of discussions about you know a, a lot of things, and and you know, there's certain so for me, I guess my my um, my thing is, you know, you know, we talk about different people have, uh, you know, maybe old uh, old axes to grind and things like that. I'm not, I don't have, I'm not a long, I'm not around long enough to have an old axe to grind. But in the four years I've been involved, my axes to grind are just sometimes too much droning. You know, people want to just talk. There's a lot of talk. There's a lot of lip service. There's a lot of, let's just say, non-value added discussions taking place and to me i find all of that black and white scrolling of text it just makes my head explode and it makes me want to rage quit the coco community sometimes because there's just too much of it um for my taste but us being here right now just talking having a a verbal conversation you can get your point across and get an answer and get a valid reason in, in next to no time so sometimes i think maybe a discussion forum is not always helpful for me anyways my two cents. One thing that I've noticed on Facebook is that people seem to get defensive really quickly. So, you know, like Nick asked for real time clock and Jim gets defensive about it. Um, and that kind of just doesn't help the discussion. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I have mean, my thoughts a... here that I could share. Uh, Please do, Ron. Uh, I have uh, many Cocos. I have. Uh, let's see, four, eight, 12 slots here <laughs> in my room that are active working. I have um, uh, one real-time clock, um, my distal co- uh, controller. But, um, you know, I play or use all the software that's already there. And the only thing that I could see that I would like to have sometime in the future is some kind of sound card. I'm waiting till it gets standardized and then and future software that we get that'll play it <clears throat> then i'll get the card yeah but otherwise i don't really need any of that stuff um you know my enjoyment is using the stuff i used to use back in the day and playing with that and and that's you know my encompassed fun you know <laughs> anything future future games future clock i would love it future card with a sound chip on it fine but i'm kind of waiting till it kind of settles out and then i'll just get a card that's the more practical one and the one that works the sdc is awesome Mm -hmm. that's a no-brainer that's That's a no-brainer yeah so Um, this this brings up something very interesting to talk about too because i can remember seeing the early prototype of the the coco sdc and, you know, the cost prediction, what it was going to cost was something that would have really slowed it down. And then when it finally gets out, it took a while before it came out. And the 
you know, the price really went down and boom, you know, it became something that was just really not predicted, you know, because like I said, oh, well, this is neat. Oh, well, at this price, you know, how many people will, will do it? And I forget what the price was, but it's significantly more than what, you know, people's been paying from a Cocoa SDC. And that price helps, but it, it's really hard to predict in a product, you know, what people are going to accept and what they're not going to accept, you know, what's going to really be cool. And, uh, and for me, I'm doing the same kind of stuff that I did back there. It's, it's different. My, you know, I was developing things. I was trying ideas, you know, uh, you know, playing with joystick ideas, playing with, you know, things hooked up to the port, burning the problems. Again, thank you, Dennis. Uh, and, you know, playing with the hardware, you know, experimenting. And I still do those type of things. And, you know, so you're playing, you know, Ron, and, you know, I, I totally respect it and understand. You're playing with the stuff you did. Me, I was, I was pushing the envelope as much as I could. You know, learning the program, the assembly, you know, goal to make the right that video game that was published yeah i made it you know i had they, they were published they reviewed it in rainbow hey pat on my back hey uh but you know that was a goal and and so you know i've just kept it up so yeah i'm, I'm still doing the same kind of things that i did back then but what i'm doing is totally different and we had uh, a club member talk uh, my brother said to me, myself, uh, uh, another club member, it's just, hey, you guys don't play with your computers. And his answer back, oh, yes, we do. Uh, we just don't, we're not playing the games. We're playing with it differently. And so everybody has that niche that they do and they, they enjoy and needs. There's you know, different itch. Everybody's got a different itch to scratch. So there's maybe some common itches, but there's a bunch of individual itches too. Yeah, yeah, that's and, a good point. You know, so I'm I'm looking at you know the OPL chip. Yeah, it's really nice, but you know I'm more working on you know sound effects for games. It's the OPL type series, you know, really a game sound chip. Mm, I don't know. I'm just starting to play with it. You know, just taking the code that uh, Zipster's made available for his and and typed it in and. Yeah. Well, yeah. the The one thing I will say that's uh, that works in our favor with the um, SDC extender is it's going to be using the same sound chip as the Mega Mini MPI. So, since there are so many sound options out there, the closer we can get to a standard, um, the sooner maybe things can stabilize. And at least now we're going to have two products using the same chip potentially. So that's you know it's it it, it would it would just throw things even further sideways if that became sound card number four. You know, so um, so at least we got that much going for us. And, and I'm in favor of less is more. And, I, you know, a lot of people have made the argument we don't want to add the cost of the cartridge to get sound. We like to have sound without that expense to just thinking of the consumers. So yeah. I, I like the I like this direction. And, you know, and, uh, and just, well, this, go ahead. if I could just go ahead. Rob. <laughs> go. Oh, I was, well, I was just going to add to the, com the comment about Jim being defensive. And he he was, but I think I think it's because um, on the these threads, everyone's in a different time zone. Some people are waking up, some people are about to go to bed. Everyone's on a different energy level, 
and you and you can't tell what tone that the comments are in uh, to going back to you know phone versus you know text and email and things. So if he did come, if he did get defensive, it was just because he was perceiving being hammered on and and perceiving comments that might have been questions as if they were complaints. And that just goes back to, you know, if there's enough of a of a of a conversation that needs to be had, it needs to be kind of taken offline. Yeah. 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 And, you know, I've done some different conversations, you know, with Jim and some other developers and stuff, because, uh, you know, be, being a developer of sorts, you know, uh, not in their level, you know, because I do cases and stuff, I sometimes get into these conversations with them that they share information with me that, you know, other people don't get shared with them, or at least I don't see becoming public. And, so there's a lot of things to take in consideration of in doing these things. And, and in me, I, I keep looking at that little red picture and, oh, there's a, con a, a corner that's blacked out. What's under that? <laughs> I don't know if any of you noticed that. It looks like a piece of tape on a corner. What the there hell are you talking about? On the expander. Oh, oh, okay, okay. Okay. Gotcha. And, you know, I'm saying, hmm, I wonder what's under there. Mm. But, you know, I keep my mouth mouth shut you know that's for his design and you know anything that we add to the community you know i'm gradually accepting it because it means it's growing yeah things that's got to shake out you know which one's the best that's for everybody out there to decide but uh well know. the last the last time a piece of technology was designed by committee we got the apple three so you know I, I think there has to be something both on the hardware and software sides where somebody's just got to say, listen, it's good to enlist input. And, may, you know, I think that will help influence. I think at the end of the day, you don't want to design by committee, but getting consumer feedback. If you're going to develop a product that people are going to buy, it might be helpful to hear from those consumers what features would you like or not like to a degree, as long as it doesn't, you know, make you regret wanting to design this thing in the first place. Um, so I think that's finding the balance there. Um, uh, it, it's kind of like these, okay? There's certain projects that I have going that you guys have heard anything about, okay? And you're not asking for opinions either right now because you're still working on them. Um, right, and, you know, but there are some things is, okay, you mentioned you wanted to be able to have maybe two dual joysticks, you know, and along the other. And I thought, well, yeah, you could, but where am I going to get those fixed? Well, can I make a way for them to switch between them? Well, yeah, I can do that. Plus, I can do some other things. So it triggered some other extra ideas. If they wouldn't exact answers for what you asked for. But I'm at a place where as, okay, you know, how much can you do? <laughs> you know? and, and so sometimes you've got to keep quiet about a project. Sometimes you got to talk about it. Okay. Let, let's, if let's, I can yeah. just say one thing. Go ahead, Nick. This, this extender that we're all talking about, everyone is assuming this is Jim's, Jim's idea. Uh, it's not. It's mine. I, <laughs> it is. And David I, lied I, too. <laughs> no, well, no, before David even. I was talking to uh, Jim almost two years ago about the whole idea of making an extender with a sound chip. And Jim knows this, so if he's reading the, the chats, he's got to agree with that because he drew me a preliminary 
artwork on on the uh, circuit. And I wish I still had that artwork, but we it was my idea to make the extender in the first place with the sound chip. The sound chip back then was pre uh, Ed's sound chip. It was pre GMC. It was it was early days. So what you were saying before is uh, about once it gets to a committee, it all gets overrun. Mm. Well, in a way, this is what's happened. So basically my idea, but it's now, of course, been taken over and other ideas have come in. And I'm fine with that. This is Jim's project. I mean, I can't do hardware, so he can do it any way he wants. But uh, the real-time clock, I thought, was a good idea from the original um, um, yeah, concept, yeah, and I think but, you've you've swayed me but, to agree with you, honestly. Yeah, but you know, I'm fine if he doesn't want to do that. If he wants well, to copy Ed's um, um, uh, PSG cartridge idea, because that's that's where it's basically coming from, the RAM and the ROM and all that. Mm -hmm. um, that's fine if that's the direction he wants to take it. It's, it's up to him. He's making it. So, and uh, I'm fine if he doesn't want to put a real time clock. Well, that's his decision. He can do what he wants. But, yeah, just to let people know that I'm the one who initiated the whole extender two years ago. So mm -hmm. if people think that I'm going in there trying to sabotage the idea, well, no, it's it's actually the other way around. And, and Jim knows that. So he's, he's, he's listening to this right now, and he can't argue against that because he did me the first <laughs> initial drafts on that. So. And I'm fine. Yeah. You know, Jim, Jim can do whatever he wants. You know, it's he's the one who's actually doing the hardware design, the PCB, and that's why I approached him originally because I can't do that. So if he wants to add different ideas, well, yeah, that's fine. He can go go ahead. It's it's his project. Roger that. Let's let's shift gears for just a second here. I want to hear from a few more people too because we have. Nick Morenti's on the panel who's developing for the 6309. We have Chet Simpson on the panel who's working on a project where he says, hey, I'm, I'm, my next project's going to require two megabytes of memory and a sound chip and a few other things like that. And the, um, you know, the Coco Crew host panel discussion was, you know, dictating hardware requirements, you know, software dictating hardware requirements. And, um, you know, there was the, there's the, there's the one school of thought that says, let's make a product play on the most lowest common denominator we've got the biggest potential market so if i'm going to make a coco 3 product have it run on a stock 128k coco 3 um, but if you think about what did the pc do and the pc basically started uh, newer software started driving the sales of hardware you know if you build it they will come and and i think the cost of entry now to get sound chips to get more memory to get a 6309 all of these things are within the grasp of affordability not to mention that they can be emulated um again i'm only sharing my opinion i realize my opinion is not what the world revolves around but i don't see having to require two megs being a problem i don't see requiring a 6309 being a problem i see these as motivating people to kick it into high gear and let's let's you know let's 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 turn this thing up to 11 and 
And, and um, you know, again, my opinion, I'm, I'm a fan of more is more. And I was on that bleeding edge with my PCs. I, if I had $500 for every $500 graphics card I bought from 1990 to 2005, I wish I could have all that money back because we went from the Voodoo to the Voodoo 2 to the Voodoo 3 to the NVIDIA to the GeForce 4 to the GeForce 5. You know, it seems like every year a new PC game would come out and you'd have to buy a $500 graphics card to keep up with the latest game. Um, you know, I went from the uh, Sound Blaster to the, or actually from the AdLib, or before that, the Tandy 1003 voice to AdLib to Sound Blaster to Sound Blaster 16 to 32 to All32 to All64 to Sound Blaster Live, you know, 5.1 digital. I went through all that shit on the PCs and I've dumped thousands and thousands of dollars into it. And because I wanted to have the latest, greatest experience on a PC, that's what real computers have done historically. Um, we can do that a lot, a lot less expensively now on a Coco. You, you know, save any so, of that stuff? I wish I did, <laughs> honestly. So what do you guys think about, you know, having software um, that's pushing the consumer's envelope to get their shit together with their hardware? I totally agree with it. I've said that all along. You could do bundles with the initial program or game or whatever with a piece of hardware that it requires. The hardware software manufacturers should work together and maybe make a bundle save five bucks off to get both at the same time to help drive the sales for both. I'm also curious what Dennis thinks about what we're doing with the sound now since he's a musician too. If he cares <laughs> to speak up at some time, would you like to have those sound options back in the day? Well, <clears throat> of course I would have. I mean, that was uh, indeed the reason I got into uh, computing in the first place. Um, I walked in, I was actually a clerk at Radio Shack in 1977. And the little, I think it was a green sheet, came out announcing this TRS-80 computer. And I said, I want one of those because I'm sure, I don't know why, but I'm sure it's going to help me with my musical composition. And so I ordered one on the spot. It arrived a few months later because they got so many, you remember the days when they were so overwhelmed with the number of orders. And... Um, and so uh, when I did get it, I realized that uh, there was an extraordinary uh, limitation on what it could do because it was just this little thing. And so I started designing little hardware add-ons for that Model 1 that were actually driven by software. And I learned over time that, that hardware was always going to be driven by software. I don't know what it was like in, you know, 1965, but... Uh, in 1977, I immediately began thinking about how how software drove the hardware. And there, I have a little story about that, which actually isn't about any of our computers, but was something um, I read in a uh, an article I read in a magazine about a guy who came up with a thing called computer compatible digits. And he said, Hardware is so expensive. These LEDs are so expensive. What we have to do is rewrite the way we draw the shape of our numbers so that we will only need four LEDs to describe every number. So we have to rethink, completely rethink our numerical drawing and typing to accommodate the um, expense of the LEDs. And of course, he was utterly and completely wrong because we discover that the hardware cost simply drops uh, 
through well throughout throughout the industrial era to the present, we've found that that uh, hardware costs drop and and the imagination within within the creation of things in the background, which we call software now, have driven have, have driven the design of the hardware. Uh, the imagination of the hardware, uh, I think, has come from um, uh, the needs of the people who are interested in doing something with that hardware. It's not, oh, look, I have a piece of hardware. Let me admire the hardware, unless you're a, a hobbyist or the creator of that hardware. And I've created enough hardware that I look at with great Um, but in truth uh, it was all about the software and 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 has been since i've been involved and and so when in terms of the music thing yes uh music chips though are driven by um the need for uh sound to be made they're not driven by someone's hardware imagination they're driven by an external need and that external need is basically the imagination of the wetware uh, that brings forth the software that is able to manifest the capabilities of the hardware. I mean, the ultimate ex- absurd example, I think, are the people who have taken hundreds and hundreds of old hard drives, hooked them up together, and then driven MIDI signals into them to move the heads and make the drives buzz and spin and rattle. And yeah. Uh, uh, pieces by Queen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's cool so stuff. That that's sort of sort of my big roundabout on how I feel about about every piece of hardware that's designed. If it does not manifest your need, and you're talking about the real time clock, well, what sort of wetware need is has to be manifested by the real real time clock? Is it a saving of time? That is to say, not inputting a time and date every time you use the device or is it is it is a different kind of saving is it an efficiency or is it or is it something you you only need uh, uh because some other aspect of your life needs to have that assistance anyway sorry long, long no answer. no that's cool yeah, very that's cool. very eloquently let me, let me chime in on the real-time clock here on uh so i can put my two cents in but anyway real-time clocks and eight-bit machines weren't really. That, that was more of an afterthought, but because these were mainly considered game machines, then they were serious computers like the IBM PC and so on and so forth. And they also had larger budgets compared to like the TI-99, the Model One, so on and so forth. Um, but the 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 other problem with the real-time clock today, well, the thing at at uh, Dennis is mentioning, is with the OS 9, it uses time slicing from the CPU. It cycles. So if you put in your time, uh, the, the accuracy of that time is way off. In, in a 24-hour period, it could be off you know, one or two hours you know, or even more or sometimes less. But the problem with a real-time clock today is there's very few sources that you can get a real-time clock or, or you know, good sources. Uh, and because most of those real-time clocks are not really readily available. And the other thing is spending time to develop something, which not just time, but it's also money, getting materials and, and getting it to work. And then people willing to, you know, 
at least uh, when, when you make it available, that at least you'll get some of that money back. Certainly our concept of time need has changed. Keep in mind that in the uh, uh, Gothic era, the clocks only had our hands. Right. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So if I understand what you just said, Richard Lorbiaski, so when you first boot up your computer into OS 9, and it does read the date and time, so let's say you boot it up at 8 a.m., and it realizes, okay, it's now 8 a.m. You're saying that from from that starting point, when you feed to the OS, the time is 8 a.m. Because its own internal clock and how it processes things, it, it its perception of time may not be completely time linear, and it could lose track of real time, anyways. That the well, OS, no, no, this, it's it's not the it's it. What it does is it the the way it calculates time is through time slicing of the CPU, and so. Um, you have other tasks going on, so it it will not be as accurate when time goes on. So yes, you do lose you lose some of that time. So does OS nine only read the hardware clock on boot up? It doesn't reread it throughout time in the OS. Well, in in it depends uh, on the driver. Yeah, it depends on the driver. Like in DriveWire, it reads it every minute, I believe. Okay. So the chip keeps the time, right? Right. So it'll keep the time. The, the hardware watch, does. The ROM-based one we we're talking about earlier. We used to do it less often because it was very CPU intensive. Right. Mm-hmm. You had to write a 64-bit pattern on ROMs and map it in, blah blah blah. So basically, you'd have to shut off all interrupts during that time. Which means if you're trying to say do something on a serial port or something that was a bit time intensive IRQ-wise, it would actually screw that up. You could start getting modem errors and stuff. So we actually had reprogrammed it so it only did it once per hour to update the actual physical time. Okay. Well, I. But the I, point is. Go ahead. The point is, you need that real-time clock, a piece of hardware devoted to maintaining an accurate time. Your OS had to read that clock periodically. One of of the dumb questions I have, I've got a really dumb question. How do you set the clock in the real-time clock's chip to begin with? Because I know on a PC, you go into your BIOS and you do it that way. Or same thing. Mine. built into the clock driver. It's it's basically yeah. just a set time call. So so with an OS nine, you when you set the time in OS nine, it writes that time to the chip. Correct. Yeah. Okay. So the so the operating system feeds the time to the to the hardware itself. Right. Okay, and that's kind of how Do- that. that's kind of how MS DOS did it too. When you change yeah. your date and time, it would update the real time clock on the motherboard. Right. Um, plus, it has a battery backup as well. Right. And- so yeah, it, but it's it's difficult to find something like that cheap enough. I mean, you know, the old hard, the old real time clocks, none of those are really available. You have to get them, you know, used. And right. Well, the, I'm... the one I was looking at is something from Arduino has a real time clock uh, module, and I'm looking at maybe interfacing that. IC but, squared. Right. So I get so I, I you know listen I'm not a fan of feature creep I'm not a fan of backseat drivers armchair quarterbacks but it also is like listen it seems like this is a this is a thing that a lot of people in, on this panel alone have said this would be a nice feature to have now does it make the most sense for Jim Brain to squeeze it into his current thing I don't know Richard Lorbieski has brought up something that we probably don't think about how how easy is it to source these products how much does that drive the development cost how much is that going to drive the consumer cost and i would say that probably 90 percent of people who want a sound chip 
are probably not as interested in a real-time clock. I'm not saying that the need is not there and that it's not a, an, it, we've, it's, we've clearly established this is a product that's missing from current Cocoa hardware. So I agree that there are people who want it and there are people who would buy it, but it almost sounds like for those who do, you're, you might be in the minority or you might not, I don't know, but would it make sense that, listen, if somebody really wants a real-time clock, then make that as a separate card and then just require that to have a multi-pack. I don't know. I think the one thing is, is we're looking, we're, we were trying to find the holy grail one size fits all. Let's not need a multi-pack. Let's try to get as much crap added onto the Cocoa SDC because if the Cocoa SDC had a sound chip and a real-time clock, we wouldn't have this discussion and we would have the one card that fits in all. Um, so if we if we need to correct that one mistake where we didn't think about adding a few things to the Cocoa SDC and you want to do it once, ideally, uh, and this sounds like a lot of people would like it to be there, but logistically, uh, financially it might not make the most sense so um i think you guys have sold me that a real-time clock is needed but the reality of it's being squeezed into the extender may or may not be the most practical solution as much as it would be nice to have it maybe it just maybe it just can't happen um well yeah, the other thing up, the other thing about doing a real-time clock is also creating drivers and descriptors for it in under nitrous 9 and os9 right and Okay, so Kurt, what are you holding up there, John? Actually, John it's a real-time clock modules, uh, DS1302, uh, popular uh, uh, Raspberry Pi, Arduinos, those. And complete, complete with the uh, the battery? That's the... Uh, yes. The yeah, DMI. take that, Richard. Yeah. Yeah I, 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 yeah, I know about that one. I'm just yeah, I'm, I'm sure yeah. you do. I'm just I'm doing. But that, but but just oh, yeah. the, the others. Adding oh, yeah, that, absolutely. adding that battery. That I mean, that's a bulky thing to add into what we're trying to make a very small form factor that's pass a good, through a card. The other thing is there is vice squared two. Basically, you're going to need a, a processing power to read it. Again, you know, with gems, you don't you're not seeing any CPU or anything on his board, whereas the Coco SDC has a CPU. And stuff dedicated for it. So, I believe um, I could be wrong, but I, be I believe I've seen ones with watch batteries. But maybe. Yeah, they, you can get smaller batteries than this. Okay, this is a, you know, and I've seen smaller ones than this too. This just be a standard, easy to source battery source. Okay, and uh, just a, these are a cheap module picked up at Micro Center. Uh, two of them for six dollars you can get them cheaper order from china you know and uh, so it just picked up for some experiments yeah so maybe that brings up my question to you stevie you're where you're kind of heading is what what since uh, yeah like i said i'm totally totally fine the stc was a stopgap so as is it's going to be very useful and i'm definitely going to buy one for my existing stc for in terms of future uh Coco SDC Generation 2, let's call it, yeah. is somebody in touch with Darren where we could start to explore a, you know, ultimately a Generation 2 that would come out and and, and supersede the all of this? That won't happen. No? Okay. Hey, I've already <laughs> asked him. He, he's not doing that one, no. Well, since okay. Ed Snyder's designing it, couldn't Ed Snyder take that design and add no, on to it? No, he didn't. Uh, well, Darren designed it. Um, well, I mean, Ed it, Snyder's producing it, I should say. Yeah, Ed Snyder's producing yeah, yeah. it. So. Ed Snyder's certainly qualified to 
to, you know, potentially yeah. uh, make those changes, right? Yeah, yeah, I guess so, yeah. Well, I, I got another question. Why can't um, there be a hardware device made that's not a, a clock chip? I mean, you know, aren't clock chips basically a bunch of circuits inside? I mean, can't you, can't somebody that's good at hardware fabricate a clock? Like an circuit? FPGA clock or something like that? Uh, or? Yeah, clock oh, circuit. There's actually a very simple way to do that. I don't know what the the accuracy of it, but uh, the uh, it's three volts. But the TI uh, has a series of chips. You know, you can you can throw the oscillator on there, and it it'll keep track. I don't know what they haven't ran it, but the you know accuracy on it. But a lot of the little CPUs you can throw in one of the the, the clock crystal chips on uh, crystals on them. And run an oscillator and keep the keep a clock time and then communicate it maybe differently. So you know it might actually be a better solution than using something like this because you could you could choose how you would have it to communicate rather than being locked down to IC squared. But then you have to have somebody that's going to take the time to develop it, and people decide, well, I've got to modify this or do this. I don't want it, you know. What do you do to get them to accept it as a standard? And that's kind of the, the issue. We've got, in the past, we've had multiple versions uh, that worked, but never anything that became standard. Okay. Um, yeah, Jim Brain's actually saying that there's way to, there's a way to feed it through where the actual SD card goes on the Coco SDC itself. It says there's, there's just one more select line, and the real-time clock could be fed in through the Coco SDC versus on something else. Um, without that, hardware, without yeah. a hardware chip, I, I just asked Jim to join in because it, it'd be a lot yeah. faster to talk yeah. to him about. So, just, just real quick, um, uh, Tony Pedraza had mentioned something. I guess he was having problems with sound, so we'll switch gears for a second. Um, and uh, Tony was asking, uh, 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 about USB keyboard or mouse for the Coco, uh, floating a USB interface for the keyboard, um. And I know people have chimed in on this in the past that USB you know, requires a more advanced operating system and a processor to interface with uh, stuff like that. But um, is there a simplified way to add a USB keyboard or mouse to interface to the Coco just because PS2 are becoming harder to find and stuff like that? Um, well, PS2 is still fairly easy to find. Uh, you just don't have all the choices. Um, PS2 keyboards and mice themselves, though, right? Are you talking about you talking about the interfaces, or are you talking about the keyboards and mice? Oh, the keyboards and mice are easy, yeah. fairly easy to find, yeah. But uh, the fact is, yeah, there is chips out there to do that. It just you know taking the time and the cost to do that uh, for uh, DIY type people. The uh, the Teensies support. Uh, some USB stuff. There's software drivers for USB. It's a matter of writing the software stack for it uh, to read it. And then, you know, if you're going to interface it into the interface, um, just hang on. Let me grab. Right. I think it was maybe last year, this guy, David Gatchke, had brought something to Coco Fest where he had a Bluetooth uh, keyboard and mouse connected to his Coco, where he hadn't come up with a little piece of hardware in between the two there. Uh, this, I actually, I've been working on one. It's with the Tensi, uh, Tensi uh, Arduino. But yes, uh, uh, the way John Strong is talking about that, that 
part of the USB, that's not the hard part. It's just converting it from the Tensi to interface with the Coco. You need like a matrix chip. Um, and this is what I'm kind of to show the, uh, I don't know who did this one because it was an old machine. Uh, this is using like a 6802, kind of big size, but the key to this whole thing is actually this, these chips here, which then allow it to imitate a keyboard matrix. Yep. Okay. And so this is the thing that's going to be there. You know, you're going to have the chips. You know, that could be a USB paste chip like the TNC that's got a software stack. You would have to do that. Somebody's just going to have to take time to write the software and put it together. You know, and, you know, as our community grows, you know, and more, more and more people find it there and they want more of those features, it becomes more feasible to do that. So would a USB middleware device have to be that bulky if you wanted to feed USB connectors to the Cocoa? No, it wouldn't have or is that to be because this. it's prototyping it. Well, this is this is one that was produced. It was one of my cocos I had uh, that I didn't have the keyboard for, so it, it's actually a uh, older AT style keyboard. But yeah, it could be a lot smaller than that uh, because again, you know, you only have a single chip replacing you, pretty um, much all of this. Trying to think of what, what Ron, what's your buddy's name? Um, uh, Paul Barton. Oh, this looks Paul like Barton. something that Paul Barton would be working on here for all the wires yeah. on it there. <laughs> and so, you know, we've, we've had people that done, you know, Mark Millett's done keyboards. Uh, I don't know if this is what he did or somebody else. Okay. Um, but several people's done it for the PS2 type stuff in the past. And basically, you know, you're going to need to keep something equivalent to this. So there, sure there needs to be some of, of what you're saying is there needs to be intermediary processing and conversion to take a USB input to Cocoa output. So it's not just like a passive uh, gender bender cable. Oh, no. Pigtail adapter. Not. There's there's because USB typically requires the operating system like Windows or something else to interpret that data. Right. And well, we right. don't have that operating system on the Cocoa. No, you, so don't, this, you don't. Yeah, you don't need it on the Cocoa, but you can just use a like a. Uh, um, uh, not a microprocessor. Uh, CPLD? Not CPLD. A microcontroller. Microcontroller. There you go. Yeah, okay. use a microcontroller right. for this. Because it's not that hard. As a matter of fact, I had a PS2 one working. I, I took one from Jim Brain's uh, Commodore 64 Okay. Uh, that he was selling, and I actually converted it into a Coco 2 and got it to work somewhat. But it's it's just trying to make it commercially you know, a viable that someone could grab it and what install. would it plug into? You know, would it have to like? Would it be like the old PS2 adapter where it would go in line between the um, uh, yeah, ribbon cable yeah. and the input on yep. the Coco? Yeah, 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 basically yeah. that's what you're going to have to do. Okay. And that, and you also need a five volts uh, power supply for it, or you know, some kind of supply, five volt, and a ribbon cable um, for to interface with the Coco. Yeah. So, and and of course, then you have to the, the software conversion. Uh, to go with you know when when someone presses on a keyboard, the uh, keyboard say, matrix on a PC keyboard, you mean? Or? Right. So so it has to read it from there, convert it, and then goes goes into that matrix uh, chip. Okay. So there there is a little bit of uh, PFM involved in this to make it work. Right. Okay. Um, and it's all very doable. Well, 
two keyboards, so I need one of those devices. Well, let me ask you this. Um, if, if you're going to do this, should we go ahead and put the real-time clock on this? <laughs> oh, absolutely. <laughs> Speaking of... get the quadraphonic uh, sound chip, too. Yeah. I believe so, Jim's on the call. Jim Brain? Yeah. Retro Innovations, go. The number four, retro.com. He's here. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Jim Brain. Yes. Welcome, Jim. We um, love you, Jim. Curtis <laughs> you know, wanted me to get on. I'm not... Like so, so Jim, just tell us how you've been working on Nick Morenti's design he handed you two years ago and how you've screwed it up so far. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm anxiously awaiting uh, Nick's hardware design. So I <laughs> <laughs> you know, when, when Nick started chiming in on, on Facebook, I'm like, listen, Nick, nobody's telling you how to make Gunstar. Leave him alone. Let him make his damn hardware. You know? it's like, <laughs> well, some of us are behind the scenes, but still. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I I do wish Gunstar Hat was in a higher resolution. I'm not. Yeah, gonna lie, you know, I keep I keep my mouth shut. <laughs> <laughs> Should have been in that two fifty six color mode. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, Jim, the question I had was uh, you'd mentioned in the chat here about the fact that you could add an RTC through the SPI, and these are acronyms. I I don't even know what an SPI is. Um, but I'm just wondering, like, how much cost, extra space do you have to make the board bigger? Like, what exactly is involved? Is it very simple? Is it very hard, or or what? Well, I think the, the challenge with real-time clocks in general is the fact that most people are used to a real-time clock that is byte-oriented. So you, um, well, probably two things. There's one, there's one that called, we used to call the phantom clock, like or phantom RTCs or whatever, where you would pull out one of your ROM chips or one of your RAM chips in your machine, and you would plug this little module in, and then you plug the RAM chip. Yeah, the smartwatch stuff. Yeah, yeah kind of. Like, yeah, that's that. And, <clears throat> Dallas was the one that manufactured those, and the idea was that they were they would live in the same address space as the memory that you were typically ROM would be the ideal place to put it because you could um, by sending a special stream of of, of uh, bits or whatever to um, one of the locations or whatever it would allow you to read or write the, the real time clock. It's, it's like Brendan's VG, Coco VGA. He does the same thing. He calls it the unlock code, where you have to yeah, write. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Same kind of, same kind of thing. Nothing new under the sun, right? But <clears throat> the problem with those is, I mean, they're, they're really expensive, right? And they're bulky. So, but <clears throat> but some of the chips that are, I think, like in the Super IDE and uh, some of the other uh, systems that they they took another kind of real time clock that's essentially a looks like a an I/O device. Like a like a PIO or whatever, it, 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 or PIA, it, it sits in the address space you map it into the uh, the, the IO space on the Coco or whatever, and you can read data at it eight bits at a time. So you address it, get some data back. Right. <clears throat> the challenge with those, if you look at those online, they're kind of expensive. They're like three or four or five dollars for the chip itself. Right. So it's kind of expensive. As Don Strong, I'm kind of listening in. Um, here uh, a few minutes ago, and <clears throat> John had mentioned that a lot of the chips nowadays, because they want to be connected to like Arduino or whatever, they're they use one of two protocols, which are serial-based protocols. They're not they're not RS two thirty two serial, but they're they're a lot like it. One is called the older one is called SPI, Serial Peripheral Interface, um, which takes a clock line and a data inline and a data outline, and what they call a select. And then they have a newer technology, which is called IIC or I2C, Phillips um, type of interface. So 
<clears throat> those those two types of interface are where the chips that are pretty cheap are. The problem with those is that they are, um, I mean, they're cheap, but they, they have to be done serial. They have to be read serial. That's not the end of the world. It's just trying to make it compatible with all the old software like OS 9 and whatever that uses the byte registers is you got to kind of choose. You can either do byte register RTCs that you're going to pay a lot more money for them, or you could decide to um, uh, to have some new drivers or whatever or upgraded software and use these cheaper real-time clocks or whatever. But if you use an SPI-based um, uh, chip, which are pretty inexpensive, and if you're like 50 cents or something like that, <clears throat> um, the, it turns out that the SD card on the Coco SDC is also SPI. Yes. All the pins necessary are right there, with the exception of one. One pin, it needs to be special. As I indicated with SPI, there's one pin called the select line. Every SPI device has to have its own select line. And the, um, the SDC has one select line for the, for the SD card. You'd need either another SD line or you need an inverter in order to make that one line do double duty. Low means SD card selected, high means um, the, uh, the real-time clock is selected. And a little bit of additional code in the microcontroller that's on the, that's on the, um, uh, the Coco SDC. But I think Ed has all the code to do all this. I don't think he just has the binary files. I think he actually has access to the source code so that he can make some changes or whatever. And that's one place that you can put it. I don't think it would cost that much money. You just put it in between where the SD card is and the um, uh, and the board. Because if you look at your Coco SDC, you'll see that the ST card, the SD card connector itself is mounted on a little daughter board. And the little daughter board is actually plugged into the board and soldered on the other side. And so you could access all the correct wires right there probably add you know a couple dollars to the build to do it mm -hmm. right there but i don't think it's that you know i don't think it's that insurmountable and it could be probably retrofitted pretty easily to all of the sdcs that are that are out there you know, there's three volts are already on that connector grounds already on that connector all the wires necessary are on that connector right there all you have to do is um add the little real-time clock which you need to add a battery and whatnot but but I think for a couple of dollars, you could add that capability onto that SDC uh, print circuit board. So it's, I don't think it's insurmountable. It's just a matter of the key to it is, is um, Ed would need to have, Ed probably needs to have access to the, uh, the source code for that microcontroller so that he could uh, add, yeah. add the code in to read the real-time clock, read it and update. Then so that would be like an SDC RTC model. So um, That's right. That's right. It yeah. would be. And, and you said you could possibly retrofit it too, like if you make a separate little satellite card or something that. That's right, because you have on the back side of the board, um, on the back side of the board, the, the pins come out the back side. And so you could just, you literally could lay a printed circuit board with a bunch of holes in it on the other side and just solder right on top of it. So if you look at your SDC on the bottom, those little pads, the little pins that come out, they're, um, they stick out probably. Almost, I'd say probably three sixteenths, three sixteenths of an inch, or maybe no, not three sixteenths, probably three thirty seconds of an inch. So they're plenty large enough for a board to lay right there, and there's space underneath the, you know, all this stuff surface mount. So 
you could just lay a little board there and put the stuff on it and literally just say, okay, either take out your soldering iron and just lay this board down right over the top of those, whatever, one, two, three, four, it's like a two by eight pin header, lay the little board on top of that and, and tack 16 little solder joints there and you're done, or send it in to me, Ed Snyder, you know, whatever, whatever Ed wants to do, and I'll solder it on board and send it back. <clears throat> so yeah, it absolutely can be. Oh, I like that idea. That's just that, a matter of uh, trying to get the the code for Ed or somebody to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. the key is you guys should you guys should bother Ed and see if he's can. I'm sure Ed's I'm sure Ed's going to really appreciate that. <laughs> great, great, Ed, great job Ed of deflection in on the there. Facebook chat. Yeah, Ed chimed in on the Facebook chat just to say that hey, he's not going to change the STC STC design for the next hundred units. Yep. But um, yeah, it but doesn't seem like he wouldn't be willing. He doesn't have to change the design. There's no right. Key is, is you, you don't want to change the design of the unit because then that renders all the existing units unable to do this right. Yeah. One is something that can be done with the unit. And what I'm saying is you have the opportunity of adding something to the existing Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I think I think there was definitely an opportunity missed when new when the SDC was being reproduced to maybe add some value added onto the SDC because that's just it's the thing everybody has and again I don't know how many people are in fans of of, of a necessary multi-pack I you know for me 99% of what I need to do I can do on the Coco SDC I, I run all my software off of it if I wanted to do drive wire I can do drive wire through it um, and I like the idea of the value added. Let's 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 get a sound chip squeeze in here somehow to where I don't need a multi-pack. I'm a fan of less is more myself. I don't want a lot of clutter, a lot of real estate, a lot of things plugged in. I don't need them myself. I like Streamline. Um, if there was a holy grail cartridge that did, that provided most of what people needed without having to buy the multi-pack, I think that would sell just as much. I think you know, there's a lot of people who are their mouths are watering for the Mega Mini MPI, and it's a great product but what is that what is that costing like another hundred and twenty dollars or something whatever it is eighty dollars whatever it is 140 so um i myself and maybe i'm in the minority here but i would spend an i've i've got two or three coco sdcs um i would buy another coco sdc even if i had to pay a pay a hundred or even a hundred and twenty dollars for a coco sdc if it had everything that anybody ever wanted on one card and it was the kitchen sink um, and I didn't need a multi-pack, I would still rather spend, it's not even as much about the money as it is about the clutter. I would spend the same price of, of a Mega Mini MPI if I could get a Coco SDC that had all the functionality and I didn't need the MPI. I don't need serial ports. I don't need real-time clock. I just need Coco SDC and sound, but if they're there, and they all work, and it's one card, and it's in a hundred and hundred and forty dollar price range. I'd buy it, and I think you're, people are going to be spending that much money anyways by you know slapping a bunch of things together. Why not have it simplified? You know, am I in the minority there, or would anybody else want to buy a mega mega maxi SDC steroid card? Uh, I, and you're not in the minority. I think that's how this conversation all started. With yeah. you have a clutter um, concerns, and Nick Morentes has clutter concerns. I like the idea you can throw a cocoa really in any room of the house like i have one in the living room for gaming where i made it to level five of uh of a pop star pilot <laughs> now you're not bragging by any means right <laughs> no, you just no. It in, but no i immediately died as soon as i entered level five but uh, <laughs> but like for for so 
uh, anytime you're going to add the multi-pack or, or anything like that, you, you need a desk and now you've got to set up a desk. And, and so to have, uh, so I'm going to get a, an SDC with the extender for the living room, mm-hmm. uh, one, so that I get the sound chip in there and hopefully it'll, there'll be games soon that'll take advantage of the sound chip, but I definitely don't want to have to buy a multi-pack for every, every room of the house. Um, once and, you get and in this, fact, I don't think sorry, Ron. I don't think when, once you get the sound chip, you have to have your stereo nearby. <laughs> no, that's true too. But the the you know there is a sound bar in the living room. The you challenge, know, you have your whole setup. The challenge I think yep. for folks is somebody right. has to decide where the line is to be drawn. Right. Right. So, right. I mean, On feature so, creep. It, well, just in general, I mean, what makes the cut? So, what's the eighty percent of the stuff that people think should be in whatever? If you, since we are currently talking about a thing, right? Whatever this thing is, single thing, does not require an MPI. It is a single expansion cartridge. Who gets to the? Who's the person that ultimately decides how much stuff to put into that thing, right? Because I have the answer to that. Oh, um, really? <laughs> yeah, it's but, uh, Facebook. Well, <laughs> yeah. Well, and I have a challenge with that. So. <laughs> I have a challenge with uh, design by committee because yes. if, 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 you know, you have, first of all, you know, Facebook's skewed anyway, but, um, but you just mentioned, you said, well, I, I don't, I don't need serious. You know, if we, if we have David Lamb on here, David can say, well, hold on, hold on a minute. I do. I really want to. Yeah. David's an extreme case, but let's say somebody else is on <laughs> like, like uh, Brett, Brett, Brett's not on with. Uh, yeah. Brett Gordon. Gordon. Coco Fusix. I, I want uh, I want at least one serial point. And then I'm sure. Like, oh, well, which kind do you want? Do you want a 16550 or do you want a 16550? Brett says, oh, I really would like a 16550 because I don't need compatibility. And then um, and then Steve York comes in and says, whoa, I really want compatibility. I need a 6551. Okay, well, I have both of them on. And then David comes in and says, well, I really want more than two. I need four or six or eight or whatever the heck it is, right? I think the key is, is how, where do you draw the line between what is – what is going to be on the unit and what is going to, if you're going to have to buy. Right. right. The, pro- the problem is if we don't know where to draw the line, no line gets drawn and then nothing happens. Well, then but okay. talk about okay. it some more. Okay, Ron. So more. That's I think we've had this conversation before. I drew the, right. I drew a line, right? Four weeks ago, I drew a line and I said, I gotta, I gotta do something or else I'll just be talking about this forever. So I'm going to send a board design out. And it's going to have audio on it. And, and you know what? I had to fight for what's on the board as it is, right? Because I put, I put audio on the board and I thought, well, I really want to have some, uh, I really want to have some flash storage. But I think the, I think the flash storage that's on the Coco SDC is a neat. And I want to have some more flash storage on this. And, and then Ed kind of chimed in and he said, you know, it would really be nice to have some RAM. And I thought, well, I got extra little And once you put flash on there, all the pins are ready for RAM. I'll put, the, I'll put the RAM on. And then Ed's like, well, I think you can ditch the flash. And I'm like, well, I don't really want to ditch the flash because I was the one that wanted to put that on. So then you make a decision and you put this stuff on the board and then you see. And then I've got people sending me texts to say, uh, are you done with the design yet? Have you sent out for a board yet? Have you sent out for a board yet? Have you sent out for a board yet? And you're like, okay, fine. So at some point you have to draw the line, Ron. So I drew the line and I sent a board off. Now the board's back. As soon as the board's back, and I don't even have the stuff on it, and people are like, 
well, did you have this other thing on it? I really think you ought to have this other thing on it. I mean, you guys, you guys should hear yourself from my from my ears. It, it's, it, it sounds like an incredible sense of entitlement because it's like, shut up already and let me finish. <laughs> I do have a board for it. And then we'll talk about the next thing. It's not even a finished design. It's a prototype. It's not even well, ship out. I'm already excited about your uh, daughter board that you're making at Snyder Design. I want, I want to get that now. I've moved on from the extender. Yeah, well, uh, <laughs> oh, jeez, <laughs> another, another I, shiny I, I, object out there. Oh, I well, know. yes, so I think I I th asked Ed if it's already designed yet. He's, so yeah, he's right, working yeah. on it. Let's just cut to the chase here and just make a Coco 4, okay? Right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yay, in any event, I mean, I, I don't want to shut people's thoughts, yeah. Well, I, I think, yeah, I th if you're talking about a holy grail device, it there it needs to be a balance between practical affordability and addressing the common denominator. And then anybody who needs anything more than that, well, then those suckers is going to have to get an MPI. But I, like I think, yeah, I think a super SDC is definitely in order. You know, a one size fits most solution would be great. And so what, what, then what, what is that size, you know, and what goes on there? You know, I think a sound chip, um, maybe, and it sounds like what you're saying, a, a certain type of real time clock is probably very achievable with the, with the SD slot. So then what else do you put in one serial port, you know, do, are we going to go ahead and say, Hey, let's, um, Let's let's, let, let's let's put some, let's, yeah flash RAM. Let's put some USB ports in there while we're at it. Uh, you know, uh, you heard I heard suggestions for cup holders and toaster ovens and all kinds of other stuff. I mean, maybe we can get a K cup machine in there and you know make some Keurig while we're while we're doing this. Um, something to feed my cat, please. Something to feed my cat. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I'm gonna go downstairs and feed my cat and feed my stove some wood. And good night, gentlemen. Thank right, hey, you. thanks for joining us, good Dennis. Night. Thanks for thanks, coming, Dennis. Dennis. Okay. Brains. <laughs> so yeah, what 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 is that? Um, what is what what would be a practical design spec for the Super SDC? Based on all the experts and opinionated people here in the panel. I think we need to flash back about 50 years ago, you know, when we were at the, when we were called for supper and we sat at the table and, you know, our mothers put the food there and we were saying, well, we wanted something else. And mom would just say, you, you eat. Shut up and what eat. I, shut, yeah, shut up. I put it there. Eat it. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, I'm, I'm going to, Shut up and order the extender. I'm going to order the Coco Mem, if, you know, if it comes out. And I'm going to continue to support Jim and appreciate everything that he that he does, and, and including the suggestion today about uh, resolving the RTC issue. So I think we've got a lot kind of accomplished in a short amount of time. And you know, hopefully we can we can cheer you up, Jim, and keep you. Uh, well, yeah, it's not that. From it's jumping off the roof. Yeah, I just, I just think it. I, I think it was funny. It was, it just became kind of humorous for me, and I think you know, it became kind of humorous because we've had SDCs for when, when did the my board, my board says Division C eleven two thousand thirteen. I think I've had this unit since Yay. probably twenty fifteen, maybe late twenty fourteen or something like that. So <clears throat> the need for an RTC is probably just as great now as it was. <laughs> right. All of a sudden, I'm getting you know like Jim, you're our savior. You need to put it. Like, how did I get to be Joan of Arc, right? Or how did... 
right? You know, surely if y'all needed an RTC, you should have, you could have asked any number of people don't, before today. Don't call me Shirley. <laughs> get what you get and don't throw a fit. That's yeah. <laughs> and to be honest, I mean, this, this, this has very, been very protective talk for me because I didn't even know it was an option that would be fairly easy to add to an STC. I had no clue. It, it, I'd be perfectly fine having an SDI well, either as an add-on board or to the existing SDC or as a new design. That's right, I, and and it's not in, it's not insurmountable to add it to the to the yeah. It's not it, nothing's insurmountable. It's just a matter of so so to get to get to your earlier question. I think right now you've already got a design for an add-on for the Coco SDC, which which I think is fine. If they were to be able to add a real-time clock to the SDC, and then we had the SDC expander. Which had your sound chip, your extra RAM, flash ROM and RAM, and a real-time clock. I think that's a lot to have in one cartridge. I'd say then that draw the line there, and and anybody who needs serial ports or anything else, then buy a freaking multi-pack and shut the f up. Yeah, because, that's going to be uh, lower than half of the people yeah. to be doing that. So. Yeah, so that's probably a great yeah, place no, to draw the line. Thank you. So how does the um, memory work on the extender if you already have two meg? Does that mean you have 25 meg, 2.5? Uh, it's, uh, yeah, 5 Yeah, it'll be addressed differently, so you have to program for it differently, but yeah. Okay, and then... But that's more for also... the um, Coco 2 people, Dragon people. Okay, right? and then you can make it a uh, RAM disk if you want? Yep. Yeah. It can be whatever the people who write the software for it want it to be. Right? Uh, yeah, <laughs> it's there. Or, or it could be nothing at all, and you could just never use it. It's kind of like your pancreas. And that's the important point. It's who's going to write the software. So going back to that. Okay, early, that, uh, Nick Marentes. Nick Marentes, stop Gunstar immediately and start working on uh, RAM drivers. Stat. <laughs> I, I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't do it. It's like an Aesop's fable. It's like, hey, it's a great idea, you know, put a uh, put a bell on the mouse, but who wants to put the bell on the mouse? Yeah. That's the thing. Uh, what um, Dennis was saying was the most important thing is the software, the software designers. Yeah. In other words, the hardware designers need to listen to what the software people, the ones who are actually creating the software, what they want or what they need because they work hand in hand. If you just the hardware people just say, "Oh, I think that would be good. Oh, I think that would be fun." Well, yeah, that'll be great, but then there's no software, and you're not going to get any interest from the software designers if that's not what they wanted. So, yeah, definitely that, a two-way street. And it's a two-way right. street. So I was a hundred percent in agreement with what Dennis said. He's right. It's a software that drives it. No software. You can put whatever hardware you want. It won't. It won't fly. Right, right. Hey, Ed Snyder just threw out a comment here. He says, not not to throw in another monkey wrench, but put the real-time clock on one of the memory upgrades as, you know, the people who want real-time clocks for OS 9 probably want memory too and make it make that the solution that drives I, it. I thought of that, and, and that would be, that, that'd be a great, there'd be a great option. To be, like I said, the, the first memory, or the, sorry, the first real-time clocks, that's exactly how they operate. Took yeah. Oh God! Now I got an idea. Okay. Uh, well, I mean, could it could it go could it go like under the Guardian or in in line between the CPU? Well, and you the... could replace the Guardian board, but yeah, I think the idea of the extender is it's something that you, someone who's not um, 
um, familiar and comfortable with doing hardware mods, it's a plug-in, plug-and-play device. And don't get me wrong, I'm not, I am not wanting this whole conversation to evolve into I'm trying everything to keep from having a real-time clock in there. Right. Figure out why it is all of a sudden such an incredible um, topic when it's been no less a need for, and, and you know, and, and its extender capability has been possible for years. Well, I think anybody could have developed it. It's not like it's rocket no, I think timing is everything, and you seized on a particular need at the right time with the extender. Right. Um, and I remember you were asking that that same night that we were talking about the extender on Discord. You know, what other uh, needs would there be uh, in the Cocoa community? And we mentioned things like uh, that 16-bit, uh, uh, 68,000 add-on, and other ideas. And a real-time clock was mentioned. Yep. yep. Um, so. You know, you, you, you're right. It just everyone just kind of ganged up on you because of this. This is just coming out, and boy, this could solve a lot of a lot of these these 35 year old issues. And it all just kind of uh, piled up on you, which was not not really fair. It just is what that's, it, what that's it is. That's because Jim is Santa Claus. He's the one who can provide. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's true. Yeah, you know, I might want something, but I can't build it. So you go, yeah. you look for someone who can. His yeah. name is so, Brain. Yeah. Brain. So yeah, Jim. Jim is Santa Claus, basically. <laughs> yeah, Nick. Well, Nick is, you, is I think Jim's uh, Pinky, basically for Pinky and the Brain. <laughs> I do think you're officially off uh, Jim's uh, Christmas card list, Nick. Uh, though. <laughs> one, one thing I will commit to: the real-time clock to me is important for doing software development. I know it is for Bill as well. The two of us will write OS9 drivers for whatever method, whether it's added to the STC, added to the memory board. That doesn't really matter to us, but both of us will commit to writing the driver for that. And that's great. cool. So, yeah. I mean, so, I think so Jim, Jim, let me ask you: Do we want to get back to the original spec? of the of what the extenders for because now we have jenna asking the question because she has not been fully listening said so she's been working while she's been listening so the 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 why don't you from from the source define and explain what the purpose of the coco sdc extender is at its in its current version okay i can um i'm trying to think I'm trying to think about how it came to be it seems like we were in a conversation and we were wondering um, for people who didn't have the Mega MPI, the Mega's new four-port MPI that's got that township on it, if people didn't have that or they didn't really want to have a whole MPI just to have this additional sound capability, what would they do? And <clears throat> I got the, I got, a, I don't know where I came from, but I thought, well, you know what? Um, there is no official, um, well, there's somewhat official uh, cases for the STC, but most of them are, are, are 3D printed. And That's the thing I just told you. It, it seemed to me, well, that was interesting. Um, it seemed to me like you could just as easily make a case that was just a little bit longer. The STC is not very long as it is right now anyway. And if you put a kind of a little pass-through port, and you said, you know, I'll plug the STC into this little cartridge, and then I'll plug the new cartridge into where into the side of the computer, I could add some capability to the SDC. And then for people who have games that are delivered on disk, or sorry, on an SD card, um, they would have the capability to add the sound function 
and then, like I said, I I started laying it out and and put the same kind of sound functionality that that is on uh, Ned's Ned's board on there, um, and I added some flash doors just because there was some space on the other side, and I thought, like I said earlier, I thought that would help. Um, one thing I thought would help is if, if people had uh, there was a comment made in the in the chat or something that. Ed's chip might be a little bit more difficult to write code for. And I thought, well, we could fix that by having somebody write some routines in ROM that you could just bank in that were always there. And then you could use those routines and it would be really simple. To use. Oh, okay. Like ROM calls for manipulating right. the sound card. Okay. An extended ROM call. And so you just, you know, type play or whatever and, and talk to you like, like um, uh, Alan Huffman had for his little Sir Sound thing. Where he, okay. Changed it a little bit, and you can still use the same commands or very similar commands, and, and it would just do what he wanted, but it would take a lot less time to do it. So I thought, well, that'd be useful, but to do that, you need to have some flash storage in there. And then, like I said, there was some conversation in Discord, and uh, Ed suggested some RAM, and I thought, well, he said RAM might be useful for people who are on Cocoa ones and twos because they're kind of RAM constrained, and like, uh, not a bad idea. Um, and I thought, well, if the RAM doesn't if, if you don't end up wanting it, you can just move it off the board. The board as it exists right now um, doesn't have to have all those things soldered on. It could just have audio soldered on. It could just have ROM soldered on. I think it makes the most sense to have them all soldered on, but you know, whatever. <clears throat> so anyway, that's how the board came to be, and so I I designed it up because it seemed interesting to me. and. Um, and uh, ran the board a couple weeks ago and got them back, I think, earlier this week and finally got them soldered up. And so now I'm, I'm testing it. I got part of it. With it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, and I know Nick says he sent it to you two years ago, but we also were having these conversations here on the show and on Discord that, you know, the Mega MPI is great, but not everybody's going to want to buy an MPI. And, and, you know, the whole discussion of sound, which has been being bounced around for a long time, I want to support sound, but. In order to support sound, we're 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 forcing the consumer to spend a little bit more money, and I myself don't see that as a huge again barrier. But I appreciate software developers taking the consumer's cost to heart. So this would have been uh, this is basically an inline sound chip that goes between the cartridge slot and your Coco SDC or multi-pack or anything else. So you've got a sound card that's always on, that's mm -hmm. always there. And, and people can write software to take advantage of it, and you don't have to need a multi-pack to do that. So it's an inline sound chip. And, 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 and that's what I originally had wanted. Yeah. And, and, and he's right. Nick, Nick and I had designed, because Nick was, Nick was chatting with, actually, just to kind of loop everybody in, Nick was talking <laughs> with Softmaster, I believe, a couple years ago. I still have the design. And yeah. Nick said, can we lay out a sound thing that, that's kind of a pass-through? And, and yeah, I laid it out and I, I sent it to Nick and I said, here, you have a design, go ahead and talk and go ahead and play with it. And whatnot. We did a couple variations on it, but to my knowledge, I don't, things did, it didn't seem to materialize. I'm not seeing the materialize of it. And um, it was a different sound generation. It was a different chip. And I think by that yeah. time, Ed's multi-pack came out and also GMC came out. And then we thought, oh, well, yeah. yeah so. That, now, one of the things I'll see here, if I've, yeah, I've got my screen on now. So let me put the thing up here so folks can see. This is the actual unit. Let me get That's it. That's the Coco SDC. 
Yep. So this is the Coco SDC, and then right on the end of it, in a different color, as you see, is the uh -huh. extender. So you plug. It's not very big. No, it's not. It adds about an inch and a half to the. That's what she said. Yeah, <laughs> cute. Yeah. And, so. yeah, and Jim, and that makes it really kind of, you know, less in size than a full size controller. Yeah, it's getting to like a full size. Yeah. Yeah, that's it's right. A, and so it's a very, very size there, you know. So we're not talking about going bigger than what we did originally in the Coco. And it's just bigger than the, the short controllers. Right, right. And so, and the, I think Ed's, Ed's interested in it because his view is if enough people buy this extender functionality, right? Because I think Nick's concern, Nick had posted on the uh, Coco mailing list years ago about when with this all started, he was like, Hey, can you add some sound to the device, to the, to the SDC and, 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 a, and an expansion port. I think he wanted like an expansion port or something so we could add stuff on later or whatnot. And that's like disto did. Yeah. Huh? Like disto did when they, they had the options of getting two in one, three in one, four. In correct. One, correct. Yeah. The same, I think that's what, what Nick had suggested and I'd have to go back to all the mailing messages. But anyway, um, I think the idea for Ed is this is kind of a trial balloon if this looks reasonable and people seem to find this valuable and they keep, they buy it, then it gives him some weight to go work with Darren. Cause I mean, Darren's not going to make changes to it, but, 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 uh, but, but Ed might be interested in once he sells out of his current stock of, of SDCs, right. And once there's market has been identified, he could take all this information or all this stuff that's on this board and incorporate it into a new revision of the of the SDC. Um, now, in the case that in that case, when when Ed, if Ed decided to redo the board, excuse me, there'd be. I don't I don't think you'd have to make it this long. He might just for compatibility reasons, but mm -hmm. but I think you can put all this stuff on the size of the original SDC board um, without, you know, without making it any longer, but at least it would give people a way. We're, yeah. So we're testing the waters without him having to redesign the SDC. We're kind of cobbling together a future SDC design that may become the new standard. That's right. That's exactly right. And then, okay. and if, and like I said, if it, you know, if, if there's not a lot of people that are interested in it, then it lives on this way. And yeah. if a lot of people are interested in it, then, the next time that Ed redesign or at next time that Ed runs a, a set of uh, boards to manufacture, he has the option if he so chooses, because the design is going to be open source. He mm. has the option of just incorporating all this stuff onto the the main board, and and then it's a one size fits all deal. Yeah, no, that's cool. Yeah. That's and cool. and I think there's a case to be made of if an RTC doesn't make it. Um, it doesn't make its presence until then, but Ed says, I'm going to, I'm going to redesign the board. Then I think that's another opportunity for you to say, Hey, Ed, since you're redesigning the board. Since you're redesigning, let's let Facebook yeah. dictate what that design should be. Yeah, that's <laughs> <laughs> that's right. so, no, it's uh, that, that, that's a really good explanation, Jim. Thanks for. Yep. Yeah. And, I think we all feel better about each other now too, don't we? Can I speak up here? No, John. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I, I have shipped a, a box of Vegemite to next door uh, as punishment. 
<laughs> That's not punishment. I love Vegemite. Oh, good. I love it too. <laughs> hey, just real quick, John, before you start, I just want to warn the people on Facebook. So we are at almost three hours and 40 minutes. And I, and I want to say, too, we've reached some new records by multi-streaming where we, we've had like over 45 people watching us live combined between Facebook and YouTube. Um, Facebook has a four-hour limit on live streams, and then it automatically stops the stream. So we're probably going to be talking for at least another 20 minutes. So if you're watching us on Facebook, right around midnight, the stream is going to end, and I can't stop that. So if you want to continue watching this after it ends on Facebook, jump over to YouTube. The link is live.cocotalk.live, and that's where you can pick up this conversation. So I'm just going to put that in the... Um, live.cocotalk.live. I'm putting that in. I probably spelled it wrong, but figure it out. Um, for those of you watching in Facebook, there's the link. And I apologize for interrupting John Strong. By all means, go ahead. Okay. <laughs> uh, as far as the software goes and, and looking at things, and I've been looking at it with these sound chips and, and lights been interfering to get things done, but uh, it looks entirely possible to me to hook into the play commands and support this. So people can just hook into the basic, if you put in all RAM mode and uh, just use the play command. You may not be using the full features of the chips. Mm -hmm. Isn't that what John Limbill's doing now? I don't know if he's doing ROM hooks, but he's, he's doing something that converts those notes into that. Yeah, he's converting the notes. He's heading that way. We've talked. Uh, I've talked about this before, uh, but actually, you know, he's going to have a driver that takes those notes as a standard format, to my understanding. And uh, my approach is is just simply let you play it. If you for basic, be able to play it. I think we need all approaches, but to make this popular and make it easy for people to do because as you know not everybody does assembly language okay and i do more assembly than i do basic uh much more but you know uh, the entry level of people doing it was being able to do this take already a game that has sound in it with the play statement okay mm -hmm. to be able to play it would, would be great well, even if you don't hack the original play statement, but you have a new one that we call, you know, something else, like Y-Play for Yamaha Play or whatever the case may be, and just add a new syntax that uh, has the same language, but just a new command. So we don't have to necessarily rewrite the old command, but add a new extension to the basic language. To... Well, on the, on the Coco 3, it, it's going to be easy enough to drop in there okay. to, to hack well, it in the ROM mode. And I've also already done the research... Uh, on the sound command uh, on some things to do that and uh, ways to keep it fairly compatible and ways to make cording some things there. The other things that things with like an MSX, they, the sound command is, is much different than it is on the Coco. Uh, you actually spend, instead of being a, uh, a tone number, and a time on the MSX, you, you specify actually a register number and a value to go in the register. That way, with the sound command, you can actually go in there and set up your chips 
And so it would be very nice to do this across the board of the different chips that we do now have. We do have three chips sets that need support uh, of some sort, but uh, I think it could be done. It would have to have different drivers and a subset that work across the board fairly well. But uh, it may be very possible to make this accessible to a lot of people in basic. That'd be kind of cool. And I think that'd be very, very cool to do. And no, I mean, I think with, when it comes to sound, these are signs of growing pains. We're a growing community. People are trying to address some of the needs of this growth. And, um, you know, there, there has not been any progress in, in our civilized history that hasn't come without, you know, some pains. Um, and, and, uh, you know, this, this is a terrible problem to have where we've got multiple sound chips to choose from. And, but the problem becomes like what Nick was saying as well, developers want to develop for something, but it's hard to develop for three things. Although Chet Simpson gave zero Fs about that. And he's like, I'm going to develop for all of them. Screw you guys. And hold my he beer. Yeah. One yeah. Hold, hold, hold my <laughs> beer. And I'm going to design for all these things. You, you, you pansies. And, uh, <laughs> but I think some people want to keep it simple. Right. And um, so, if we could, if we can not only standardize what the what the chip is, but then simplify it for people who don't want to write assembly and, and have a basic extension to simplify outputting and, to that chip, that would be great. Right? And you know, if just does something that you, we can just all pull in as a library and, and our code, we can add in that you can direct it to it. More power to it. But as I said, I think we need it across the board for, you know, let's not just make this accessible to everybody that want to do any coding. You know, take your game, you know, and, and instantly be able to play uh, through your sound chip and, uh, and be able to extend that simply. And so I've been looking at some methods to do that. Well, if I, if uh, I remember correctly, the uh, the play command, the, the format for it on the Coco two and the Coco three is is rooted in MML, uh, which is something that I think John Linville has been exploring, and that mm -hmm. is, yeah, yes, it's a fairly wide supported you know format. It, it's really easy to use, and even if it's not rooted in it, I mean, it's very as far as I can tell, it's very very similar. So that yes. that right there for for at least for basic users is a really really good start. Yeah, it is, and I went researching that because I never heard it called that. And the Microsoft is a variation of that, but it's a little bit different. Mm -hmm. And so, because uh, I went to looking to see how the other basics did it, okay, and how I could look, you know, possibly to get this so we could support it, and uh, and it really takes. You know, hack in your sound commands so you can actually get to the registers. To, so if you really want to do something that you know, you're not going to be able to do with the play command, you could do that. And then extending the play command to have it to talk to the hardware. So, so does this mean that you're actually adding on to the ROM of uh, extended basic, super extended basic or whatever? Yes. Yes. Uh, basically writing, overwriting sections of the code and adding some extra code to it, yes. So would we have to put in a, a new ROM or is this no, a no, just by software? You load it and the software just overwrites. Um, you don't change the ROM, no. Yeah, because the Cocoa I mean, 3 loads ROM, ROM into RAM anyway. So once it's in yeah. RAM, you can just rewrite the RAM. Right. So. Or you, I mean, you could add a ROM and have it pre-done to it, but it, it wouldn't be necessary. 
Okay. And, no. you could, and, and you could even include it as a, a patch of, or you know, a series of pokes in a, in a basic program rather than even loading it from, from disk. So yeah. yeah. Well, there's a lot of different ways that you can do it in basic. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But basically you're overlaying the code there and jumping and doing what you want to do with it. It's got part of the interpreter. It's got some RAM variables down there to look at. Well, if I and, could just throw in three cents here is everything you're saying works well for Coco threes. But it would be nice if this could also work on a Coco 2 that you can't load ROM into RAM and do it. So in, in okay. that respect, from a software wish list, if these could just be like add-on ROM calls that don't change the new ones, but just add new commands that are backwards compatible well, with Coco 2, that would be great too, you know? Well, as long as you have a 64K Coco. You can copy ROM to RAM. Right. Yeah, and the same, same patch applies. Right. Okay, gotcha. Okay. All right, gotcha. And so you would, you would do it that way, okay? And so you'd copy the ROM, the RAM, and then you have that. And uh, do you think in know, the in the future that um, it'll there'll come a time when we want there's enough to change in the ROM to actually make new ROMs? Oh yeah, you'd have to desolder the ROM for starters. To no, that's no different than upgrading your CPU, CPU. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's it's something that would be be nice there. I. Uh, to be able to, yeah, I know you can deselect and redo some stuff in the chips. Uh, Jim's on. I don't know if he's setting the addressing. I don't know if you can replace the addressing externally to the to the the basic ROM chip or not. In, in, um, what, in what way? You mean on the Coco One and Two? If you put uh, no on the on the three, that you could actually substitute a new one in. A new ROM in, um, yeah, without being internal. If you, uh, yeah, without, um, well, you could. I think you today can't you? Couldn't you? Um, uh, we well, wouldn't replace a ROM. Yes, is, you can. Yeah, is there room for it on your extender, Jim? Yeah, cute. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, there is. Um, <laughs> oh, there's yeah, a flash for a real time clock. Then, uh, yeah, right. Our, well, it wouldn't, wouldn't take any more room, but. Um, yeah, because what you could do is you can, um, so we know how the, you know how the unit boots up and it would boot up in ROM mode and then you would watch for the, the pokes to switch to RAM mode or whatever. So in the ROM mode, when it, because you know that the unit originally boots up in ROM mode, um, you can, when it asks for ROM in wherever the ROM space is, I don't know where the, where the operating system lives, but wherever it does, you actually can slide the ROM out of the road and you can uh, feed your ROM in. So there is a way of doing that. On the Actually, good on all of all them. All the yeah, because it would be very nice, especially for the Coco 3, to, say, have a custom version of BASIC, whereas you don't have to be compatible with the, the older versions of BASIC, okay, and have it to support just the high res modes, okay, and save you the space. 6309. Yeah, and you could go 6309, uh, have it faster. You fix know, the bugs. Fix bugs, add other features to it. New, new sound commands. 8676309. I think Steve's uh, volunteered to do all that. But, you know, it'd be really very nice to, to be able to have that option to be able to switch it in, you know. I I think very few of us would want to have it where that's the only thing that's there. But 
uh, if any, but to be able to switch a new ROM in with a, a enhanced basic in it, uh, whereas you could use some of the extra ROM space in that, because uh, again, the Cocoa ROMs were written for size, not speed or efficiencies or feature. You know, we have X mm -hmm. amount of size, it has to fit, fit in there. Um, so, uh, and you'd gain a lot of space by removing the, the, the P mode stuff. And if it was switchable, you need to do P mode stuff, run the old ROM. Want to do high res for the Cocoa code, run the new ROM. Uh, Jason Riker could make a switch for us, so we could just switch these features. <laughs> <enough>. <laughs> so, um, I mean, there's, there's that a possibility, you know, it, it's a lot of work, uh, you know, where they ever get done. But well, we could, we could have it like the clapper, remember? <laughs> <laughs> New ROM. So, you know, it, it's, you know, you talk about what's possible and what's probable. Those are kind of really different things. But, you know, saying it's possible, but uh, you know, adding adding some extra features as far as the sound and stuff with it, yeah, I um, think doable. Can I add uh, two things? Uh, one, we've been talking about sand chips and stuff uh, for ages. <laughs> I think it might be time to wrap it up. And I uh, just want to say that whatever Jim decides to do on the extender, I'm happy with. You know, it's his project; he can do what he wants. Uh, I'm fine. Um, two. Craig Stewart is, has joined us. Yes. So I don't know if we want to quickly catch him before he gets bored of our conversation. <laughs> <laughs> Too late. Yeah, <laughs> Here he comes. He's un unmuted. There we go. Hey, yeah. Craig, how are you? Yeah, good, Nick. How are you? Oh, not too bad. Finally, someone I can understand uh, what he's saying. They're speaking in their native tongues. Yes, they are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, look, have I'm a gonna different ROM. Uh, I'll drop in longer next week, Nick. I'm going to have a bit of a chat next week, I think. So I thought I'd just uh, tune in to see what you guys are rabbiting on about. Yep, rabbiting on. Yep. That's it. Lots of hardware stuff I see. I'm a bit of a software guy myself, but uh, yeah, hardware's interesting. Yep, no worries. Oh, well, I was just wondering if you wanted to tell us about your games today, but we can leave it for next week. Yeah, I think Steve suggested I maybe leave it next week. So I'll, I'll, see, right. whether, I'll see whether Stevie lines up something or not. But uh, if not, I'll have a chat anyway. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, because Curtis has get... sent me a disk image of a lot of your software that I haven't had a chance to like download to my Cocoa and things like that, too. So. And Steve oh, can play it and can I... see if he, if he can get past level one. Well, here's the thing. I don't even have a disk uh, image myself. So I'm, I've been scratching around trying to find some of the Oh, I'll have to send oh, you. I've got, what... I've got them, yeah. Have you? Yeah. Can you send us a link? Oh, uh, well, I've got it on my hard drive. I haven't got a link for it. So oh. when you come over, I'll give them to you if you want. Yeah, or I can email them to you, whatever. Well, I think I've got most of them already, but uh, there's some I just can't find. And I, I know they're around somewhere, but uh, I'd love to see them again. So. No yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was just yeah. looking uh, I was just looking at my old video of me playing your uh, Space uh, Marauder game. And I was like, <laughs> man, that's a pretty cool game. Yeah, it's, you uh, do it so badly, though. I mean, there's so many. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of tradition around here. You, you really should, uh, yeah, you really should have read the instructions first. But anyway. I don't do that. <laughs> he, he doesn't do read instructions. It's, uh, and I, there was, to my knowledge, there weren't any. Were there any instructions at the time I, I, I Look, did I that video? Like a, there would have been a one-page sheet around somewhere, but I'm not sure yeah. where they got to. 
But, That's uh, one page too many for Steve. Yeah, right. <laughs> Steve instructions. We don't need no stinking instructions. Yeah. That's multiple paragraphs too many. For Steve. He only reads instructions when they have pictures. <laughs> Old army specs. Old army specs. Yeah, yeah. Because Curtis was telling me, yeah, you, know, you could like shoot sideways or do this or do that. I'm like, dude, I didn't. Well, know not that. sideways. You get. You can use your side lasers. Oh, your side that. lasers or something Look, like that. It, yeah, it's, so. a, it's a really great YouTube video, but uh, there's just so many things that you can do better than what he did on the video. So uh, yeah, look, I'll, I'll play around with that next week maybe, and also the pursuit game that's got a few tricks as well. So. Um, yeah, because yeah. I think I think on that one, I think I did a video on pursuit based on information Curtis has, but Curtis had misinformation at the time, and I think he's yeah. since corrected that. Yeah, so I found we'll have the to... actual instructions afterwards. Yeah. Oh, did you? Good stuff. Yeah. 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 That, that's based on an old game called Christian versus Lion. Uh, I don't know oh. anyone's heard of that game, but uh, it's one of those basic games listed in those. Uh, do you remember David H. Arnold books? The old basic game books. Yep. yep. Hunt the Wampus and everything like that. Yeah. No, it's got lots of great ideas in those books. So yeah, that's the uh, that's the genesis of that one. But um, yeah, look, it'd be good to have a chat about them. Yeah, very cool. Yeah, cool. So we'll plan that for next week. We we got we got you booked. Make sure Ron Delvo. Make sure you have lunch <laughs> with him and talk <laughs> to his agent. Get all the usual fees taken care of, <laughs> all that kind of yeah, stuff. Sure. So. <laughs> and so, you're going to Coco Fest. Let's. That's the plan at this stage. Yeah, I'll be uh, I'll be in the neighborhood, uh, as in like North America. And uh, I thought I'd just drop <laughs> in. So um, yeah, that's awesome. I'll be in the hemisphere. Yeah, and you oh, are yeah, you are it. actually in the same neighborhood as uh, Nick Morenti's, right? Yeah, look, we're in the same city even. Uh, still a fair way away from each other, but um, yeah, I caught up with Nick last year, I think, so I'll have to do it again one day uh, in person. Yeah. yeah, yeah, come over, I'll show you my real-time clock. <laughs> <laughs> have, a, have a bit of his Vegemite sandwich while you're there, too. So uh... <laughs> Sounds like a sundial. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I won't uh, have to sit upside down to talk to you then. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So have we beat have we beat the panel discussion to death? Have we have we decided that? Uh, I don't know what yeah. we decided. I mean, we we definitely threw out yeah, a lot of. Uh, I'm right, you're wrong. But <laughs> <laughs> a lot of verbal diarrhea took place here. So I think uh, all we figured out here is that uh, basically there's there's some good ideas floating around, and Jim Brain has to build all 35 of them. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Santa Barbara. I do want to mention something that Jenna is talking about in the chat. So she she was uh, she has a Coco one and two and is looking into getting a Coco three. And I just want to mention for those of for those people who think that getting a Coco three means they have to give up certain things, uh, they really don't have to give up much because of the switcheroo that allows you to get those artifact colors. So uh, she wasn't aware about the, about the switcheroo. I was just chatting with her on that. Where you can get access to all those artifact colors on a modern display. So a little and, plug for the switcheroo. Yeah. Well, speaking of which, I'll go ahead and, as I'm messing with my microphone stand, making lots of noise. Uh, how about we do that? We're going to go ahead and run a switcheroo commercial right now. Thanks for that plug and the segue. And here we go. Hi, it's Ron Dovo, Timberman, and this is Coco Talk. In a world where RGB produces black and white video, one cable can make a difference. Switcheroo. 
Radio.103scarcable.com. Some people have big plans after school. You know what Elliot's going to do? Jeff, too. Elliot's at work on a book report using Scripsit on Radio Shack's Color Computer 3. It hooks up to his TV. And Jeff said you don't have Radio to Shack Color Scripsit Computer 3 playing the newest football game. But wait, what's Elliot doing playing new Super Pitfall? And Jeff's having a blast with a new math tutor. You never know what you might try with more than 100 programs for fun and learning. Radio Shack's Color Computer 3 comes with everything you see here. Other items each sold separately. Only at Radio Shack. We now return you to Call Call Talk. Whoever, whoever is advertising Color Scripts at 3 for a Color Computer 3, which finally avoids the need to have to use those, uh, ba- you know, it's just whoever was responsible for that for, should be shot. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it, it reminds me of a song. Tell me why <laughs> did Andy do that? <laughs> Can I make a musical uh, comment here? Sure. <laughs> the music man himself has got a, a musical Uh-oh. comment. Barry Mason. Barry Mason. Yeah. And that is the Coco Plain, too, by the way. I like the Ozzy Osbourne better, better version better, yeah. <laughs> anyway, if you're unless you're a Dragon user, you don't have to suffer with the Coco One and Two. Upgrade, please, to the Coco Three. Well, here's here we're gonna sit here and and talk about wishing and 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 um, the committee designing here. How hard would it be to make a Coco 2 to Coco 3 upgrade? You know, especially if it's something that requires minimal soldering, like ideally like a cartridge you could plug in that had whatever was missing. Uh, well, you'd have to add the Gimme. Right. Uh, which I guess you have available once the Gimme X comes out. You have those available as an FPGA. But I don't know. I mean, that does, can that be fast enough if it's not already on the board? Uh, that's kind of a for the hardware guys know. to talk yeah. about. Because that seems to be like the Coco 3s are becoming harder to find. So since most of the hardware is the same, minus the gimme and a few things like that, how hard would it be to have a bolt-on upgrade to turn a Coco 2 into a Coco 3? Is that yeah, even... you could certainly add the keyboard. And in fact, Ed Snyder has new keyboards so you could attach a new keyboard in your coco 2 chassis right, right. Uh, I think the big but then the i don't know uh, richard or jim was saying something about the speed yeah because you don't you don't have a way to run everything at twice the speed unless you you could put the cpu on the board too but you'd have two the two pins that you don't have direct access to on the cpu which is so um, uh, Plus, the PIAs have to be the B versions as well, don't they? They, if you want to run the whole thing at two megahertz, yes, they would have to be the B version. Uh, che- cheaper to buy an FPGA Coco that of which two of are available. Yeah. Hmm. So, with VGA, with higher clock rate, with more RAM. But it doesn't sound impossible. Uh it's near enough. Yeah. <laughs> 
All so right. by the time by the time you add on the cost of all the parts to do it It'll in hardware, it would just be make more sense to do it in FPGA. Well, by the time you, if you have that much of a need, you could actually develop a brand new Coco Three board, which has been done on the Commodore community. That so fits into a, a Coco Two chassis. Yeah. yeah, that's Ed's next project. Well, the, other, <laughs> the other problem you also have to account for is the second fire button on the uh, Coco Three. Oh yeah. True. Yeah. So there's a yeah, lot of so things. Would, it's it's yeah. not just a gimme and a few other things like that. There's a there's a there's a handful of more things. Huh? It was a major yeah. upgrade from the one and two. Yeah. But the I board, would encourage the people. Board would be definitely possible. You could do that. Yeah. And you'd have this. You'd have the faster speed. You'd have the additional, you know, gimme functionality. You'd have the different uh, ports for the for the joysticks. So you'd have a lot of. You'd have all your. Jim, things. what's the What's the Commodore 64 one called? The Commodore 64 Ultimate? The Ultimate. Yeah, the Ultimate 64 is, is uh, it's Gideon, um, I never pronounce his last name, but it starts with Z. He's the guy that wrote the Ultimate, uh, uh, 1541 Ultimate. He designed that. FPGA. Right, we are officially off of Facebook now because we've crossed the four hour line. Yeah. So, um,. <clears throat> Hopefully the Facebook people got that message when I when I told them that we'd be we'd be falling off. Um, John's yeah, that's got a, a, an MC Coco. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. How, how hard would it be to turn an MC10 into a Coco Three while we're at it? You know. So. <laughs> well, let's let's not get ridiculous. <laughs> it's the uh, plugs into the back we of should... the MC10 expansion port. And it's the Coco Three expansion for the I MC10. Mean, <laughs> the the MC10 has already been turned into a doorstop. So yeah, it clearly can be used. <laughs> it always and was, it, and it supports Windows too. So, yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, I'd like to thank uh, Mr. Strong and uh, Mr. Brain for all their work they've done. Yes, They're even the really, stuff they got wrong doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> They're doing much better than I am at it. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Yes, absolutely. Thank. You. To, to Nick Morentis for his OS9 support, even, yeah. even if he doesn't develop, even if he won't develop for OS9. Well, he developed some icons. Give you <laughs> yeah, the trash, the trash can. can. <laughs> well, I think, I mean, listen, uh, it, it probably went maybe two hours longer than it needed to, but it was a good discussion, and I think we got some stuff out of it, you know, at the end of the day, you know. It's, it's you know... Why would Go it be ahead. any different than uh, any other week? Yeah, true, 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 true. So, um, no, cool. And I think the Facebook experiment, I think it worked out well enough. This was our first time multi-streaming to Facebook for the main show. When we did Coco Talk After Dark, that was a Facebook thing. Um, but that was almost like a second, a different show, you know, a, 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 a spinoff, if you will. But the main Coco Talk show has never been live on Facebook, but we have the opening now with the um, with the exiting of Roku. I still have one more channel to output to, so we're now going to do that. And like I said, I think we got up to um, 45 live viewers, which is definitely a record for the show. I think 33 or 35 last week was was a good number straight from YouTube, but when you added the 10 to 15 people that were on um, Facebook at any given time, you know, to exceed 40 live viewers is pretty good for this show, especially for the crap content that it contains. So, um, <laughs> well, we had our hot topic. Wait, to sell today, the show. <laughs> See, 
A bit but, of animosity see, see, brings everyone in. Yeah, but you know, it's it's just easier to have the conversation than it is to try to, you know, thread it out in a message board, in my opinion, anyways. So, and much know, faster to get yeah, through. Yeah, you know. So mm -hmm. and it, you don't lose anything in translations on what the intent is. Is somebody being a dick or are they just asking a serious question? You know, so. Um, no, I was being a dick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And honestly, it's still a dick. Yeah. Sorry, John, you're getting ready to say something. Yeah, I'm just going to log off. I'm just uh, getting late. You, you uh, I've, got a, <laughs> I've got a couple cases that I'm not going to use because I've done different design. Okay. Anybody wants to build their own joystick. Is there room uh, for a sound chip and real time clock in there? Well, yeah, yeah, there's room for a <laughs> lot of stuff, just whether you make it work. <laughs> You can oh, even put a cool. voice synthesizer chip in there if you want it. <laughs> what about a third fire button? A third <laughs> <laughs> hey, John Linville's got one that'll do six buttons. Well, uh, I could do one that has ten buttons, but you have to have soft spatial software to do it. So it do I'm not volunteering for that one. So uh, there's there's ways to do that. I just haven't done anything software to support it yet, so I'm sticking to the simpler ones yet. Yeah. But if anybody oh. wants one of these, contact me. I want Good blinking price. lights. I want blinking lights. Blinking lights. Yeah. A blinking joystick button. That's what I want. Ooh, backlit. Designed by committee. Here it designed is in action. committee. Here we go. It's, it's designed by press it, it gets brighter and brighter. Hey, but, uh, you know, I think the only way we can further make this discussion more productive is to open up a few more Discord channels for it. Too, so. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a great idea. There we go. Set up a separate group for the blinking lights hardware. <laughs> the design, gonna, that's going to be, we're going to create a Discord channel called Design Committee. That's <laughs> yeah, or, or just a special grievances channel that's specifically for Jim Brain. <laughs> the Jim Brain bitch fest. <laughs> Here's why Jim is wrong. I'm, I'm waiting for that. <laughs> You're never going to come on here again. Are you? <laughs> well, you, you notice, you notice how many channel? times I do come on, huh? Why? Why your design sucks and my ideas are great. Right? Right. I think you guys should do that. You're wrong, but you can go ahead and have your piece. I guess uh, we're we're lucky. We're lucky to have Jim, and and you know, lucky that he slums it with us uh, from his other Commodore responsibilities. That's right. Yeah. Is the Commodore people anything like us? It's it's more like to cleanse his palate of the Commodore stuff. Uh, that's cute. <laughs> Maybe I do the Commodore stuff to cleanse the palate of this group. Oh. <laughs> oh, Ron, I don't know. I, 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 I definitely don't get as much uh, conversation with the Commodore crowd. Um, so I guess that's because they're stupid. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't necessarily say all the conversation was something I wanted. <laughs> so there. We have some hey, I've got an idea, Jim, for uh, your next product. I'm sure it's you called, do. Yeah, it's called the Butt Banger. Hey. 
they've taken us off um, yeah facebook we, yeah facebook say they should <laughs> disney.com yeah facebook ended at four hours so we're we are we are have exceeded the four hour limit of facebook's live streaming and we never did do news did we <laughs> coco talk after dark no, we didn't do news, and that's probably okay. I did have, I did have the. Um... There wasn't a ton this week anyway, so we can. Yeah. No, well, there was only really one uh, news item worth it, and we covered it over two hours. <laughs> <laughs> the only news worth talking about is why you are wrong. <laughs> no, I think you guys have a winning. I think you have a winning strategy. Anytime somebody starts coming up with a hardware project, you definitely should post a bunch of additional things that you absolutely have to have yeah. in, the, in the notes section of the Facebook post. I think that's a really <laughs> And that helps ensure that, that the again. product will never get made. So it's perfect. I, yeah. I, think, I think that's absolutely true. It sounds like it's working 110% for you guys. You should keep going. You know, I, I actually great idea for a next board uh, whatever we design is you know those Hawaiian chairs? You remember how they would swivel? We yeah. could have the board do that. Can't we have it oscillate back and forth? I think it should, like a like one of those um, heaters that oscillates, or a yeah. fan, like an oscillating fan. Oh, yeah, the fan that turns from side to side. <laughs> That's right. So you yeah. can have that. Yeah. As long as it's timed with blinking lights, I'm, I'm on for it. I think it should. I think if it, it went fast enough, you could do that persistence of vision thing. So you could take the time. Yeah. Well, you could you could you could use that. that as the crystal for the real time clock too. So I think, I think that's fair. <laughs> so so episode ninety five will be known as we we beat the hardware guy to death. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so Curtis, why clock? did I come on the show? Anyway? <laughs> Curtis, the, the raping of Jim Brain. I know. He oh. asked me to come on the show, and this is what I get. Okay. I guess it was to for, very welcome. Clarify, clarify the scope and 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 purpose of the extender. Yeah. So, I will yeah. say I do remember when Richard came out with the boomerang. We learned about it the day it was available for order. <laughs> That's right. So, yeah, he didn't he didn't accept any input. Um, but uh, you know, you can do that if you've got something brewing on the side. Well, I yeah. think we talked about that many, many moons ago. We were chatting about hardware projects, and I told I told folks that it's it's a there's a it's a balance, right? Because if you if you talk about it early, then people comment on early. Yeah, then this happens. It, yeah, well, yeah. So uh, exhibit A, right? So <clears throat> or you can do right. a boomerang, which just shows up one day, and exhibit B. <laughs> so so at uh, at Coco Fest, you'll. You'll be beaten with Nerf bats. Right. <laughs> You'll be beating all of us with real bats. Yeah, he should. It'll, yeah. Be, a, I'll, I'll it'll be, be a physical a representation of that. I mean, that sh that should be the thing. When somebody comes to the retro innovations table, you should have a baseball bat there saying, "I welcome your input," right? <laughs> and have that like taped to a piece of paper on the baseball bat. <laughs> right. This is my input stick. <laughs> so, Richard, when are you putting out the real time clock? That's what it is. Uh, tomorrow. Richard. Yeah. Tomorrow. yeah I Yep. <laughs> See, it's as easy as that. Yeah. I mean, uh, so can I request an uh, like an LCD display on the clock too, so I can always <laughs> see what time it is? Absolutely. And if it could be if it could be solar powered, and maybe even have a satellite uplink, so it can get the geosynchronous orbit of the uh, atomic are clock. We, are we are we going to need a fan in our cocoa pretty soon? <laughs> no. No. Everything we're putting into it runs cooler than the original hardware, so. True. Oh. 609 runs way cooler memory runs way cooler 
Yeah, but isn't it cool power. how when you when you turn on a, a Tandy One Thousand, you have to wear earmuffs because it's so loud. <laughs> I mean, Jim, Jim's blood pressure might be going up, but other than that, uh... I'm I'm okay. I took a Valium and I was fine. <laughs> <laughs> now you're ready for the Commodore crowd when you're all Valiumed out. That's right. Um, oh my God. We love you, Jim. Talk oh. slower. So what's the biggest project in the Commodore world at the moment? What What's the current thing going on? Are they talking about sound chips? <laughs> yeah, no, they, they uh, I mean, they have a sound card. It's a, what they call a, um, it's, a it's got Sid. a 3812, a Yamaha 3812. So if I could jump in just real quick on the ridiculousness of the sound uh, card thing for the Commodore. So they had this new Commodore um, 64 Ultimate board, which is basically the, re the whole replacement of the entire computer, right? But better, mm -hmm. which is what we were talking about. On that board, you can choose a software SID or a hardware SID. To, and and the and you have the choice of, of either SID, uh, both in software and in hardware. You can have the first generation SID or the Commodore 64C SID. So they're like awash with sound solutions they don't even know what to do with it that's right that's true they do well and there's people that are purists right they don't want an fpga said they want the real thing and only the real thing and there's the 6581 crowd which is the old glitchier sid equivalent to like the 86 gimme so to speak and then mm -hmm. there's the 8580 sid crowd which is the new 64c sid that you just mentioned and digi samples don't work as well on the 8580 they work better on the 6581 so sometimes you have to choose a different sid per game have they got a real-time clock? Uh, I on the ultimate, I believe they do a real-time. I was going to say they don't even have a real OS, so it probably not. Yeah, that's about uh, the same. They do have OSs, but I would, yeah, I would say where's Geos for the for the Coco, right? Yeah, uh, I don't want single nice... tasking. What do I want single tasking? Uh, oh yeah, whatever. Well, they have <laughs> they have Linux, they have they have Linux, and they have Contiki, which are both real-time, so or both uh, multitasking. Yeah, Contiki actually, somebody was porting to the Coco years and years ago, but they never finished. Yeah, so Contiki is probably, it's got a web browser and it's got the yeah. client and it's got a Telnet client and whatnot. So, yeah, in all seriousness, no, no, the, Bill and I will commit to supporting if you, if one of you guys gets a real time clock running in whatever shape or form that you guys want to do there, we'll, we'll definitely rent the driver for it. For well, us. I feel I, I, I am positive. So, obviously, since everybody is focused so much energy on this, I mean, we focused a ton of energy back in what, episode 60 or 50 or something like that about sound, and now we've got tons of sound options, right? So now that everybody's focused on real-time clocks, I'm sure it's just a matter of time before the real-time clocks show up. The key, though, is, is <clears throat> yeah, I wasn't really concerned overly about Nitrous 9. Did anybody check Amazon before they started piling on their wish list? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what I'm probably most concerned about is the fact that you have, like I said, you have two options. You have sound, you have real-time clocks that are going to be completely compatible with all the old software, like ADOS 3, I think, has a real-time clock capability yep. built into it or whatnot. And there's probably, what was the other one? Flex. I think Flex has a real-time clock uh, driver built into it or whatnot. But those are the real-time clocks that are really expensive. And so it's a bear to put them on the board. It's a bear to put them in. So you probably want to use one of the cheaper ones, one of the newer ones. They're not compatible. And so I can just, I can just hear it now that somebody will decide to put one of those cheap new real-time clocks on them and everybody will complain that all their old software won't work and they want it to be changed and who's going to change the software. Well, you will have well, to move to, to ease of use, I think, eventually. 
Yeah, the Nitrous Nine side, I will definitely cover. Um, Arthur Flexer, the guy who did uh, Art Flexer, who did the uh, ADOS, is still on the groups and stuff here. And he said that people can modify his code. He doesn't have any problem with that. Yeah, well, it, but that's fair. Who, who, though, right? Because that's the thing. What will happen? I mean, sorry. Well, how, to, how different are they to program, I guess, is the question. A lot, a lot. I mean, they're not, they're not any more complicated to program. It's just different, right? It's like, it's like, um, Programming. Just mapped IO and you got six bytes, onesie, month, day. Well, it depends if you, it, yeah, it's basically, it's, it's very, very, you know, very, very simple. It's just a completely different way of programming it. But the thing is, is, you know, since, since this basically is Jim gets to rant night, um, <laughs> yeah. what, what'll happen is, is people will, let's say I'm the one that ends up build, putting this in, right? And I design it and I say, well, I'm going to use one of these cheap RTCs and put it out there. Everybody will yell at me because they'll say, "Well, your your device isn't compatible, so you suck." Well, and only they, if it's in Chinese, huh? <laughs> you know, cheap chips. And well, no, no, I'm being real. I'm real chip. I'm just saying it won't be compatible until people say, "Well, you suck." If you were a real hardware designer, you'd have, you'd have made something that was compatible with all the old real time clocks, right? Wow. So we we had done real chips before. I mean, the the Dista one was one of the memory mapped ones from what I remember, and the smartwatch was that you know ROM ghosting. Yep, right, yep. orbit yep. sequencing so we had both even before we did you did you did but if you have a third one that's not compatible with any of them then you know where we're going to go right? i just i'm predicting it right i'm going to have my gold crystal ball here and i'm just prophesying that that is exactly what's going to happen somebody's going to say well i was going to buy it but it's not compatible with i run ados and i only run ados i don't run this nitrous nine crap and this new routes on clock is not compatible with ados and so it sucks. And the designer sucks, and the board sucks, and I hate it. <laughs> the world it sucks. Well, as long as I paid uh, for it ahead of time, that's fine. I personally would like a regular segment of, of Jim ranting. Oh, that's <laughs> on the show. <laughs> I, like I said, I can't. I, 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 we could probably do something for ADOS because, from what I remember, the ADOS thing wasn't too complicated. I, well, I know what I, I, How many people thing. run ADOS? I know, but you guys are using. I do. You're using Three. specifics. What I'm no, 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 not how many people can run it. How many people actually <laughs> run it? Yeah. When you turn your cocoa on, does ADOS come up? Wrong. I'm not. I but, can. But, but understand my point. I'm not saying it's ADOS. I just happen to think about yeah, that. Yeah. No, ad for today. I'm saying all the people who aren't I, no, nitrous mining people who have some pet thing that they have to have that has to run the old way. That's the people who are going to complain. Well, let them buy whatever product works with that thing, and your product yeah. can work for oh, the... Oh, I totally get it. And, you know, <laughs> it'd be great if Facebook worked that way, wouldn't it? <laughs> I mean, Nitrous 9 is just going to take over the world anyway, so it doesn't really matter. I mean, yeah, you know, no. Now, welcome to the land of the delusional. So. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we converted Nick already, so... Yeah, yeah Nick, so, Nick, Nick, I never Nick, thought I, that I, would happen, so... Yeah, one of the chips I've been looking at is the DS thirteen oh seven. But it's like FBI Jim mentioned, or ITC or something. Yeah, but it has that serial interface, which yeah. I is it's something. It's kind of beyond. I mean, you could hook it up into an Arduino, but that would just be more added baggage, you know, overhead. But the key is well, it's true. The key though is, is it's just it's different, right? It's changed, right? So, you know, it's, and I get it. I mean, it, 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 it's you'd like to have things that just plug and plug them in, and you run them, and they just automatically work, and you don't have to worry about it. But <clears throat> you know, I, I think I saw some of those those Davos chips are like um, sixteen dollars, and that's the cost to buy the thing, not to sell it to people. 
$16 is what it would cost for me to source it. And so, you know, if I'm going to, or whoever, like Ed, let's say Ed buys it, pays 16 bucks for it. Well, he's got to charge something to make it worth his while to put it on a board. So by the time you're done, you've added 20 bucks and all you got out of it is one little function. And that doesn't even count all the rest of the stuff that's got to be put on the board. So that's the thing. If you put the thing on and you say, oh, well, I make it compatible and I'm going to charge you $25 and like, oh, you suck because you, tar- you, you charge too much money for this thing. It should be, mm-hmm. I could buy it from China for 30 cents. And like, oh, okay. <clears throat> well, what to do is you put a socket for a specific real-time clock, sell it without the chip. So if you want a real-time clock, add and you know, buy the chip and plug it in. And that that is you're right. That's probably a permissible option because then people will will say, well, I don't want to spend that much. And like, okay, there you I go. Don't, you, got yeah. you don't have to have it, right? That's precisely yeah. what Disto did because they sold the Super Controller too with no halt functionality and multiple mm-hmm. ROMs with a switch. Mm-hmm. by itself or then you can add a two-in-one board a three-in-one board a four-in-one board you could add a sass you could add a clock you could add r yep. to parallel whatever and yep. you picked what you wanted to pick afterwards that's right worked that's great right. for them it did and so that that may actually be the way <clears throat> to kind of circumvent the problem um, but i you know i'd hope that there'd be enough uh traction to just Put a and maybe what the deal is is you put a you put the new one on and you put a like kind of a variation on Nick's idea. You put the new one on and it's on there because it's like fifty cents. And then you put a socket for the old one and you're like, okay, people, I put an I put a real time clock on this board. But if you don't like it, you can put your own one on that's like backwards compatible with Super ID or whatever Disto. Uh, but you got to source it. It's fifteen yeah. bucks plus shipping or whatever. That would be a bad idea. Yeah, so you, mm-hmm. that may be a possible way of doing it. How much would just a socket in the, that cost? Would that be just cents, I would presume? Yeah, I think the sockets are probably 20 cents or 30 cents or something. So For an extra bonus be... money, you can actually wire it up so it's actually hooked up, too. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Did somebody say my idea was good? Uh, <laughs> yes, I did. Definitely not. <laughs> <clears throat> you do from time to time have good ideas. Yeah. <laughs> I, like I said, Bill, Bill and I can commit. I mean, I'm going to be working on uh, RAM disk drivers for the 8 meg card once I get it installed at, at the fest. Yeah, yeah. A couple of ideas of things I want to try with that. I'll talk to you at the fest about. That's fine. Um, I also want to well, get supporting the 32 DAT task register things too, natively. And the real-time clock, I, I will definitely do because I could use that in my development stuff. I might even help patch ADOS or... HDB DOS or whatever. HDB DOS would be the one, I think. I think there was a patch version of HDB DOS that had a real-time clock capability. Well, Robert Galt will know how to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. they basically they were I'm using learning. time stamping stuff the exact same reason I'm having problems when I'm doing all my backups here. I've backed up 100 disks of stuff of mixed programs and things, and then I go back to see you know which ones are my new ones I've just made the last couple of days, which are the ones I did about a month and a half ago, so I can remember where I left off before I got busy with work. And they're all dated exactly the same, so I have no flipping idea. So what 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 date and time is on it? I never check. And I never put my little card back in my computer to find out what what's the date that they all get stamped on. In my case, they're all saying 1969, oh. and I can't remember the exact date. Right. July 20th. Is that it? Okay. So we landed on the moon. <laughs> True. Uh, well, there you go. One small step for man. That's if you believe they landed on the moon. Oh, no. oh sorry. Don't start that crap. <laughs> sorry, Richard. Uh, oh, God. Eagle has landed. 
Oh, I've yes, seen the movie. Wait. It's not true. If we can put a man on the moon, we can put a real-time clock in the freaking Coco 3. Can I right. get an amen? Amen. <laughs> amen. That's the ammunition. Mm-hmm. And then, like, I, I was talking to Nick earlier, like, I've got some definite plans, and I actually had discussed it with John Strong a few years ago, but I've actually got a bit more concrete plans on how to implement some OS9 or Nitrous 9 stuff for supporting the various sound chips and, and having some lowest common denominator stuff that works with all of them and some other advanced features that you can query and ask the chip mm -hmm. whatever you've got. And you we know, never... Capabilities coming back. We never thought of this, but w once you have a sound chip and a clock, it, it could t say the time. Absolutely. Yep. Well, that's be speech. <laughs> that would be a speech sound pack. Yeah, right. Yeah. Like the talking alarm clocks. Yeah, the, but it yeah. could. Yeah. It, it, I think, but I, I think the, I think the OPL3 has a PWM or a pseudo PWM mode. So you could, you know, if you, I mean, you'd have to run high CPU, but you could get it to output some digitized speech, like speech, I think. Yep. Cool. I mean, there's an SSP driver for Nitrous 9 already, but you do have to kick it down to 0.895 megahertz. You modify what I'm, <clears throat> what I'm waiting for is, course once we get so let's say we get over the real-time clock hurdle the next thing that, that that nick wants to push on us is the fact that if you have a sound ic on the board now you need a controller on the board to automatically take data from the memory and feed it to the sound chip without the cpu having to do anything oh you mean that's not built in already see see there you go <laughs> so, Hey, don't that, blame me for that. <laughs> Jim, we kind of talked about this before, that auxiliary board where you can add a second and a third, six through a nine. I think that's a good function for it to do. That, that, that's fair. That's definitely fair. And one of the, one of the 6309, now the, the, six, the dual 6309 board has the DAC built on, on it because I was already thinking about that. Just thinking, uh, and there's three megahertz ones too, if I remember correct, right? The or what? three and a half? Uh, four megahertz. Four, yeah. megahertz. four okay. megahertz. Yeah. Um, but yeah, those are those got the the dual DAC is sitting on that board, um, so it doesn't have the YMF chip, but it has the dual DAC. Because I was thinking, well, people know how to write for the Orchestra 90, so if you dump some code into there and you do some Orchestra 90 stuff, you can do PDF, you can do pulse width modulated sound or um, DAC sound all day long. Yep, like real digitized samples, and with CPUs running twice the speed that we are running now, so they can actually handle much higher fidelity. That's right. That's right. Yeah. And like but, you said, the software's already done. We have working software for that. It's just changing what address it's pointing to. Correct. Correct. That's absolutely. But correct. as of today, if you get a, if you want to develop for the Mega Minute MPI sound chip, mm -hmm. you are not sacrificing CPU cycles to, to use that OPL chip, or you are. I'm a little you're, confused. You're sacrificing much fewer cycles. Oh, yeah. okay. um, you're sending stuff to the chip saying, okay, you play this sound for this length of time. And these four voices, and then I'll yeah, that give you was, something. That was one of the videos I had queued up, which we'll just say for next week. But Ed, Ed Snyder had posted a video of his latest tracker that he's working on where you can kind of put in sheet music and play the notes. And when you look down the line, he starts a note, and then you can skip so many bars, and then it tells it when to stop. So you basically turn mm -hmm. the note on, and the note will continue to play until you tell that note to stop. Yeah. Um, and um, and I think he had a little example where he's doing two voices of music and it played and it was pretty simple to follow what he was doing on the screen with that grid he set up in his tracker. And he said at single speed, 0.89 megahertz, it was using 0.5% CPU uh, yeah. processing power. So half of a CPU percentage was required to drive that chip. 
It doesn't use mm-hmm. much at all. I mean, most uh, even when you look at, at chiptunes, you know, for like you know the Nintendo, whatever, those are are, are <clears throat> blocked at fifty or, or sixty hertz, depending on the, the the region, and that's all you're updating. You're updating that chip sixty, you know, sixty times a second. That's usually, I mean, so you can certainly go faster than that, but you know, there's usually not a whole lot of reason to, unless you're doing something really, you know like a, a sound effect or, or something. something yeah it's it's uh uh but you know the, the options are there but you know what, what are you gonna do yeah hey nice speaking, brian speaking of sound, night all night. night thanks for being here brian you, brian Spe- speaking of sound chet uh-huh. I, oh there's something new i got your other board done are oh, you gonna sweet. get me some software for it yeah, I've got a couple of discs I've got to pull up. I've been uh, sick all week, so I've been down. I'm still trying to catch up. Um, but I do have a couple of discs. I'll get you the images of them uh, here tonight. Well, I got the Lyra discs, if that's what you're t- talking about. But Yeah, yeah, that's actually what I'm, what I'm talking about. Yeah, I got them, but I can't get any, I mean, I can't get any of them to run. I mean, I, the, right. Curtis had said that the, old, the newer version of it, but the disc I have only has lyra.bin in the 2.88 lyra and if you run it it just locks up my machine the only one that works is 262 and it doesn't have a thing it would be easier if there would i'll be honest with you it would be easier if there was like a test program probably something in basic or something or whatnot right. that i could test it with because if it doesn't work it's easier to figure it out if i can have something smaller that i can just keep loading over and over and over or keep running over and over and over um, yeah, I've uh, I've got some stuff for uh, for the joystick that we were talking about the other day as well, um, but yeah, I mean th- there's certainly a, a, a fair amount of code. I think I actually already have some for uh, for the AY um, that will uh, handle that. Plus, uh, if you look at um, the uh, demos or the uh, the uh, examples that are in. The uh, speech and sound cartridge module; those could be helpful too, because it's it's really the same chip. The only thing is you're you're going through, uh, um, you know, the the pick to do it, but you're actually you know either you're in some way you're storing those commands that should be going to the chip. Correct. Correct. Yep. But anyway, the hardware is done. I just need I need something to run to test it. Sweet. I will uh, I will see what I can get for you here uh, tonight and uh, and tomorrow. I've got uh, some stuff laying around that should be uh, should be helpful. Chet, do you actually have the original Symphony 12 software? Because that's something that's not on the archive. The, the manual's there, but the software's See, that's what I that, that's what I don't know yet, and that's the, the chicken-egg thing. I don't have a device to test it on, and and, and I, I, until this point, nobody had a device to test the uh, you know, test this on. So it, it's I don't actually know. It's it's the, the newer version of it, so it's supposed to have that support in there. Why? Yeah. Because looking yeah. in the manual, it mentions that you go to Alt set Play Source or something like that. Then there was options for the York 90, the Speech Sound Pack, and then optionally the Symphony 12 one, and that's the one that seems to be missing or or is bugger right. numbers. But I didn't know if you ever had the original Symphony 12. I know Bill did, but unfortunately that got sold off a long time ago, so it's he don't right. Know well, and as soon as I know that all the voices work, I mean, I'll, I'll send you one. You can then you can add the code for it. But I, I hate sending them out until I know that at least it does something. Yeah, yeah, because uh, I've actually got a Cocoa 1 coming, and then I'll be getting a couple of Cocoa 3s here pretty soon. So it's uh, definitely looking forward to actually playing with the real hardware. 
Yeah, it'll be interesting to hear what it sounds like because it'll have 12 voices. Yeah, yeah, I'd like to hear that. Um, Real-time clock possibility for that one there? <laughs> I've, already, I've already designed the board to include it. Yeah, uh, yeah, MIDI. <laughs> I'd much, I'd much rather have some, you know, I'd much rather have wireless sound. Wireless, uh, yeah, Bluetooth. <laughs> Put a Bluetooth module on there where we yeah, can beam it. Are, oh. And it's Dolby thirteen point one if we can. Mm, Atmos. Easy request, so yeah. <laughs> I'll just add that yeah. in this afternoon or this evening. An MPEG decoder would be really cool, man. <laughs> Getting right on it. Actually, I think Ed's already got an MP3 decoder, doesn't he? Yeah, he's, 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 he's developing a hardware one. Yeah, uh, I'm looking. I'm looking for movies, man. I, 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 I got <laughs> MP4 movie. decoder, right? Sorry. MP4, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I guess I should ask, considering all that's gone down, Jim. We will see you at Coco Fest. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's got to bring well, his bat, but yeah. Well, until tonight. <laughs> uh, yeah, I've I've already got a the my tables squared away i've already um, committed to buying the eight meg upgrade from you too yeah okay. so, I, so i gotta, I gotta come at least on friday night clandestinely and deliver a, a board to curtis but um but yeah I, i'll there however i do need to um remind you i do need to book my uh, hotel so is the block open yet anybody know what was uh, the question the hotel the hotel block block? is it opened up with the special yeah. you can call uh, I, I haven't called. I, I haven't decided where I'm going to stay. If I'm going to stay there or not, but uh, just I, I'll call. I just I should do that. So I, I always forget, and it gets to be late, and the lock's already closed. So tell him David Ladd sent you. Yes, right. mm, David will the, probably be there, so he'll get him the and his, David Ladd uh, discount. Yeah, him and his um, half Dr Pepper or Pepper and half water, which will get stolen. I I'll give ten dollars. Anybody <laughs> who can surreptitiously steal his half and half on Friday night or Saturday night. Or Saturday. Yeah, I'm just going to add another half a thing of water to it to really screw him over. So it's uh, like, that would be terrible. Wait for it to get down um, in a minute. Mess up Jim the will offer a, for that. a complimentary real time clock to anyone That's who right. steals the That's Dr. Right. Pepper. Okay. Tom C is back with us. Hey, Tom, you got here just in time, huh? Because you, you, left. Did, you, you did not hear the full story about that because I mean he he I think somebody just threw it away thought it was empty or whatever but anyway he was sure that somebody stole it and he was just on and on oh, and on oh on yeah I never heard the end of it and he talked about it in on I think he talked about it on Coco, in Coco Talk a couple weeks after the show right so much so <laughs> that my daughter who thinks this whole show is just so humorous she came down one night and he was making some sort of comment about it. And of course I was just listening in and she goes, Oh my goodness. Is that guy still complaining about it? <laughs> <laughs> I said, yes, yes, dear. He is. Uh, so, and she, so when we were then, of course, I don't know if, I think some of you knew this at VCF Midwest, we're out grabbing man food on Friday night, right? My daughter's with me and we're grabbing, you know, donuts and, and uh, and chocolate cookies and and whatever and pop and whatnot and so we're walking by and I said hey we got to get some diet Dr Pepper so we bought like this twelve pack of eight ounce diet Dr Peppers and we presented it to David at VCF Midwest on Saturday morning just so we'd make sure that he was full up for the whole weekend I think we saw I think you posted that on yeah, Discord I think somebody somewhere. 
I think somebody took video of it and posted it. So <clears throat> it'll be interesting to see what he does this time. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, according to Facebook, we had 259 views on Facebook tonight, but I never saw more than 12 people being in there at any given time. But, you know, somebody comes and goes and comes back or somebody drives by for a second. It counts as a view. So, yeah, um, they, might have, they might have only stayed for an hour or two or three. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, um, yeah, four four hours. So we, we were like a few minutes shy of five hours. And, and I think we should probably just because we can just pushed us to have a five-hour episode because I don't think we've had a five-hour episode yet, and we're only 20 minutes away. So I'm sure You're you kidding. guys can... I, I think you guys can think about something to talk about for the next 20 minutes, right? Isn't that, well, that uh, uh, <laughs> Anyone got any gripes? Uh, <laughs> I can talk. I haven't talked at all. No, Mikey. you haven't, Mike. <laughs> Go ahead, no, Mike. Do you want to design busy. a blitter board? <laughs> What's that? Mike, do you do any hardware at all? Uh... If not you know, really. I would recommend not starting. The people here are. Oh, <laughs> I could dig my box and show you one of my hardware projects. That's probably more, uh, more in the um, Paul Barton category. Yeah. Well, I think, if Mikey, if you can develop a, a drive wire or pie drive wire that's ease of use, that I could actually get working and therefore not need a real-time clock, then I won't have to bother Jim Brain about a stupid real-time clock. So it's mostly your fault, is what I'm saying. Yeah, I think we should okay. have shouldn't have said anything. I started curling my hair. It's, <laughs> a, it's a challenge to get going on part of the project. <clears throat> it's not easy to install and use right now, and I know it. That's actually a pretty difficult area, packaging and release and all that stuff. So well, the Java uh, Java drivewire, it seems like it would be easy, and certainly uh, there's a GUI, and it looks like uh, you know just click here and add here, and there's a smile, there's a little cocoa icon, and and then I can tell that it's working because I see the bits changing, but I can't get it to work. So you know, I think there's more work to be done. Tom C asked just something, Steve. Oh, did you? Where's that, Tom? Tom? Tom C wants to know where the Guinness is. Oh, yeah, yeah. That that Guinness was drinking at lunchtime, Tom. Yeah. It's a good picture, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, um, I, I was I was texting Tom in the middle of the day today to see if he'd be able to be a backup to stream because I was like, had a pretty hectic day. And then I was like, yeah, I like, I've been, I've been like working all day. I haven't had time to do anything. But I'm like, well, but I did manage to have time to go to the ale house so I could have like nachos and a Guinness. And Tom's like, I'm having a Guinness too. So I took a picture of my beer and sent it to him today at lunchtime. So, <laughs> oh man. Well, you it's did a good job, Stevie. I, I know it's not easy being Switzerland and, and you, you know, uh, you did a good job kind of keeping everybody together as you usually do so eh, i don't know i'm not i'm just not really that interested in being switzerland anymore anyway so um speaking of uh things like that uh how's mr bjork doing is he okay <laughs> speaking, of switzerland. Uh, speaking of switzerland yeah yeah uh, uh <laughs> i guess so I haven't spoke we haven't has anybody heard from him this week he was on last week i haven't heard from him this week uh, well uh retro gaming expo is coming up in socal so uh hmm guess um i don't know if he well will be seeing me or not but i will be going 
That'd be I'm cool. going to make a run for it, guys. All right. Hey, Nick, thanks for being here. Thanks for championing uh, the real-time clock for Nitrous 9 users everywhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah. so um, you need another controversial uh, uh, thing to talk for next week's show. I'll, can, I, I'll email can, can we get two two real-time clocks? I need one in military time and one in, in 12 hours. We need, we need, yeah, with the GMT time, the you, 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 the – Grand, I've Greenwich got some meeting. ideas for the boomerang board, so I'll I'll put them up. On <laughs> 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 wow! I didn't think anything was going to beat the uh, the the butt banger from last week, but I think we, I think we've run a close second here. So this is good. So. <laughs> last week showing up I, now i'm really kind of curious whether or not i want to caution <laughs> uh, is probably warranted um yeah it's, no, it's the, 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 the interesting thing is the week before that episode we had a we had kind of an inadvertent um, but appearance um so it's kind of all <laughs> we did yes yeah, yeah. what was yeah, that long story i don't remember that uh uh, one of our pan our panelists mm. had a had a a wardrobe a, malfunction. A wardrobe malfunction. Thank you. Had oh, okay. Crack. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, yeah, I uh, I noticed when I was listening to Chet's uh, interview on the Coco Crew, they they actually uh, like bleep not really bleeped them, but like muted a few of the words, so you could tell what he was saying, but he didn't say it. So. Kind of reminded me of listening to like a gangster rap song on regular radio, you know. <laughs> like, and it wasn't that many times. He was just saying something like, "Hey, you know, if you guys are going to say something, don't be a dick about it," or something like that. But it was just a few things yeah. like that, and you could tell when they were kind of uh, censored out of there. So yeah, to- well, we we could do that to Nick Morantes anytime he says real time clock. <laughs> uh, so, oh man, be like listening to that old assuming song by Storm and Birdsey. Mm, you met, you lost me on that one. Oh, you haven't heard that? I'll have to send no. you a copy. Mm. All right, so we're 10 minutes away from a five-hour uh, marathon show. Okay, uh, so we'll hang out for another 10. We'll play well, the outro, I, I, and then we'll think of something. Yeah, that's right. We'll do, do, <laughs> we'll do phase the good. See, Ron, that's why we have you here, Ron. <laughs> yeah. Ron's, Ron's the guy who knows that'll, it all. That'll eat up time. Yeah, all right, so we're going to play phase one of the outro. So hold on, and we'll be one. back. Phase one. Don't play it backwards. This concludes another episode of Coco Talk, the world's leading live talk show featuring the Tandy Color Computer. For all things Coco Talk, visit us on the web at cocotalk.live. We'd love to hear from you. Send feedback, suggestions, even segments via email to cocotalk at cocotalk.live. Consider supporting the show with a purchase of merchandise from our retro swag shop at 8-Bit. Consider supporting the show with a purchase of a real-time clock. Click on the Patreon link. Coco Talk would not exist without the community and its cast and crew. Thanks go to Curtis Boyle, David Ladd, Mark Overholzer, Grant Leedy, Bruce Moore, Nick Morentes, Ron Delvaux, Rick Adams, Jason Reichert, Richard Lorbieski, Jim Brain, Karen Anscombe, Simon Jonason, and many, many more. Special thanks to Steve Bjork for production suggestions and to Brian Joyce, Ken Reichert, and Rob Inman for all of their bonus content Inman. and contributions, as well as Roger Taylor for getting us on the Coco TV channel on Roku. 
please help support the Coco community by visiting some of its contributors. The Coco Crew Podcast at CocoCrew.org. Glenside Color Computer Club, host of Coco Fest at GlensideCCC.com. Jim Brain and Retro Innovations at Go, the number four, Retro.com. Tandy Assembly at TandyAssembly.com. Boyson Technologies at B-O-Y-S-O-N-Tech.com. Get your own switcheroo and wallaby cable at cocoman.biz. Cloud9 Technologies at cloud9tech.com. Coco Talk is hosted by Steve Strobridge, co-hosts, technical directors, segment hosts, and producers, Curtis Boyle, David Ladd, Grant Leedy, Mark Overholzer, Ron Delvaux, and Jason Reichert. The Coco Talk theme song is copyright 2008 by D. Bruce Moore and Greg Sheeler. Mixed, mastered, and produced by D. Bruce Moore. we go the smaller the audience gets to we're down to 11 <laughs> viewers on youtube so thank you really? and i'm sorry yes so but uh, the I fact that 11 uh, my uh, live me... feed says 11 viewers uh, so. you, i hit refresh we had a we had a mass exodus in the last minute yeah yeah that's fine that's, listen can't make Stick everybody happy. copy that song i was talking about too if you want to take a quick listen hey i'm just like nick i leave for a couple hours and you guys are still at it yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> All right, what am I looking for, Curtis? Uh, just a song I sent you. It's called The Assuming Song. You sent it to me in my email? Yeah. The Assuming Song. Hold on. Is there, Am I going to get a copyright flag on this for having it on YouTube? Um, yes. it's, it's made by DJs, so I don't know if it's copyrighted per se, but if you want, you can wait till after the YouTube stream is done. We can find out. There was an old farmer who lived on a rock. He sat in the meadow just shaking his fist at some boys who were down by the creek. Their feet in the water, their hands on their marbles and playthings. And at half past four, there came a young lady. She looked like a pretty young creature. She sat on the grass. She pulled up her dress and she showed them her ruffles and laces and white fluffy duck. She said she was learning a new way to bring up her children so they would not spit. While the boys in the barnyard were shoveling refuse and litter from yesterday's hunt. While the girl in the meadow was rubbing her eyes at the fellow down by the dock. He looked like a man with a sizable home in the country with a big fence out front. If he asked her politely, she'd show him her little pet dog who was subject to fits. And maybe she'd let him grab hold of her small tender hands with 
she'd bend over and suck on his candy so tasty made of butterscotch. I think we've lost our Roku screen. All over her cookies that she had left out on her shelf. If you think this is dirty, you can go yourself. Ah. Theater of the mind. Yes, yes, yes. Wow. Yes. wow. Really, Curtis? Really? That's great. <laughs> That's great. So this is where we transition over really? to Really? 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 That was like, like that time Curtis pulled out his dictation machine. Uh, and... <laughs> ah, yes, I know that one too. Uh, I, I, I think it's time for a flush. <laughs> <laughs> There we go. There we go. There we go. There we go. <laughs> it's only a complaint. It's more like it. Sorry, I hit the wrong button. You gotta wait or, for that one to play out. <laughs> or, or did you? I, I believe many laws have been broken this evening, but yeah. That's yes, uh, I do. I do have a complaint uh, about our executive producer Rondell Lowe. Um, oh, I believe that, he's huh? the celebrity wrangler, and, and we had a bit of a fail tonight. Well, that's that not was, Ron's fault. That was not no. on my control. The, the, the guest that Ron had booked and procured show up. Ron wasn't responsible yep. for getting Dennis here. I was I was re- responsible. Let me just say <laughs> I heard for him to say it. Listen yes. To him. I invited <laughs> Yes. I invited the other half of this meeting of the minds and, and verbally confirmed with that said individual today and, and then that person was a no show. So we can't control that. Um, but why don't it, we have them on next Thursday on Coco Talk? <laughs> next Thursday, yeah, we won't really have it, you know. Oh, okay, sure. <laughs> so, so we'll get it together. It, I mean, this is this is when you do it live, and you know, people have schedules and and things. You know, things happen. So, in, in this yeah. case, things didn't happen. So, if you um, have to introduce the new Sting song to play us out. Yeah, to play us out. Yes, yes. We'll do it live. But uh, Ron Ron held up his half of the bargain. Ron, yeah, I was sweating it. But... Thank you, Ron. <laughs> yeah, sure. And, and Dennis was very cool just to kind of hang out the whole time, you know? Yeah, good. Yeah. And the next week is Craig, right? Uh, yeah, that's the plan. That's the plan. What we're, what we're going to do is we're going to, like, read... I might need somebody to read it to me. I might need to get the audio book version with pictures and paint by numbers and stuff. But if I can somehow figure out how to consume the instructions to his games, we'll try to do a um, we'll try to do a proper playthrough. Yeah, yeah. So we're gonna try to feature your software next week with you, and um, and I'll try to get the directions on how to play them properly, and maybe do an updated video even on this. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Don't, don't 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 spend too much time on that. Uh, we can talk yeah. about it. Uh, but uh, yeah, we, we can, can do it live. We'll do it live. Right. Yeah, that's it. We're, we'll we'll even play them upside down. Okay. Yeah, you can see them. It's gonna be one of those sessions, eh? Oh, hey, we got a suggestion here from Al Hartman. He says we should change the website from Go for Retro to Go for RTC. <laughs> <laughs> For all your real-time clock needs. You're off my Christmas list. <laughs> You're off the Christmas <laughs> Retro innovations for all your real-time clock needs. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, how do we know how to end the show if we don't have a real-time clock? Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, but we are. Have we just started or just ended? Or? <laughs> yeah, how do you know? We're, we did. We like you. 
Is this we, it? We need the real time clock to time how long the uh, the RMAs go back to Richard from Jim. <laughs> Fifteen seconds. Well, less than that. So, Tom C., you've been awfully quiet this evening. What What do you think about uh, hardware? Guys <laughs> are killing me. You drove me to drink again. Congratulations. <laughs> You're drinking light beer. It doesn't even count. That's like mineral water. <laughs> well, That's like you know, American beer to the rest of it. Has something to do with hey, the Steve. You know, with the with the, with the uh, quantity of what you're doing here. So yeah, yes, yes, Mikey. Did you see my beast of a computer that I have here? <clears throat> I'm not sure. Hi, Mark. How is your beast? Hey, what are we talking about? <laughs> We're talking about <laughs> Apple <laughs> twos. What, what, kind of, what is that, Mikey? If I turn it, will you recognize it? If I turn it around and you look at this part. Oh my goodness! It's a, tele, it's a teletype. It looks like a teletype machine with a uh, ZX Sinclair. Spectrum keyboard in it. Z Sinclair. Is that the the computer is actually here? Is that a repack Sinclair with a real keyboard? It is. Yeah. Okay. I don't see it. Oh, works. That's that was your wallpaper before, right? Right. Okay. Has it got a real time clock? No. What about that? I don't want to hear about it then. Sound chip? <laughs> no, wait, well, it has modem. And does it have a blinky light? It has some lights on it. Okay. There's some LEDs. Like, there. It doesn't even have a video chip. Does it, does it have USB ports on it or uh, HDMI oh, out? <sighs> yep. Drive wire. Darn. Does it me. Does it support? Has it got a butt banger port? A butt banger <laughs> Does a cassette port count? No, I guess not. I think the whole computer is yeah. a butt banger, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's small enough. Definitely to... a good doorstop. Uh, yeah, you could hold open a bigger door with that one there. So yeah. And Mark Overholzer, we got to start the show all over again. Our Apple guy just got here, Mark. Yeah, good timing, uh, Mark. We we're just about to start talking about real-time clocks. Oh, <laughs> good. Yeah, I was going to suggest. You know, for the Apple, we have one that actually uses the Dallas, and it fits under a ROM, and there's a way you access yeah. it. There's actually somebody for the Apple people that remake one that has a rechangeable battery. They're about 40 bucks. Hmm. 40 bucks yeah. for a clock. Mm -hmm. It's a bit much. <laughs> it is. Yeah. But you don't have to modify your computer at all. You just pull a ROM out and put it in the ROM. Yeah. Somebody's <laughs> eating noodles there. Mark, Mark B is having his uh, Chinese food there, so... <laughs> That's good. Have we hit five hours? No, we're we are five minutes away from from the five hour mark. So we got we got oh, more quick. fluffing cover to do the news, here. Then. Might as well yeah. cover the news. I don't feel like covering yeah. news. <laughs> Screw the news. Yeah. We 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 make news. We don't read news. We make news. So. <laughs> the news is hardware discussions. I hope we're not on YouTube anymore. Yeah, we are. No. Are we? No, YouTube is not going to copyright me for you eating noodles or anything, so it's fine. <laughs> Let us know if you get hit for that song. Ah, uh, that would be interesting, wouldn't it? After five hours, right? So you got four hours and four hours of uncopyrighted content, and then you get right in the end there. Does somebody would, actually listen to it to find out? I won't know until no. later on. I'll get an email. I'll have an email by tomorrow morning if the uh, <laughs> if the uh, copyright bots have picked up on that. Um, the algorithm police. Um, there was one that you guys had, I thought you guys had put it in Discord one time too, which is the guy's like, I can do whatever I want uh, as long as she says so. You know, it's like, <laughs> like song where the guy's talking about I'm the man of the house and, you know, but it's like the woman really is. I thought somebody had posted that one before. That was kind of funny too. That, it reminded me of that one. 
Mikey, what do you call your wife? <laughs> oh. oh, she she who must be obeyed, right? <laughs> yes, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. She that's, who must that's be awesome. obeyed. <laughs> <laughs> I forget to tell my wife that. Uh Is she gonna real time clock? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Uh, this uh, this has replaced. Do you got your Coco three yet? With do you got your? You got your clock? real time clock yet? Hey, you got your real time clock yet? <laughs> time to get a real time clock. Oh, yes. our next uh, show is going to be wonderful, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> so we can do another post credit here to kill a little bit more time since we're three minutes away from the five hour mark. So here's post credits phase one. All right. You're okay. <laughs> you, you have a You're rolling, Curtis. You say whatever the hell you want to say. Well, give me some kind of guideline. Um, hi, this is Curtis Boyle. Hey, this is Eric, and you're listening to Coco Talk. All right, we're rolling. You say whatever you want to say, David. Hey, right. I want to Nation, world, sweetie. Weekly, any computer. Something like that. Hi, I'm Tim. Playing dagger is like that idiot from the book. <laughs> You're watching Coco Talk. <laughs> Thank you, David. Uh, now get back up there for one second. Oh, jeez. Come on. What? what, what let's, but, let's get some dry wire, TTL, no, ESP. No, we don't need any dry wire or TTL. <laughs> Hi, it's Chris Boyle, part of the uh, Coco Talk crew of people. Hi, we're on Elbow Timberman. I guess I'll like to uh, experience. Coco Fest, you must come. I brought the only working MC10. I could not get it. I could not get it. I could not get it. Couldn't get it. Ah, by certain someone you know. The world's leading weekly Coco Talk Show. Yeah, something like that. Hi, this is Rick Adams, and I'm the author of Temple of Bronze, Shanghai, and now Bomb Threat, and you're listening to Steven Stroke on Coco Talk. 8-slot MPI, you know, floppy drive, Coco SDC, um, sound speech pack, orchestra 90, RS-232 pack, modem pack, Real I, super IDE. You start adding all those together if you want them all usable at the same time. Well, guess what? You just went over the 4-slot MPI. See, I have a, I have a theory <laughs> that Jim Brain just wants to sell more slots to his 16-slot MPI. That's why... <laughs> Ah. Well, I can neither confirm nor deny that. <laughs> <laughs> Why would he reduce the number of slots that you would need? Uh, yeah. That's right. You you make a very excellent point. We should all ponder that. <laughs> Adding this additional capability is going to squander sales. That's right. So, well, at least sales from David Lack, which is your main source of uh, income for that. Hey, you know, you, you, you guys laugh about that, but I've got one other person that sends me a note all the time wanting to know, you know, well, is there a possibility of getting a 16-slot unit? You know, Jim, what and you should name do rhymes with? is your real-time clock. You should put the year on one card that goes in one slot, and then the, <laughs> and then the, the hour, the minute, the second, you can sell six at a time. As a six at a time, slots, I could. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. It's modular time. Way, you don't have to have all the time. You can have just the time you want. All of that. Maybe they don't care what year it is. They can skip the one module. And so they can, or if they don't right. care or what if, it is, they just need it down mm -hmm. to the minute. It's, it's 
Yeah. And if and it's redundant, if if the year uh, fails, you can replace the year without affecting the rest of the clock. Yeah, it's like it's like being able to change yeah, just yeah. the black you ink. You can buy it printer. over time, so you like you know, clock of the month clock. Nope. Your first clock, you get milliseconds. <laughs> <laughs> how can you tell when you're supposed to get it if you haven't bought the month clock module first <laughs> for your first module we'll have the monthly module and each month after that we'll include another module <laughs> you're taking notes Jim I am <laughs> uh, we've, we've officially, we've All right, officially passed Andy. five hours history has been made our first five-hour show. Um, that was great. This, the show, we started off being called Special Guests. We did have a lot of people that we didn't even plan on being here. You know, Tony Pedraza showed up. Yeah. So Tony Pedraza showed up. Craig Stewart was here. So people who weren't sure were going to be here, that um, was a good show. And uh, it was innocent. It's fun just to sit here and beat on a topic. And, uh, you know, that's what this show is. It's a talk show, and we've been talking. So And people show up. Yeah, we never we promised to be an uh, informative show, just a talk show. So, yeah. But if we didn't have yeah, this show, yeah, yeah. you know, there is some other, other options, but you would basically be left with what we were left with on Facebook. And so it's great to have this opportunity to kind of close the week and hash this out and have have Jim, hash Jim on and, yeah. and, and express our appreciation to to Jim and Richard and everyone that does hardware and yeah, make it sound know. better now. Way to butter it up at the end there. Right? Someplace so, other country. Leave you on a good note here because we yeah. have all over you for an hour. <laughs> Alter is alt history right. is what we got going on here well, right now. That's so, what, yeah. I'm talking about this show. <laughs> I'm trying to compliment this show. And hey, this show. You see yes. Disney Saints fans message on you. Chat. Just just joining five hour show. Did I miss anything? <laughs> Nothing at all. Nothing at all. We can start over. We're like Seinfeld. We start big, over. Long show We're raising money for Timmy. And... Yes. Absolutely. What was it? what was the topic today? Right. So. Yeah. No. Actually, I I I really like um the you know as much as I used to stress out. You know, well, what are we going to have a show about today? We don't know what we're going to talk about. That used to really bother me, not and now knowing what we're going to talk about. Standards is no longer a problem. But right? I, <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, it's just because it's yeah. I mean, honestly, like tonight, dude, this 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 is what I like about this show, and and I like in like the times like when I have other things to do and you guys are just here doing it too. I like the fact that the show is really the combination mm -hmm. of everybody, you know, and. Um, um, you know, these are just, this is a talk show and we're talking and, and this is what you do. And this is what we've been doing for five hours now. And honestly, it's been fun. Like last week too, it was a lot of fun, you know? So, um, you know, th this is my cocoa time. I don't have a lot of time during the week to, for cocoa stuff. So this is like me catching up on everything. Um, and so it's, it's fun for me, you know, and for the 13 people still watching us, thank you. <laughs> and I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I get to put. I'm seeing What's 30 that? on YouTube. Maybe my thing's behind. Oh, you might want to click refresh, Mark. <laughs> that happened to me. Yeah, I'm gonna put my cold feet on my wife's legs when I get in the bed because she's okay. already that, in there. Oh, I got an ad. Uh, yeah, so that got a little bit creepy there, uh, Ron. No, oh, it's not really. <laughs> yeah. All right, Ron. Snuggle time. Thanks for, hey, Ron. Okay, thanks yeah. for being here and for all that you all do. Right. 
Goodbye, guys. I'm off too. I've got Bye. I've got work to do. I've got to come up with uh, next week's we... controversy. <laughs> <laughs> Nick Branches stirring the pot. Weekend uh, remember... <clears throat> stirring yes. the pot since 1987. Because somebody has to. <laughs> yes, these are these are the hard knocking questions. I believe that need to uh, happen. Nick said yeah. it best when he promised Who... a donut dilemma and he delivered. Um, <laughs> all included I'm working on my my material for that oh lord have mercy all right we're gonna we're gonna put a fork in this one we're gonna pull the plug on it there this this show was had a dnr uh with it and so we are gonna we are not gonna try to put it on live support we're gonna pull the plug and let it die Thank you all for being here. Thank you for the panel. We had a really good panel tonight. We had a great uh, turnout. We peaked at like 45 live viewers. Uh, lots of more more sidebar conversations than I could keep up with. So there's been a show within the show too. So thank you all who've been here and who watch and everybody on the panel, everybody who's still with us, L, Curtis Boyle, Mikey Furman, and Mark Bosley, and Mark D. Overholzer, and Mark's cat. And Nick Morentes, the shit pot stirrer, <laughs> Richard Lorbieski, the dumpster fire burner, Rob Inman, the kneader of the real time clock, and Jim Brain, the guy who makes products that are missing features, and Chet Simpson, the guy who gives zero Fs and will code and write software for everything and not bitch about it. And then Tom C., our engineer and resident Jersey and guy who are all here. Nick Morota was here. Disney Saints fan has been here. Robert Sieg has been here. Our MC10 guy, Mr. Pixel Converter guy. Uh, Jenna was here earlier. And all kinds of people in the live chat. Rob Inman, Al Hartman from Jersey. Um, uh, I said Jenna, Rob Inman, scrolling backwards here. Ro 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 yeah. Rogelio, Rogelio uh, was here. Richard Minton, uh, James Jones, David Lord. And uh, Rob Inman, Kevin Becker, uh, just so many. And D. Bruce Moore was here, and Jacob was with him too, live in the Great. panel for a little while. Retro Innovations was here. Ed Snyder chiming in. Um, Ed Snyder. Uh, we had one guy by the name of General Blake 21 on Mixer. And this this is the comment it's still here. My mommy sticks her I finger in my poopy hole was the comment that showed up on the screen. So that was just like a just a drive by trolling. Really? Really? Yes. Uh, D. Bruce Moore, Ed Snyder, Kevin Becker, Robert Sieg, John W. Linville was here. Uh, Ken Brisa. Reichert was here. Jason Downs. Brizza was here, Brian Palmer, uh, Craig Stewart was still with us in Aussie Town, Retro Innovations, uh, just so many people, Roger, D. Bruce Moore, just, I wonder how far back I can scroll, Terry Steeg was here, Garrett Reynolds, Paul Thayer, Keith Clark, uh, Ken Reichert, uh, Nay, Navy Davy One, uh, Ken Reichert, Terry Matchy Games. Did we ever forget who Matchy Games was? Matchy Games was talking to Paul Thayer. Matchy Games was talking about that guy, Eriko, who, who did the uh, semi-graphics pixel art. Uh, Keith Clark, Keith Clark, Tim Franklin. Uh, man, so many people in the live chat. Yeah, so today was a win for live chat as far as 
that chat taking place. It was a lose for me trying to stay on top of it, but there was a lot of live chat going on here today. Chris Cromwell. Um, man. Yeah. Stephen uh, Azalin. Breeza, Neil Berniel, and Mark B. And man, so Paul Fiscarelli stopped by. Tony Jewell from the UK was here. James Jones. Um, yeah, man, tons and tons of people in the live chat. I think it really helps Facebook as part of the stream, to be because you pick up a lot of people who are just perusing Facebook at random, and then you just mm -hmm. suddenly go, oh, the show's on. Ah, okay. Yeah, and listen, I'm already, you know, it's not costing anything extra at this point. I already have upgraded the um, restream to include the custom output, so boom. Now it's going here. So we're here. We're going to press the button. Uh, five hours and nine minutes. History has been made. Any parting thoughts, everybody? Words of wisdom, advice, uh, hardware? Anybody have any ideas on hardware real suggestions clock. for a product? I'm just glad that Facebook has a real-time <laughs> clock and so I could join right on time. We need an interface for the Coco to Facebook, and then we don't have to worry about the real-time clock. There you go. Take care of itself. <laughs> it should just if facebook could just output into the um uh eagle cad software people could submit all their designs straight to jim yeah. <laughs> well i was thinking now that we've done the warm-up we can start the actual show all right. so. mm -hmm. uh, disney saints fan has been here too you're welcome disney oh Thank look you david leds here all right oh no that's final Rob thoughts back background <laughs> yeah i'm just at the coco fest registration desk so yeah that, uh, Final thoughts? Anyone? I'm right, you're Anyone? wrong. <laughs> All right, we're pressing the button. Hey, goodbye, goodbye everybody. <laughs>